My name is Christian Wagner, and I'm the Militant Thomist. How is everybody doing tonight? This is our inaugural Militant Thomist After Dark, where I just bring on whoever and talk about whatever. Thinking uh, Shia Alex said he might come on later. Eric, I'm still waiting on him. Eric redacted. He has a few questions about John Chrysostom he wants to talk about. And then uh, Apology Anglicana might stop by. He said that uh, he wants to talk about the Divine Office. But before that, um, if you'd like to become a patron, patreon.com slash militantomist if you want to help me continue what I'm doing. And um, join the Discord. Um, that's very important. Um, and then Twitter and Facebook. And that's all the social media I can think about. So while we're waiting for everybody else to come in, if anybody has any questions, they can throw them in the chat, and I'll see what I can do. Eric redacted. Laid. He's eating dinner. What a loser. <laughs> okay, let's see. Blocking the bot. So what's everybody thinking about uh, Russia and Ukraine? Any? I haven't even been checking the news. I just saw that there was the invasion, and then I absolutely spazzed out oh yeah there was also the um the debate between uh byzantine scotist and jimmy aiken today i haven't watched that yet because i work nights so i was sleeping during that debate um but i will watch watch the replay tonight i heard uh jimmy aiken got his butt kicked by the byzantine scotist uh Oh, wait, James Gilbert, I'm new to your channel. Are you in school? Yes, yes. I'm a graduate student studying at the Dabden Institute. I'm studying classical Protestant theology, although I'm not a Protestant. I am a Catholic. So uh, it's interesting. <laughs> but they're really good. They're really good. Uh, Prime is back on Twitter. Oh, man. Is, I wonder if that was the tweet that got him... That got him kicked off. Because um, obviously, if if uh, I might I might just pull it up for anybody that's unaware. I'm sure everybody in the chat is aware. Let's see. Go to my profile. You also see Gab. They're uh, defending. Oh, she Alex is here. What's up? How are you doing? Uh How's it going, she Alex? It's going good, alhamdulillah. I'm just, I'm, looking... uh, I might not be here for too long because of the whole knee thing, but I'll be here for at least a little while. Bro, what but, happened? Uh, Tell everybody about your knee. Yeah, so I, in gym, I was in gym class about, uh, like, so two days ago now. So that would, uh, on Thursday, no, yesterday still, the Thursday. And we were playing dodgeball. And you know me, I have to take that extremely seriously. After this, I have to ball out and dodgeball. Uh, so I, I, I slipped and I, I dislocated my knee and it relocated itself basically immediately. And I've had, I've dislocated my knee before. Like it's not unusual for me. Usually it just like hurts for a little while. I won't be able to walk for like a day, but then like the next day I'll be, I'll be more or less fine with some little bit of pain. Just take some yeah. Tylenol and I'll be okay. But when I got home, I can send the photo on the discord. When I got home, my knee basically swelled up like a balloon. And I was like, that's not, <laughs> that's not, <laughs> that's, normal. Not, that's not normal. And I couldn't walk at all, and I was in a lot of pain. So this morning we went to a, a hospital, uh, 
uh, an orthopedic uh, doctor over in uh, Athens, Ohio, which is about 45 minutes from where I live. It's where Ohio University is. Um, and we went there, and I had a, and I had my uh, – I'm not a minor. No, I'm 18. I'm 18. Okay. Uh, Whew, yeah, almost had to kick you off the stream. No, no, I'm 18. Uh, <laughs> I was born in 2003, September. Bro, 2003? Yeah. That's, that's insane that 2003s <laughs> are 18 now. Yeah, this is the tweet earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got, I got, I, I responded to that and got 100 likes on my response. Yeah, I was like, wow, yeah. I'm really doing numbers. <laughs> I know, right here. Um, he, Kiev Catholic Seminary has been hit. Pray, please. And then he said, owned. And then I tweeted, hundreds of Ukrainian Orthodox die. One Catholic building gets hit. Prime, get owned Latins. And yeah, then yeah. I got 1,559 <laughs> likes and counting. Yeah. <laughs> so That's just a you, stupid. Can, why would you ever say that? I as you can see, tw- he got 29 likes. <laughs> he, got ra- so he got ratioed. Th- this, was, <laughs> this was like a, this was the one of the worst ratios I've ever seen. <laughs> and then soon they... Soon after that, I got uh, he got banned off of Twitter. The woman's here. Like, give me, give me one. Uh, all right, no problem. Is Prime back on Twitter, or is he still nuke? Yeah, apparently he's back on. He's back on Twitter. She was just letting me know she's giving me pizza. What a good woman. Oh, that's nice. It, Yep. What's your, what kind of pizza do you do you eat? What's your pizza order? I like, I just like all meats. <laughs> Twenty. Let's look at some of these coping. Is that Prime? Yeah, that's Prime. Yeah. I've never seen a picture of Prime before. I've seen him once. I know what he's like because I know he. I know he's um. Uh, what's the word for it? He's like uh. I know, like I knew, I've seen him. I've seen him go to church before. I've seen videos of him in church, so that's him. Oh, people, people. Uh... He goes to a Serbian church too. That's the funny thing. I think really? he's. I think he's. I think he's under the Serbian patriarchate. Not so he doesn't know. He has like no like, you know, he has like no cards in the game, so to speak. Right? He's not like a road core yeah. guy. So people, people get so. Um... You're eating meat on Friday. Gosh, someone said. Someone said meat, meat on, on Friday. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't think I don't think the pizza will have will have meat on it. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know. I just started working a night shift, so I didn't even know today was Friday. But I actually haven't eaten meat today, so if it does have meat on it. I'll take it off. Oh man, but yeah, yeah, um, that's kind of goofy. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. To, to uh, oh, let you finish. Chog, Anglicana asked, "What do you think about the so-called?" Merkerberg, I think it's Merkenberg theology. Yeah, with like uh, Philip Schaff and at all. Um, I think they're pretty chill, honestly. I bas- I basically think because they were actually friends with um with like some of the Oxford movement guys because it was going on at the same time. So it's basically like Anglo Catholicism, but for Presbyterians. So I think it's pretty chill. Obviously, I think they're wrong, but what they did and what they gave to the church in the Schaff set of the Antonicene and post Nicene fathers that was invaluable that was one of the best best things that have been given to the church by by a group his profile says oh. he's oca oh uh, check uh check i'm gonna say i'm gonna dm this to you because i don't know if you want to like play into the drama too much but i think you should see it either way okay 
I'm DMing it to you on, on Discord. He tweeted that. I don't on know if Discord. you saw that. Yeah, on Discord. It's the it's a very cope of a tweet to deal with the ratio. <laughs> he got handed. He got handed a ratio, so he could he gotta take it. <laughs> I don't know how much you want to play into it, so I'm, that's why I said it on. Oh, I'm I'm, blo- I'm blocked anyways, but I can still see <laughs> yeah. what he tweeted. Militant Thomas, the guy who wrote an article defending Anglicanism and then converted to Roman Catholicism the next day. Oh, why am I wearing? Uh, yeah, yeah. And every time, every stream, I get asked, "Why the mask?" It's because of anonymity. Salafis on yeah. internet are mean. Oh yeah, to to end the whole thing about my knee. This morning I had uh, like forty milliliters of blood drained from my right knee, which is you know I'm no knee doctor. Right, I'm no, <laughs> I'm no blood doctor, but you're not supposed to have 40 milliliters of blood in your kneecap. So I don't know. I've never heard otherwise. <laughs> okay, so we should probably get to we should probably probably talk about to, something. That's talk talk about actually something theology. So, uh, what do you think um, about the uh, the Trinity, Mohammedan, <laughs> Mohammedan? Um, I don't have that many thoughts about it. Um, I was reading Bonaventure on it. As I, t- I talked to you about DMs, I was reading some Bonaventure on the topic, and I read, uh, I reread, I've read it multiple times, but I reread through question 39 with Pima Pars, which I'd say is probably the most important part of the Summa for like modern apologetics. Yeah. Because um, it's where he deals. So he, he says some really interesting things that even like modern Catholics, I think, would disagree with because they just haven't read mm-hmm. enough Thomas. Like, for example, he says there's no real distinction between essence and person. Yes. He yes. says there's no. He says there in God the relations are all God, so there's not really a a, a direct uh, a real distinction, but there's still a real distinction between the persons. Well, I've heard many Catholics kind of, how do we deal with the, how do we deal with there being a you know real distinction between the persons and the essence when we believe in ADS? And it's like, well, you just read Thomas, and he's quite clear that you don't have to believe yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's other stuff in question. Like I, I, I DM'd you, and I was like, you need to do a whole series on question thirty nine. Like it's just so. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a pretty to... important eventually i'm about to go as i was telling you about the next like two or three months i'm about to go ham on on the trinity i i have a bunch of bunch of books lined up eric just adding himself i see i have a bunch of you gave me the admin link i don't know what you want me to do (laughs) yeah so um, go ahead what does uh just gonna have to ask you because you know he's got the he he has to write all about that evil development of doctrine. What does uh what does Newman say about Trinitarian theology and its and historic? Uh, I and history. Oh yeah, yeah there's yeah. there's something actually. While I find the the section, answer this question: Are you a young Earth creationist? I have no. That's not like a common like issue in our in our circles. We just don't talk about it. It wouldn't like if if the if there was a young Earth and if there wasn't if there was an old Earth, either way, wouldn't like I wouldn't care. I wouldn't be affected. I don't think the age of the Earth is that contingent upon, uh, you know, correct belief. Do I have a channel? I don't have a channel. I just have a Twitter. Someone else had a channel. It's just my Twitter is Shia Philosophy. Eric, are you a young Earth creationist? No, I'm kind of Shia Alex on this one. I don't think. It- affects yeah. a whole lot either way yeah i think what what matters more honestly is um is it when it comes that, to it, when it comes like to the people, creation of man yeah like like it, it more matters to me if you like like if you're a old earth creationist that's fine but like you still have to affirm a literal like from a christian world like christian paradigm right that there's no there's a very clear consensus on the of the fathers that that genesis is literal right like you can't 
you can't be an oldest creationist and have that lead to believing in like uh, theistic evolution, which I'd say is pretty much viewed as an abomination by uh, people like uh, Justin Martyr or uh, Basil. Yeah, it is. It is an abomination. <laughs> I actually, I had some lie. questions. For, I had some questions for you, by the way, Christian. I, I had some papal infallibility questions. So we'll have to okay, I'm still looking. Man, is it? <laughs> I think it's in a different, different edition. Oh no! To original sin, infant baptism, communion under one kind, homoousion. There we go. Hey, I'm just curious what Newman says about it because I know Newman. Yeah, he's he that, a, that, he a that short... whole that whole evil, awful despicable development of doctrine okay i'm gonna share my <laughs> share my screen real quick all right cool gideon just absolutely i haven't I even seen the debate i, I said i haven't even seen it but i already know gideon won <laughs> i i dm'd i dm'd gideon about it so i, I hadn't seen it because i was i was when i was getting the blood pulled out of my knee it was during the debate yeah. so i didn't see it and i haven't i haven't seen it yet because i i, I I fell asleep when I got home, but I, okay. I, I DM'd him on Discord and I was like, uh, like how how'd it go? And he was like, it went good. <laughs> so I, I, I heard, I heard, what's his, I heard uh, Jimmy Aiken got a little bit spicy at the end. Uh-huh. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to it tonight because what's with I the, was, uh, I was kept late at work this, yeah, yeah. this morning. So <laughs> I, I didn't leave work until eight o'clock this morning and I had Yikes. worked overnight. So I just, went came home and then slept until like three o'clock in the afternoon it was great What's with the, the, are you uh, officially on the overnight shift now oh yeah it's absolutely beautiful i love being on the overnight you'd, shift. Li- you'd like I it lis- i listened to a whole book last night oh my gosh i can read one book a day now just listening to them and then i come home i always and do all my work i literally read for like 12 hours a day now <laughs> that reminds me doesn't michael lofton uh when he was on uh pints with aquinas with matt frad Mm-hmm. He he talks about when he first became Christian. He was first like a reformed Calvinist type. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I read the entire Bible in like a month, and I was reading like eight hours a day, and I was like, dude, that seems quite that's quite the intense. Yeah, I have my my Bible reading plan that I've started. It's uh, it's the Bible in thirty days. I saw yeah. you started that. They sent me. I got the notification from the Bible app. I was like, this guy's insane. There's no way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have I have like nine hours a night just to just to read, just to have to listen to stuff. So it's like, does what it, else am I include, gonna do? Does that include is there, okay. the uh Deuterocanon? Does that include like Sirach It, it doesn't. Bit? So I have ah. a separate uh audio file of the Deuterocanon. Is that straight up like not even on the Bible app? Yeah, it's well, it's on the Bible app depending on what translation you go to. But none of them have it with audio. But I'm gonna get to oh, that the question. The question about Newman. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Homo Usian. Um, the next instance Newman. I shall take is from the early church teaching on the subject of our Lord's consubstantiality and coeternity. In the controversy carried on by various learned men in the 17th and following century concerning the statements of the early fathers on this subject, the one party determined the patristic theology by the literal force of the separate expressions or phrase used in it, or by the philosophical opinions of the day and the others by the doctrine of the Catholic Church, as afterwards authoritatively declared. The one party argued that these fathers need not have meant more than what was afterward considered heresy. The others answered that there is nothing to prevent their meaning more. Thus the position which Bull maintains seems to be nothing beyond this, that the Nicene Creed is a natural key for interpreting the body of Antonicene liturgy, liturgy theology. 
His very aim is to explain difficulties. Now the notions of difficulties and their explanations implies a rule to which they are apparent expressions and in accordance with which they are to be explained. Nay, the title of his work, which is A Defense of the Creed of Nicaea, shows that he is not investigating what is true and what is false, but explaining and justifying a foregone conclusion, as sanctioned by the testimony of the Great Council. Unless the statements of the fathers had suggested difficulties, his work would have no object. He allows that their language is not such as they would have used after the creed had been imposed. But he says, in effect, that if we will but take it in our hands and apply it equitably, equitably to their writings, we shall bring out and harmonize their teaching, clear their ambiguities, and discover their anomalous statements to be few and insignificant. In other words, he begins with a presumption and shows how naturally facts close round about it and fall in with it, if we will but let them. He does this triumphantly, yet he has an arduous work. Out of the 30 writers whom he reviews, he has for one cause or another, to explain piously nearly 20 so yeah interesting basically interesting. what what yeah basically what newman's saying here is that reading the antonicene fathers on on orthodox trinitarian theology they're gonna have to one explain it through the develop, lens of the development of doctrine or yeah. uh two admit that they were all heretics or three have to piously explain away most of the authors and i could um i could explain like for example i talked about this when i was uh eo where like I'm really partial to Newman's view here. If you wanted to take, if you wanted to be a Christian, because, um, for example, if you read Origin, Origin's writings, and you and you try to the little bit of original Greek we have, because Origin, most of what Origin exists nowadays is in a Latin translation by a guy who is a super huge Origin fan, who mm-hmm. is kind of Jerome at least says that he took out stuff, that he took out heretical parts of Origin. Now, if you agree with Jerome or not, it's a different topic, but Rufinus. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but there, there is original Greek, and if you read the original Greek, it's pretty clear that Origen doesn't distinguish between the concept of of uh, person and essence. Like he may, he uses the words interchangeably, which presents yeah. kind of an interesting. Because yeah, I get that if even if you're EO, you view Origen as a heretic, but that's a linguistic thing. If in the mm-hmm. first century they weren't distinguishing, but in the second century, early second century, they weren't distinguishing between essence and hypostasis, that has some theological implications right mm-hmm. um now of course you could you could you would do that if you review that in like the the light of development of doctrine you would just say well it was a linguistic they just had you know lacks in the linguistics but you know over time it was expounded upon which is fine if you take the newman view and it's even more compatible if you take the thomistic view as we talked about earlier with uh, article one of question 39 and the summa mm-hmm. um because you, you could say that the, he didn't need to distinguish between the concepts but of course it would be useful to uh, for the sake, at least in a conceptual distinction, uh, for the sake of Arianism, but yeah, yeah I would argue that's pretty. It's pretty clear that the early, the earliest church fathers, their concept of the Trinity is far more simple than uh, three twenty-five, and it's again, even even it's it's even it's more it's even worse when you compare it to something like Chalcedon, and yeah. I get that Chalcedon is very Christological, but you can't ignore that Christology doesn't have an effect on the on Trinitarian yeah, yeah, yeah. theology, and it is especially. Um... Dang, why did that thought just go out of my brain? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially when you think about where Arianism come from, came from. Yeah. Arianism came from earlier fathers um, of the church, Orthodox fathers of the church, who had a more simple I Trinitarian mean, doctrine that didn't, ne- yeah, that didn't necessarily <laughs> exclude, that didn't yeah. necessarily exclude some of these um, 
some of these uh, Trinitarian issues. Yeah. So you, you have this one body of Antonicene Trinitarian doctrine. It was developed in a certain way in Arianism. Uh -huh. That was a corruption of the previous deposit because Arianism didn't just pop out of nowhere. And then on the other yeah. hand, you have um, Nicene Orthodoxy, which developed from Antonicene uh, Trinitarianism, and it brought it to its fruition and consistently applied it. Yeah, so, yeah. And also, I'd, I'd say that, like, for example, people have a bad understanding of what the Arians even believe. Like, the Arians mm -hmm. don't say that the sun isn't God. In fact, they would, they'd, like, be very mad if you said that. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they believe that the sun is God. But, but what they mean is an is uh, they they believe in a, a, a uh, like in a genus sense they believe that God is a genus yeah and that uh, and that it's the same way that if you have two cats that are different cats they're both and under the class of things of cat that's how they view God but many people are catechized poorly and only think that you know Arians are just people who thought Jesus was a prophet but they they quite clearly don't believe that even mm. even the even the harshest Arians would say you're an idiot if you said that. Yeah, those and are just because, the Mohammedans. And that's they because are it was, the ones that teach that. It was, <laughs> it was oh, pretty true. established by the by the by the Council of Nicaea that they that that uh, you know the basics of Trinitarian what? theology. Okay, but, uh, people are people are talking uh, about the uh, uh -oh. the Byzantine Scotus debate. Yeah. So apparently <laughs> Gideon agreed to something that the Magisterium taught. That Aiken was I don't know. Um. Isn't uh is it humane vitae that talks about creationism a bit? Yeah, human <clears throat> humane vitae. Yeah, we're yeah. basically we're, we're basically says we can't believe in evolution, but we also can't not believe in evolution or something along those lines. Like it's, it's not enough evidence. Yeah, with um with humane vitae, um, which is Paul the sixth, right? It's Pope Paul the sixth. No, okay. I think we're talking about a completely different document. There's the one from Pope Pius the twelfth. I oh has, yeah humane generous yeah. humane generous oh, humane thank you. Yeah. that's that's pious yeah. paul the sixth that one's um that's one's on contraceptives right? yeah yeah With humane yeah. generous um it's okay. it it kind of leaves the question open it's uh, it, yeah 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 but it also it, tells scientists what they can't conclude is pious the 12th yeah. canonized it limits yet, or is he a still, bunch of things um, he's a say, venerable he's oh he's a venerable. venerable that's interesting are you actually orthodox john no. Why? Is it John? Who is it? Who's, which John is this? Uh, the one with the... Oh, I see. Um, yeah. The one with the profile picture of the guy with long hair. I thought you might have been... I thought you might have been... I thought you might have been John Fisher for a second. No. no. Okay. What I, uh, does she, Alex, think of Wahhabism? Wahhabis are anthropomorphists. So, they're stupid. That's the that's the extent I'll go into it. The like the the like of Protestants were really annoying and had a lot of money. <laughs> so. Is that the one with the rich guy in bikinis? That's the... yeah, no, that's that's Ismailism. Uh, the Wahhabism is the one that's supported by the Saudi government, so they have all the yeah. oil, Saudi oil money behind them. I was talking to a certain Muslim. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, Alex, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and he said like he was talking about the Ismailis, and he's like, yeah. The Ishmaelis, they ain't Muslim. And I was like, Wow, he said that? He said yeah. that? Yeah. The same the, the guy I'm thinking of said that? Yeah, yeah. Th that's really funny. He's supposed to debate an Ismaili. Wait, what's, what's... Bro, don't dox him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna say he... aren't a I'm lot of the controversies here. in the Middle but, uh... East just over whether or not certain sects can call themselves Muslim. 
only to a like only only to the degree that Wahhabis think that uh, are really like prone to takfir, but no, like, not like... more not more generally. Like for example, the Iraqi Sunnis and the Iraqi Shias, because the Iraqi Sunnis aren't Wahhabis; they're kind of just more normal lay Muslims. They get along famously fine. Even I the think... Ismailis in Iraq, which only live in Najaf, they get along fine there. I think I remember. I think but was, in Pakistan, it's that it was way. Oman. Oman, like their largest minority, is just a sect of Islam that they don't allow to call themselves Muslim. The, oh, the Abadis. So the um, yeah, the Abadis are only like I mean, they're takfir by some Sunnis, by some pretty extreme Sunnis, but most people consider them Muslims. They the issue is that they they come from a sect that would be takfir, but they're more moderate than that sect. They came from a sect called the Khawarij, who uh, were much more extreme than the modern day Abadis are. And their beliefs. My dog's barking. I'm sorry if you can hear that. I have a dog downstairs. Oh, Justin the Catholic. He's he's spitting fire right now. Aiken <laughs> should debate some genus. He comes across as cowardly debating a young Catholic apologist when we all know he knows who St. Genesis is and where he stands. St. Genesis is also a skilled debater. Ooh, that's a little bit a little bit brutal, man. Mm. Oh, I by mean, the way, I wanted to comment real fast. I mean, wait, away. wasn't one of St. Genesis' debates with with uh james white like wasn't that one of the reasons yeah yeah, yeah. Jimmy that was one of... <laughs> or, or no yeah. why he went to work for uh, catholic uh, answers yeah but then st genesis is like really weird now you, you should really debate peter based. coffin we all know peter coffin as the right roman catholicism <laughs> you should debate peter coffin you should debate benevacantism for the win you should debate Pope Michael. Oh, I should say that if you, um, if you, if anyone ever questions my knowledge Please. on Christianity yeah. ever again, know that I was able to quote papal encyclicals off top. That means I'm a genius in Roman Catholicism. Wait, but you got the name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I got the name and the Pope wrong, but I had the general concept. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I, I was, was off by about twenty it was years. Kind of inaccurate. <laughs> All I'm saying is i get a lot of flack for this but most of my reading is in dogmatic theology yeah it is in medieval dogmatic theology yeah. so like people talk about like all these papal encyclicals and stuff and i'm like what are you talking about dude that's kind of the way to go like doesn't pius the 12th also have like the an encyclical a week doesn't pius the 12th have the encyclical that everyone thinks is infallible uh, uh I know Pius the Tenth does. No, no. But I think Pius, Pius the Twelfth. Pius the Twelfth has one that is. What up, Goim? All Catholics consider that infallible. Yeah, yeah. What's well, pronouncing is, is, a dogma? Is his the one about the the um uh what's it called the uh, the Ascension of Mary or what's it? Yeah, Assumption. Assumption thank you. Yes. And then the Pius the Tenth one's about the Immaculate Conception, right? No, Pius the Ninth. Pius the Ninth. Pius the Tenth's one is about um. The errors of modernism. Oh yeah, yeah, right. bro. Alex, bro. How, do you not, how do you not know these, bro? These are damning heresies you're talking about. Here. They all have the same Most name. It's just a different that. number. I was off by one number. Well, you were off of... by six and the name. There's Before. like, there's like all you're of them are. So the funny thing about the the name Pope Pius is that there's like four of them in a span of like like fifty years. So you have to just remember which one is which. Because <laughs> there's Pius the ninth, Pius the tenth, Pius the eleventh, and Pius the twelfth. Real Catholics all... can recite all popes since Peter off by heart. Based. Yeah, name one oh. thing. I, I think it'd be funny that we should all uh, 
like it'd be funny if he just like like go up to a Catholic and the way you tell if they're smart is you just give them a random pope and you say like name one thing this person did like I name can... one thing name one thing Benedict the Fifteenth did right now Christian. <laughs> I can <laughs> I can name I can name so many popes off the top of my head. Can you name all of them? I can yeah, name, I can. I can name uh, like a third of them. Uh, John right. Pius. Like a third of them. <laughs> <Paul>. <laughs> John Pius Paul Benedict. Gregory. Boom. That's like half of them. Right Gregory. There. Gregory has more than Benedict, I believe. Yeah, I think Gregory really? is more common. Yeah. 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 There's, yeah, there's, there's 16 Benedicts. There's six, I don't know how many Gregories well, there are. I think 16 Benedicts. There's over 20 Gregories, right? Well, I don't know. But there's 16 Benedicts for sure. Uh, I only know about the Benedicts that there's Benedict the 16th, obviously, then Benedict the 15th, and then no one's a Benedict for like 400 years. It's like, oh, wait, that? no. There was also a with John. John the 22nd was like the 13th century because there was an anti pope named John the 22nd. Yeah, the, it took I think, like I think, 800 years for somebody to take up John again. And I think there's, I think <laughs> yeah, there's, 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 there's no John the 20th, if I call it, because John the 20th, like they skipped it because of a confusion over. No, there, no, John the 20th was also an anti pope. Oh, is that it? If I remember that, correctly. I, I think it's, but I think, but I think the rightful er, there was never yeah. a rightful pope named John the twentieth. I think it went John the nineteenth yeah. and John the twenty first. Yeah, one of the one confusion. of the Riley Goddard popes. Yeah. So, so there were two anti popes named John, and to avoid confusion, they just went one higher. Yeah. Okay, on the, on really, the topic... they, like John the twenty third was the twenty first pope named John. On the topic <laughs> of anti popes, I do have a fairly basic question, which nobody should be surprised about. What is pope michael's issue with like the actual pope <laughs> he thinks, he's a, he thinks a he's a heretic and since yeah, according to some um scholars uh, a a heretic scholars. cannot be the pope he well no 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 those, those scholars are oh. maybe right like robert bellarmine and stuff so according oh, okay. to some if you're a if you're no a manifest mention. heretic then you cannot be the pope because you're not a member of the church. And so since he thinks Pope Francis is the Pope is a heretic, yeah. he thinks he's not the Pope. He's so the what... pope. But the issue Why is that it's quite clear he's... that it's quite clear, and I, I agree with Christian on this, it's quite clear that if you had a Pope who was uh, a, like a formal heretic and not, because for example, most, even like heretical Popes like Honorius, most agree mm -hmm. that Honorius was a material heretic and not a yeah. formal heretic. But if you had a Pope, and, and, and he wasn't deposed really, but once you get to a, a, a heretic who's a formal heretic, there's quite it's quite clear that you, what you have to have happen is like the College of Cardinals go, this guy is a is a formal heretic and like do something formally to depose him. He couldn't like it was with Honorius. With Honorius, yeah, yeah. he actually he was deposed. Oh he was yeah, deposed, thank you. he was deposed by God by dying like a month later. <laughs> Ag, bro, if you read if you read uh, Pope Pope Saint Agatho. Agatho goes off on Honorius. He's was, like, yeah, was he was Honorius's, a coward, and my predecessor again. Like, What's his uh, monothelitism? Again? Oh yeah, teaching yeah. that there was the one will. Christ. Christ is one will. Yeah, yeah, but he was a but he was a material heretic. I think most agree mm -hmm. that he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't but aware the, of the, the issue the issue with this is when you have a somebody who's a manifest oh, heretic, um, they have to be judged by the magisterium, <clears throat> and nobody judges the apostolic see. So who is going to judge if a pope is a uh, manifest heretic? And pope two. Pope yeah. What if, wait, what if Benedict the Sixteenth? What if Benedict the Sixteenth was like Francis is a, is a formal heretic? What would happen? <laughs> Imagine. Uh, well, then Peter Coffin would be right. Yeah, yeah, Peter Coffin. Patrick Coffin. You, Why does everyone say Peter Coffin? It's Patrick. <laughs> Coffin. I'm, I'm dying over here. I need water. <laughs> well, I'm sick. So. 
Oh, that cheered me up. Paul, oh, you can just oh. excuse all of the mistakes I make because I'm sick. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Do you, do you have do you need a do you need, do you need like a charity some charity donations, bro? I'll give you some. Oh yes, some meat yes, bucks. please. Yes, please. Everyone watching right now, just just remember: every sixty seconds in Africa, a minute passes. <laughs> I think oh, the, more, the more relevant Riley in the chat corrected us. Um, so there was an anti pope named John the 23rd. So there were three mm-hmm. anti popes named John. You just got well, fact checked. How do you feel? If I remember correctly, more. it was there was also John, John the 13th. Yeah, there's probably more. Also... Wait, yeah. didn't the anti pope call the Council of Constance or whatever? No, the emperor. The, no, he the didn't. emperor called it the Council of Constance. Oh, yeah, that's right. And the actual pope and both of the anti popes came to the council. And then... <laughs> that must be awkward. There were three well, popes well, at the council. It was to solve that issue. Yeah. They called it to solve that issue. And yeah. all three of them resigned at the council. And actually, before Pope Benedict, uh, that was the last time a pope had resigned. Yeah, that's right. Because Constance, and then it wasn't he? Didn't he live the rest of his life in like prison because the next pope was scared he'd like revolt or something? I think uh, was well, so all three of them resigned, but yeah. one of the anti-popes then after his resignation went back to Avinon um and and was like uh, was like and claimed to pope? still be pope. Yeah, yeah. He was like they, they were the Benevacantists of their time. That's nice. Uh but I, I think I think Constance I think he lives the rest of his life in prison because he's like the next pope is scared that he'll Causes a revolt or something, and then he just dies. He's like a hermit Constance. or something. Yeah. What do you mean, but, Constance? What oh, not what's na- what's not, not his name. What's his name? His name is Celestine, or what's his name? The Pope. One of the Pope. Celestine, I think. Yeah, yeah. The last Pope who resigned. I think what's his name, Celestine? I don't know. It was something. The last, the act, the one who was the actual real Pope resigns, and I think he uh, oh, lives the rest. Martin the fifth. Is it Martin? According it can't to be Martin. Justin. According to oh, I thought, I thought, I thought, said, I thought said Archbishop Lefebvre for a second. No. <laughs> Archbishop Lefebvre. Archbishop Lefebvre. Yes, Lefebvre is the, was the real pope. He was accused of being an anti-pope. At one pronouncing point. his name is pope. super annoying because his name wouldn't be like it shouldn't yeah, be pronounced Lefebvre. It would be like Lefebvre. It'd be like Lefebvre. It's a hard. It's a hard. It's really hard for people to say that name because like it's like it's like you all heard Finding Nemo and now you have but yes, my comment here is totally true. No one can. Wahhabism is certainly true. Allah oh, had no, it was the house of Suad. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. The house of Suad. According to someone else in the chat, it was Celestine the Fifth. What the hell? Suad. Wait, wait. Yeah, Martin the Fifth was the Pope. She elected foes. Oh yeah, dogs. So dog owning dogs as house animals is haram. But I don't live in my own house, so I don't have much of a choice when it comes to the dog thing. Uh, it does. Pre- it does present. Bro, you become, quite a, you become Muslim and you tell your parents like, "Get rid of the dog." Alex, Alex, can you can you execute well, your dog live on TV? That's why you're not. That's the only reason why you're not a Wahhabi. Okay, let's not let this turn into another chill stream.
It's not oh, yeah. a chill screen. I wanted to, uh, <laughs> I wanted, let's, to get back to the questions. To get back to the questions, I wanted to ask you a specific question, uh, Christian. I know you yeah. have the opinion that canonizations are infallible, right? Yeah. But what is your thoughts on like uh, the canon, for example? So that's to say, like you know, uh, that math, for example, Matthew has been declared part of the New Testament canon by the Magisterium. Yes. Is that ex- is that extraordinary? So Matthew couldn't be like like yes. revoked. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, okay. But yeah, the Council, the Council of Trent, in its dogmatic <laughs> sessions, teaches that. But um, the the canon isn't necessarily closed, so the magisterium. Yeah, yeah. Still... So you can add more. You just can't yeah. subtract. Yeah. You, you, you can't, can't subtract. subtract. Oh, so Jacob's in theory, theory. in th- oh, yeah. hello. So in theory, like a, a reunion. Yeah. Yeah. Theory, this could be canonized. First time, yep. yeah, yeah. Or, uh, or James White's The Potter's Freedom could become part of the canon. Wait, can, wait, no, 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 no. We need to we need to canonize the King James controversy. King James only controversy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'll be uh, Francis will put out an encyclical where it says we as the church declare anyone who rejects the King James version to be an anathema. He'll infallibly extraordinarily decree that the King James No, yeah. no, he'll no no, no 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 that's not how Francis works. What he says is like it would be wrong. If you were to not accept with fraternal love and brotherly charity heretics and their errors, that would be an excommunicate statement for him. And, and then, right, then you'll have like a third of the of the Roman Church arguing that's infallible, another third arguing that it it's evil, and another third that just become orthodox. <laughs> Okay, you're trying to play to the other third, right? It should become. Angry. Oh man, no, it's no, kind of like that. It's kind of like that. Um, that old that old saying: two the Jews, three third. opinions." <laughs> but with this, it's like it, it's so much Catholics, five anathemas. No, it, it's, it's one Francis, five popes. You want me? Which infidel am I raging war on? I don't know. There's about yeah, one, Alex. two, <laughs> three, four, five infidels. I no 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 no. I am I am schismatic. I am heretic. I am not. I am neither infidel nor Jew. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'm I'm in, I'm an infidel with reference to the Pope. And I'm neither schismatic nor heretic. Yeah, nor I'm infidel. not schismatic. You you guys broke from my church. I am cool, just having a good lie. time. It'd be it'd be really funny if like. If like the Pope, I like, am just actually, having a good time. Actually, Muslims are schismatic. So sixth century, they were they were part of the Christian Church, and they just schism or something. Like, well, apparently, <laughs> apparently, apparently, heretics and schismatics can be doctors of the church. So that's fun. Nah, just leave it like this. It's fine. It's, wait, which heretic and which schismatic is a doctor of the church? Oh, who yeah, is um, Francis? Just declared. Uh, was it, it was, was it Ephraim? Gregory of Narek. Or yeah, it was Gregory of Narek. Yeah. He was an um, Armenian. Why am I the centerpiece of Christian fiction? Yeah, so so he's you know you can yeah. be a doctor of the church even though you are in hell. Wait, Wait no, 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 no. So when it's when like it comes even even the uh, Eastern Orthodox Church and the uh, and some of the Oriental churches not in communion with Ephraim have him as a saint. So this isn't exactly oh, right. Like, so a total novelty crazy. that makes it even better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean a total novelty? I love, I love it. It's like, well, I, this is such a Francis moment, right? It's like, well, everyone else is wrong. Francis moment. Can I should be wrong in the chat. <laughs> no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying that it's not out of the ordinary to have somebody who was who was not in full communion with the church to be um, to be canonized. That's not like that's not crazy. Like Francis being liberal. You can argue it's oh, wrong. Yeah, we no, can't no, argue. He's not like novel. he's not like Mark of Ephesus or something. 
He's not like a oh, I, but but you yeah. do have veneration of Mark of Ephesus, which is like the yeah, yeah. Thing. No, I but I think, right. but I think yeah, even even, even but it's not infallible, TM. Even Byzantine yeah, it, Scotus is like it's, it's not. You shouldn't venerate Mark of Ephesus. It's not a smart move. Well, you know, <laughs> if Mark of Ephesus can go to heaven in the Roman like in the Roman mindset, then I'm feeling pretty good about myself. <laughs> Jacob, but to be fair, you're you're a bit different because you did you were a uh, member of the Roman Church in your lifetime, and then schism. Or Mark of Ephesus. Uh, sorry, sorry. Let me let me correct myself. If Saint Photius can be a saint, <laughs> in the Roman mindset. Okay. There's we also have to consider what exactly the relationship between the East and the West is, because even Roman canonists today will disagree whether they are what what. They're schismatic, but are, in what sense are they schismatic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Is there really um, an external, I mean, an internal uh, break? Because there haven't been this like we haven't just like loaded the East with a bunch of Latins, and they haven't loaded the West with a bunch of Greeks, and like they haven't made another Roman patriarch or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how how much are we really in schism? It's a bit different than like us in the Anglicans because we basically said like, okay, we're going to make a new Archbishop of Canterbury. We're going to make a new Bishop of London. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I mean, you guys, you guys did make the Archbishop of like, yeah, Westminster. Alexandria, and I think it was four in Alexandria, for example, right? With the Catholic bishops. Yes, yes. Yeah, and we have a, we have a, there's actually three Catholic patriarchs of Antioch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of confusing. It's kind of confusing. No, I think uh, yeah. I think there's the Maronite I, one, the Melkite one, and then the Syriac one. I think in Alexandria, there's one of like there's like a Latin one. Yeah, there's two uh, more. There's, yeah, there's, th yeah. No, there's also three because there's. A I think, yeah, I think there's like the the one that's like more aligned with like the general Eastern right, and there's one that's like more aligned with like the Coptic Eastern right. It gets kind of weird. Yeah. I'm just waiting for an ordinary at church to take Thomas of. Uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas Cramer. Oh, shoot. Christian isn't listening. Oh, oh, gosh, <laughs> He's usually never listening. Yeah. Can I, uh, I don't know. Martin Luther. King uh, I, 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 I was yeah. saying, I can't wait for an ordinary parish to take Thomas Cramer as its patron saint. Oh, gosh. Which <laughs> should be able to happen, right? No, that oh, no, no. It's be possible. It's, it's different. It's, it's different. <laughs> no matter if because, because our schism with, with the East is different than our schism with the, the Anglicans. Well, at least as different, you yeah. can dispute whether it is, but in our view, it is. It, Christian. How, how, how is it different? How Christian. is it different? Yeah. Oh, wait. Sorry. Because, because apostolic a cure. No, but Cramer would have been validly consecrated um, yes. because the defects weren't didn't exist in, uh, yet. Yes. Um, so, so Thomas. But he Cramer was the one was, that brought in the defects. But what, what I'm saying is that, like, you had in, in Thomas Cramner in that first generation, according to Apostolici Cure, you had a fully functioning, validly consecrated Correct. hierarchy, right? Correct. So, and now you have a fully functioning and validly consecrated hierarchy sans women and issues like that yeah right so uh, sorry so, so it's an interesting situation where you've just had this even according to Shikure, the first anglicans were validly consecrated the anglicans now are validly consecrated yeah. and there's just this weird gap so i don't see how that's yeah. different well it's, it's different because there would be uh 
the level of heresy, I guess you could say. The level of difference between an Eastern Orthodox and a Roman Catholic is a lot different than between uh, a Reformed uh, Anglican and a Roman Catholic. Yeah, but if you deny <laughs> one dogma, you deny them all. Correct. Right, That's so it's Augustine not really said. different. Right. And so, you so, have but no, so what I'm saying is, 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 no, 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 is no. if you can canonize Eastern schismatics, there's no reason why you can't canonize Western schismatics because there's no difference in kind. There's only difference in degree. Yes, correct. Yeah. Does that mean you can theoretically uh, canonize bloody what's his name? Well, can you canonize Brian Houston theoretically? But no, you can no, canonize no, anyone, there's, right? There's, no, because no, canonizations are infallible. Jake, Jacob, but that's, Jacob. Well, that's in that's a novel opinion, but okay. <laughs> Jacob, okay. yeah, hi. So when it when it comes to um, we canonize John MacArthur. What when it comes? <laughs> He's reason, alive. The, the reason the reason why the reason why the Wait, East, can, the Eastern Catholics strike. The reason why the Eastern Catholics are are retaining um, what canonizations happen in the East is because canonizations happen in the East. When it comes to the Anglican communion, there's really only one canonization, which is King Charles. So, I mean, I guess you can make an argument for King Charles, but there, there's really no canonizations from the Anglican communion John for us to bring in, that. for us to bring yeah. in. Christian, um, Christian, Christian, I'm going to, become, I'm going to, Christian, I'm going to become bishop. I'm going to, with my full apostolic authority, canonize Thomas Cramner. And then... Bishops, bishops can't canonize, though. Yes, they... What, it's like universally right, you, binding, universally binding canon. No, what, wait, so, no, no, no. What I'm saying is, like you said, like oh, if the right, just as the Eastern bishops canonize, which they don't have a formal process, or many of them don't have, formal but processes. it's it's for, it's for, it's an organic process. Yeah. So a singular bishop can't unilaterally just say like uh, an Episcopalian bishop can't just say, well, Martin Luther King Jr. is a is a saint now, <laughs> or like I don't know, Sarah yeah. Palin. No, apparently, uh, they can't. No. No, seriously, as. It, it, the 79 BCP is no less, a, you know, a schismatically official than whatever hot, you know, hot fresh hell comes out of an Eastern schismatic, right? Like, I, I think there's like a a difference. Like, there's like this. Um, how do you say? Like, I, I get like it feels different, right? There's like this sensible difference, but it's not logically different. Like the 79 BCP and the prayer books of the east in the roman mindset at least it just depends again, like, like obviously there's some like i think like me and byzantine's go to talk about this obviously there's some post-schism eastern saints who like just logically they can't canonize like i don't know justin popovich for example though, justin though popovich's his theology is just like completely condemned but nestorius is commemorated in the roman catholic churches and no, he's yeah. not. explain that no, he's not. yeah he is he Bible, is there. His, his liturgy is used. No, 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 he is himself is commemorated he, no, in the Sierra Malabars. I've watched yeah, videos is. of it happening. Well, there's not a, officially. A video online. <laughs> there's not some that do that. Not infallible. <laughs> not and also, to be fair, like like we like we He's brought up with, like, Mark of, like we brought up with like Mark of Ephesus, where like Mark of Ephesus is like unofficially venerated by some Eastern Catholics, but there's no real like official backing behind that. Like it's quite well, it, clearly it, a, a level of like. I think I'd say most Eastern Catholic bishops would probably be opposed to the concept of his of his um, canonization, just because of his act. Like, he wasn't just a schismatic; he was like actively, you know, actively for schism, yeah. which is kind of a different than being. Except, like the fact that popes have like allow that policy though, like that is a papal policy. 
to allow veneration of schismatics in within the Eastern patrimony of those who come in. So I'm not saying it's it, it, like, again, whether canonizations are infallible isn't settled in Rome, uh, but whether like that is that a Roman policy, Roman discipline. Um, yeah, it totally is. They need to start. Rome needs to start getting anti-canonizations. That people are like, yeah, you're definitely. Prove Bishop Baron wrong. That's where they get. That's where they get. <laughs> they get out the instead of you know. That's where they wear like the the full black chasuble. They're fully black. They have black candles. Like this person's in hell. And that's <laughs> well. <laughs> oh no. Oh. Here's the problem: is that anathemas are only against people who are alive. We need to be making an uh, yeah, anathema. That's right. I mean, that's what I mean because yeah. an anti canonization is like after a guy is dead, they're like, Well, okay, this guy's damned, little mayo. <laughs> well, I mean, we we have had people anathematized after their death, Ooh, yeah, so in a way, we've had so, so, so Catholic that wasn't the only thing when they say that the church has never declared someone's in hell. Oh, oh well, yeah. actually, well, no, 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 also, the Creed of Trent said yeah. that Judas is in hell, exactly, like, right? Like, right, the idea exactly. that. Like, like it is official Roman Catholic teaching that Judas is in hell. Yeah, despite like, I, what whatever Baron wants to think. I like Bishop Baron, uh -huh. but he's like he's just flat out wrong. About I don't that. like Bishop Baron. Okay, well you like Thomas Cranmer, so. <laughs> so, so in in theory, and I really hope I think we can all agree we do not want this ever to happen. But in theory, they could declare Hitler is in hell. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, so, so here, yes, here, go, go against the Palmarian Church. So here's the issue. So here's what I would say about the, like the issue with canonization really is an issue of deposit of faith because what you don't, the issue with canonizations being in that uh, infallible is it has to say, well, the church, it, it's like, it can make it so that it's an acceptable opinion that the person's in heaven, right? that you have this agreement that this uh, he was an example of virtue, but the article of faith that this person is in heaven, uh, that's problematic because that does amount to an expansion of the deposit of faith. Um, now, some say, well, no, it's just that it's a necessary consequence of the infallibility of the church that you can't, the Pope can't direct the church Catholic to, uh, commemorate someone who's in hell but that doesn't actually follow because any attempted canonization requires the church to lead people to and recommend they ask for the intercession of people who they don't know to be in, you know infallibly certain to be in heaven so i i just find the, the issue of inf the infallibility of canonizations on, on like roman catholic grounds like i think it, it's very improbable and it seems to lead to multiple sort of weird weird pitfalls so, so to summarize you think that infallible declarations of canon would effectively amount in a roman catholic paradigm to expansions of the deposit of faith yeah that's not what they claim but i think that's the necessary consequence and the reason that gets them there isn't actually a problem like it's this problem of can the whole church can the church as a whole like recognize like the right. asking intercession of someone who's actually in hell and like well yeah because oh, they oh, what is adding that if if your logic there actually followed, wouldn't you be basically saying that any infallible statement post New Testament is an expansion of the doctrine of the of the um, deposit of faith and not merely an elaboration? No, because the article that's defined in infallibility is something that's essential to essential and necessary to the deposit of faith, 
right? Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to this person, like this unique person who existed after the death of the last apostle, this event okay, no, of him going to heaven. But, it, okay, it, but all out. that's all that's being added is a minor premise because but we have something we have is the, being added. We, okay, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not still it's adding. It's not it adding to the substance. At all. It's not added to the substance of the faith because the substance of the faith tells us objectively if if somebody has faith, persevere, go into heaven. All that and, canonization is saying yeah. is that this happened. And if you're case. right. If you're right with that, then the implications that by me, by looking at that, would mean that the church's infallibility expands beyond just the positive faith. Now they can declare what appear to amount to be historical supernatural facts beyond faith, which is interesting. I'm not, and that's the, and that's the problem, wrong, right? That's very interesting. If you can make if you can make things that you can apply the faith to as infallible, if that can happen then you have radically expanded infallibility hmm. to a you could expand infallibility to private revelations yeah why because oh well we're not it's, saying it's that's in the deposit but this is a minor premise of the deposit right and i'm like no no not, no, no, no infallibility infallibility regards only to confirming what is in the deposit of faith and you can't add any premises to it. Mm. That, that, like, yeah. Because with, with yeah. private with private revelations, they can be infallible. It's just that they're not universally binding because we don't know whether they're infallible or not. That, but it's, the, it's not a question, it's not a question also, of whether it is. It's a question of the knowledge of the thing. But the Pope could declare infallibly that Fatima was an authentic revelation of, by Mar of Mary. And, and Jacob would argue that because that would be canonized in the liturgy that he has. With, with Jacob, with how you define the expansion, infallible expansions on the um, well, legitimate ones in the Catholic paradigm on the doctrine, sorry, on the um, the positive faith as things which are based on what was passed on by the apostles and all that and not based on someone or something that happened after the apostles, would that not also carry over with the Assumption of Mary, given that this is a post-New Testament event? No, because uh, remember... Right, because the issue with the Assumption of Mary is that it is an event that is revealed in Scripture, and it's so so it's part of the deposit, right? And it happens before the death of the last apostle, right? It's not so the mm -hmm. it, the issue with the Marian dogmata is that these really are part of the deposit; they aren't these extra things that they are that are added into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, if they were, then they wouldn't be worthy of of infallible belief. So they could be. So the other Paul's agreeing that it's uh the other Paul's agreeing that it's in scripture is what I'm seeing. Yeah, your mom. Did... <laughs> yes, my mother. So theoretically, you could there could be canonizations and anti canonizations that don't expand the deposit of faith between the time of Christ or wherever before and the death of the last apostle, theoretically. And someone who's in the I, company of the apostles, let's say. I'm, that. I'm sorry, I don't. I, I, it, I'm sorry. What are you asking? So, because when you said how if canonizations were infallible, um, it'd be problematic because they involve persons who lived and died after the apostles, and so that would amount to an expansion of the deposit of faith, if if mm -hmm. I understood correctly. Yeah. Um, but that wouldn't be the case with Mary because allegedly, in, in Roman paradigm, the assumption is is well with the assumption, for example. That's something that's allegedly in scripture, and this is, an, this is of a person who's in the company of the apostles, and she died uh, before the death of the last, or her assumption was before the death of the last apostle. 
So with that in the Catholic paradigm, would you say that there could be fallible canonizations of people in the company of the apostles and before the death of the last apostle? Yeah. Um, again, it's not be it's not merely because she lived during that time frame. It's that it was it was revealed by the Holy Ghost, okay. right, in the scriptures, right. That's the only reason in a Roman framework, and you know. And so I am taking, and I'm taking like, as, and I'm specifically taking material sufficiency of scripture as a, a foundation. But it, unless it's revealed in scripture by the Holy Ghost, then you wouldn't be able to do a canonization. So the apostles are revealed to be in heaven, and Mary's revealed to be in heaven, and um, I don't know. Although, um, um, but although in, in Judas is revealed to be reprobate, right? So yeah, yeah. Although it's much more um, like direct, like I say, there's a lot less area to debate this event happening. Would you say it would be like comparable if like the Pope infallibly said that Enoch was assumed, for example? Because that's that's revealed in scripture. Although yeah, not exactly, be redundant. That'd be redundant yeah. because scripture is. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I'm but, just, well, I'm just as, a, as, as an example, that's more clear. It's less debated of an event. That's all. That's the reason I bring it up. Yeah, all infallible ex cathedra statements are necessarily redundant because all they do is draw out something that was already revealed. Hmm. Not necessarily. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't claim I redundancy, although it's something which is. It makes clear in a different mode. That's only implicit. That would. That'd be like saying uh, a systematic theology is redundant <clears> because all <throat> it's doing is stating yeah. whatever's in scripture. And that's it's just and stating that's the, in a different it, mode. That's what. <clears> and that's <throat> what, how I mean it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, mean, I, was, yeah, just, I, was, just I, I was making sure you weren't meaning it in a negative sense because that would, wouldn't make any sense. Like I, I think John or Elijah <laughs> was trying to say something earlier about this. Either of you two? Uh, I think I was trying to say something, but I don't remember. <laughs> Come yeah, on, John. I trying to say either. I think it was it's long to exercise the phronema on the noose. When you kept yeah, saying you paradigm, just, I was thinking you just don't of get the paradigms, bro. You just don't understand the paradigms. Bro. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. We can just yeah, presuppose that material sufficiency is false, and then go with Saint John of Damascus and say that Saint John the Apostle is still alive and roaming the earth. Boom. Because you presuppose classical foundationalism and you know the news and the front of mine. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. If St. John the if, if St. John is still alive roaming the earth, then why not just become Mormon? You'll sometimes hear some I Orthodox people uh like say that the their magisterium is divinely inspired and that's actually the reason uh i've heard uh, tradition I've, tradition three is a hell of a drug man yeah i've heard some of them say like use that as a justification and a lot of Rom romanists will act like that as well which obviously that's not the official teaching though with francis citing himself for all his documents that triggered me so much when i was reading the, the new catechism actually, i love the, i love the new catechism the new catechism is like a, a, a an amazing document like synthesizing mm -hmm. just a lot of stuff but when I read the section on the death penalty and I looked at the footnote, uh, I was just about to it ask was Pope Francis that. citing Pope Francis. That is actually such an about, alpha move. That really is an alpha in the, I don't know how it's worded in the catechism proper, but I was going to ask you what your thoughts on like his reason for saying the death penalty is inadmissible. It, is, is, it is not worded the best. But I he mean, basically, I think if I call him, he explained it and he said, like, I think it's inadmissible because the justice system is 
not no no no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. no 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 so that's he, the he, that's the modern that's the roman apologist so, interpretation so the way, the way that i would put says, at it so it isn't just Cope cringe way. pop apologist is yeah, yeah. is basically um so the way in which the way in which law is i've got it on my screen share that, my screen so we can read it okay yeah uh, we can we can read this but i i'll i'll do the better <laughs> explanation of this in in a second uh, francis um, doesn't have the phronema so so when it comes to uh the way in which laws are related um the way the way in which uh these certain uh the natural law is related to human law um it is the natural law applied to a certain uh situation in which it is in so the end of the law is human good so in the time in previous times the most the, the best way of going about bringing about the the human good would have been the death penalty but because of changing circumstances the end is the same it's the same exact end but the law is applied differently in 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 a different manner and i don't think that argument necessarily follows because i think the best manner of doing it is still the death penalty yeah but that is that is an argument which which is uh coherent within itself now are, are you saying that this is the re the better understanding of francis statement here or just a better no no argument? that's that's the that's the better okay. the better yeah uh, yeah because argument. his because his argument here is like and, and of course because the catechisms aren't infallible so like you guys are obviously free to go like yeah no that's cringe bra um with fear and trepidation of course because he is your holy father but yes. nonetheless you look at it and he's what he's positing here he is positing doctrinal evolution there is no way around it when he says this in that second change. paragraph today however there is an increasing awareness that the dignity of the person is not lost even after the commission of very serious crimes in addition a new understanding has emerged of the significance of penal actions imposed by the state lastly more effective systems and that's the pragmatic yeah, a, argument a better so a better way of by definition he's he's imposing something which he admits is a novelty yeah, the, just, the better way the better way of putting this would be yeah the better way of putting this would to say that now we have a manner in which the the criminal can be punished and and that good can be retained and then also <laughs> the dignity of the person can be yeah. retained and we'd not have that that way of doing that before yeah. because of um, <clears throat> and because we didn't have and, jails really. and that's my second problem that's my second problem with um with his uh hermeneutic but really also of the popes before because they were kind of going towards this direction as well was saying how like oh look we ought to go we ought to do our best in order to preserve the dignity of the person death penalty was there because it was the only best thing that could work best but now we don't have to do it and it's a perfect example of imposing a foreign a foreign set of priorities which god clearly does not express when you have in genesis 9 chapter 6 9 5 to 6 for example where he explicitly requires that the blood of a murderer be well yeah. be shed that because of the, well, well, of the person that well, sorry well, because of the dignity of the person. precisely yeah precisely he he himself francis and i'd argue popes before them adopt a view of human dignity that is highly arrogant in my opinion because it's not the view that god himself adopts and we can see that very clearly in scripture and so they're trying to say oh look this this view of and let's, let's limit it to francis for this case our view of dignity is is better because because reason and let's ignore what god himself actually said and and, and the main issue is that people like to hype up these like the you know we we have a we have better prisons and penal actions like oh no no no, no. what's the reason i messed up it, it the reasoning is our understanding of human dignity is different 
than mm -hmm. everyone before us. You cannot eliminate the first sentence by appealing to the next two. Mm -hmm. And and it contradicts the 19 the early 90s catechism, right? It it's contradicting itself in each mm -hmm. revision. But why saying what did it say before? Oh, the death penalty is good. It's for the expiation of sins, right? That's a good that the death penalty is uh that's something it's good for. How is yeah. the expiation of sins now <clears throat> contrary to human <clears throat> dignity? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What new understanding is there? Yeah, and I find yeah. and that the I think, ironically, Trent's catechism in there uh, in the in the Catechism of the Council of Trent when it discusses the fifth commandment and gives that positive view of the death penalty. I think it's actually a really beautiful explanation of why it's actually a good in itself and it's not a mere um mm -hmm. a, a mere temporary measure because my prisoner could escape and my pragmatism and my, my stats go up means well gooder which is basically it the view was right the now. um was the 90s when the first uh catechism was uh requested with john paul ii in the 90s or when was the the first catechism yeah. actually commissioned well the the first catechism of the catholic church that is the yeah post, i meant that conciliar yeah, yeah. catechism is the 90s yeah 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 but, and, and i think and I think this, like this, just reveals just the reality of the crisis in the Roman Church since the Council. Mm -hmm. uh, not to say everything began in the Council, right there, yes, before it. But it, it, there, you cannot deny that you cannot look to Rome as a present reality for truth. Right, you have to go against Rome when Rome teaches error like this. And this is the problem that everyone's trying to understand. You really can't deny that. Right, what's being the, all the disputes are? It's not the resistance, right? Everyone knows you have to resist at some point. Even the ones that say they're not resisting, but they're actually resisting and just doing it with yeah. a smile on their face and yelling continuity. The glad question trad. is, yeah, right. The, the the glad trads and the you know continuity bros. It, the question isn't the resist. The question is the recognize, right? Who do you recognize and what do you make of this situation? Which is why I think, like, like for example, Pope Michael has one of the best claims to the papacy. <laughs> if it's the truth Jacob, matters, right? Jacob, 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 Michaelite, uh, Michaelite. Uh, like, uh, if there's a pope, right? If, if we're putting set of a contest off the table, right? If there's a pope right now, which I think you have Michael, to. Michael has the best claim to it because, um, you know, at least he's not a heretic, right? You can't, you know, you can't pin any heresy on him, you know, but as opposed some, to like Paul. There's some uh, interesting comments. Uh, from Riley Paul Matrine regarding modern papacy. Can okay, you put those up? Which yeah. ones? I'll read them all. Yeah, yeah. All it does is, and the discussion clarifies the teaching and end speculation. St. John himself says Christ didn't mean that in the gospel, lol. This is in the prior discussion. Um, it can only be assumed as a prudential judgment to include it in the catechism is seriously wrong and leads to error. But that's the and thing, it's not a prudential. The modern popes are not in continuity with traditionalness. No, that's no. obvious. Yeah. I, I yeah, unfortunately, uh I have I have to um with fear and trepidation um not take the same view as the Holy Father on this and of the catechism. But so the catechism I would definitely be o very open. The catech is the catechism binding. I'm about to have Michael Lofton on on here uh, in <laughs> yeah, the beginning of March talk about question. how binding the catechism is. I uh, I forget what it was called, but I tried to look up the CDF's uh, document on uh, the death penalty from under Benedict. I don't remember what it's called. The other Paul said, can you send Link again? No. Just oh, man. It's, in the, it's in the Discord. It's in the Discord. Yeah. I'll send yeah. it. Oh, also, speaking of Pope Michael, 
Christian, you didn't you didn't have Twitter open during that stream, did you? <laughs> Who is this that just got here? Because I uh, I'm not adding them to the thing until they come back. <laughs> oh, it's Topo. Oh, greetings. Because Christian, I had I, I had sent you follow up questions. <laughs> okay, how how are you doing, uh, Copo? They're fine. Uh, is Russia invaded yet? Uh, wrong country. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wrong country. No, I think that I think that's a legitimate ones, question for every country. We're the ones that, we're the ones <laughs> by the Serbia of time, not Russia. Oh, okay. So, Kopo, so you, you how guys long are still... until you go over to Ukraine and handle the situation personally? Yeah, no. Wait, what? Know? I can't wait till Croatia. 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 So I can't Croatians wait till and Ukrainians not friends. What? Are Ukrainians and Croatians not friends? Oh no no, we, we have perfect good relations. I'm just not going there. Okay. <laughs> Boy, Kobo, mate. Stop the Russian invasion. I can't wait till Russia invades Canada. Oi, oi, Kopo, can you fact check? Can you confirm for us if the ghost of Kiev is real? I I have, I, I've seen that somewhere on internet and I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I wanna believe so hard. Like there's someone, all the all the people who are like, uh, all the all the Ukraine boos are all like, oh, there's this guy in a fighter jet who shot down like six Russian jets and he's based and all. And some are even saying it's a whammon and and there's like no confirmation at all, like no evidence from what I've seen. That <laughs> no, but I, this, this, this I am on the other hand somewhat convinced that a lo local forest is cursed <laughs> or, or something. That's the closest I. I can get yeah, the, yeah. For those who don't know, the go there's a legend going around in the war now that there's a there's this guy called the Ghost of Kiev. It's just this guy in a jet who's apparently like absolutely BTFOing Russian jets. But uh, as far as I'm aware, it's just a myth at the moment. <laughs> yeah, spicy meatballs. Oh, I'm back now. Okay, so well, what shall well, we yeah, I, what I shall we ask... discuss now? What, what do you want to know, Christian, you're a you're a you're a Roman Catholic, right? Of course. Yes. Okay, so now uh, can you now list? Can you now list off memory all of Vatican One, like the entirety of the Council? Uh, it starts with it starts with <laughs> the Declaration on on uh, no. God and natural... no, no, word for word, word for word. I need I need the word for word. In Latin or in English? Uh, no. Well, it, what what are they what were they speaking? In Esperanto. In Latin and Latin, yeah. In Latin. Oh, too bad. I only know the English from memory. Uh, maybe next time. That's <laughs> like my ass. We, we, we officially have more people on the, in the stream than we do watching the stream. <laughs> what? The, what uh, are your books still on the floor? Did you move them? Are they still on the floor? No, they're they're still right here. Uh, what's that? What is that? The summa or what is it? Uh yeah, it was Sekunda Sekunde. It's the second yeah. volume of Sekunda Sekunde, which is on uh, yeah. virtues and stuff. No, no, nothing that you Protestants that would... would understand, you know. Yeah, you you goofy Protestants, man. You <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, Christian, you say that was virgin. Just... Here's my the, the virgin. Here's my elaborate virtue ethics system. I make versus <laughs> the Chad God says so. Debate over. Divine command theory is terrible, dude. Yeah, okay, Eric. What? It's not what divine command theory. It's divine command fact. Did you say that was the second volume of Segunda Segunda? Yes. 
So it's so the second volume of the second part of the second <laughs> part. <laughs> that was stupid. Hello, everyone. This is Milton Comist. We're now. Were you reading, reading it on February second, twenty twenty-two? How do I get rid of get rid of this little thing in the corner that's hiding me? Uh, that's your. I don't know. It's up to you. <laughs> sure. I, I think. I, I, I think if you delete your account, it'll go away. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I think if you give me my, if you give me your login, then it'll work. <laughs> oh, me, there we you, go. If you give me your credit card information, the security account number on the back, it should help. You need to give me your credit card information and your social security number. I think yeah, if you give me a, your copies of the Suma, it should go away. This is a, um, a well-known fact: is that when uh when I met Christian, uh you know he was like, oh, I'll just have him, I'll just read to him all of uh, Summa Contra Gentiles. That'll make him Roman Catholic. So when I first met Christian, he just he just read to me for about forty-five hours all of Summa Contra Gentiles, <laughs> and uh and uh because I'm a Chad-based uh, uh mentally strong human being, I pointed out all of the errors off top because I'm the smartest human being to ever walk the earth. So. You just, you just answered off the cuff. <laughs> yeah. All of the yeah. yeah, and I sat there the whole time like this, you know, like maniacally considering your <laughs> system. Yeah, so we're all going to secretly watching. He was secretly watching Shabir Ali as he was reading through the yeah. Shabir so, Ali has answered all propositions of the Summa Contra Gentiles. So yes. in this in this uh, section of the Militant Thomas <laughs> After Dark, we're gonna all convince Shia Alex to flee his heresy. <laughs> Had to become <laughs> Catholic. Whoa, 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 whoa! It's apostasy. All right, wait, wait. Do you do you not think the Mohammedans are heretics? Aren't they? Aren't they traditionally called infidels? To us. Well, I mean, well, it depends on who, well, you're, yeah. who you're talking to. Because right. I mean, like Jonathan Damascus. A, well, Saint Pius the Tenth called them infidels. So. Oh. Go with it's them. legal for you to separated call brothers. Cringe. <laughs> <laughs> it's legal for you to use a crossbow on me, theoretically speaking. Really? So, yeah, yeah. The, the there's I think it's in Trent or in Florence where it's like it's just illegal to use a crossbow on Christians, but everyone else it's cool. It's in one of the Lateran councils, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. My people like third Lateran or second Lateran. That's one. That's one of those count. One of the like eighty-five councils you guys have. One of them. You know. One of the eighty-five councils we have. <laughs> Well, How do funny, I make it? You guys have so many councils, but like, if you went up to like most Catholics, be like, "Hey, real quick, what's the first council of Lyon on?" They go, "I mean, I, something." <laughs> they were in France for some reason, you know. What's a council? <laughs> Protestant Classic moment. Protestant. Classic. Oh no, I'm sorry. I was talking about the average Roman Catholic. Oh, uh, oh. 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 <laughs> yeah. What's the My name is. How do I make it so like the uh, the new chats can pop up on the screen as we go along? Boomer. Boomer moment. Hey, everyone put boomer moment in the chat. Oh, wait, I can ban guests. Oh, wait. That's kind of cool. Can ban me? Don't ban me. <laughs> if you don't convert to Catholicism, we are banning you. <laughs> and that you goes know, for if everybody. You, if you do not approach Pope Francis with docility, we're going to ban if you. you. If you do not accept... You do not submit to Pope Francis Tartan as your lord and saviors, I will find where you live i i will say right good point there like people will ask like oh you know you you should be roman catholic and i'm like i don't even know like what does that even mean like which pope do i go to which masses are illicit it's like it's like when roman catholics are told they're told you should become orthodox and they say which church it's the same 
That's the same logic. Yeah. The same response. You know. Okay, cool. I'm gonna. No, it's not because it. that one is real. <laughs> Which okay, Orthodox so, Church owned, so, debunked, debunked? Which so Orthodox Paul, Church? So, Paul. How how do I how do I add that cool background to our to our discussion? Okay, so first of all, have you tried turning this off and on? on uh, yeah, off and on again. And you press the power button on your computer. Yes. Alt F4. Have you had, have you, the brand well, John thing. Fisher's here. What's up, John Fisher? No, nah, no. Nah. So look on the side. Do you see the the tabs on the Streamlabs thing, which yeah. include um, brand? Go to brand. Yeah. And if you look down, you'll eventually see backgrounds or wallpapers or one of those. Oh, there you go. Add background. Yeah, just add whatever you want. <clears throat> okay, add image. Make it, don't make it too. Don't go too stupid. It better not be stupid. If it's stupid, I'm gonna. Ruh -ruh raggy. Yeah. John Fisher's here though. Right, I guess in the, the chat. Bang. John Fisher 1.0. Yeah, what happened to the first John Fisher? What happened? Oh, um, no. I think I think one I think one of my uh, kings killed him. Yeah, you see, uh -huh. Jacob Watson personally traveled back in time and slaughtered. <laughs> well, actually, I think the more pressing question is if John Fisher 2.0 is so good, why isn't there a John Fisher 3.0? So that's really true, actually. That's correct. I, I I remember I had a. It was funny. There was an Anglican priest friend who, like, you know, was assigned to a church, and he's walking in, and it's like some, you know, Roman Reformation saint, like John Fisher, Thomas More, who, like, yeah. they have a statue of that right. saint, and he, like, just looks at the statue, and it's like, didn't we kill him? And he's like, yeah, like, okay, okay, so. Copus is boomer moment, but is there any theological significance to the Vatican being built Frick, in the tomb of Peter, like fulfillment of Matthew 16? Nope. Nope, no significance. Yes. I mean, nothing. Okay, mom, Peter. Yeah, what's Shia up? Alex, you think. Okay, let's put you on solo layout. To, why, don't I, to... why don't I accept that the Vatican is the, the rock? So you think, you think that, that Peter is more infallible than i think peter is so <laughs> yeah yeah technically technically well like um the infallibility in in islam just means he can't like, oh gosh that's it would mean like he couldn't sin in our view uh and he couldn't teach incorrectly so he couldn't oh, teach great. ordinarily so, a, imagine if the pope could literally only teach with the extraordinary magisterium and that would be our view so so you think first and second peter are infallible no, we think they're uh, we think they're forgeries. Is the difference? Uh, yeah, because they they say that Paul's a good boy, and you think Paul's not not chill. I was gonna say Alex is an apostate and heretic of baptized and an infidel if he's not. That's so true, John Fisher. So Actually, true. no. If he if he's uh if he's baptized, he's still an apostate, but not a heretic. Yeah. Oh, I've got a microwave in the background. <laughs> That's just the. Is that Copa? Yeah. Is that, is that just the? Is that just the? <laughs> That's just the sound of Croatia. That's just the classic Eastern European ambiance. Is this the sound of Michael? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the sound so, of Russian wars. Next, next theological topic. Anybody uh -huh. else have anything to bring up they want to talk let about? Let me think. Let me think real fast. Divine, I, yeah, what more about, like, I had more I about people. Uh, okay, uh, one person at a time. Popo, you're <laughs> first. Paul, when are you going to do a RimWorld series? A RimWorld series. If I get it and if I get into it and I feel like it, then maybe. But either way, it'll be a long while off because I've still got to conquer the galaxy of space Israel. 
Fair. Yes. Anyone read Richard Hooker? Yes. He's okay. I guess. He must nice. get a. He must get a bad. I mean, I don't want to be inappropriate, but he must get a bad rap because of his name. Like it's an unfortunate name, you know. Richard Hooker. No, that was before. So the Civil War. The Civil War is when the term Hooker came into usage. Well, yeah, but still, you know, in retrospect, it's just, it's just an unfortunate name. Get yeah. it? Get it? Hooker, which is a prostitute. Well, it's also that <laughs> Anglicans like, owned. Well, it's also <laughs> that like if his name's Richard. It could be his name could be Dick. Dick Hooker. <laughs> I actually, I like, I actually, being completely serious, I really actually do enjoy Richard Hooker's Laws of Ecclesiastical yeah. Policy. And his work on justification ain't too half bad. Uh, obviously, yeah. I have a lot of my disagreements with him. Yeah. But um, when it comes to his Laws of Ecclesiastical Policy, yeah. polity, uh, I mean, basically, he just follows uh, the medieval synthesis of, of law. So it's pretty, it's pretty okay. That he owns he it. owns the Puritans, which kind of makes right. me glad. They, there you have it. There's your there's your answer. There's your question answered. Christian Wagner doesn't date like Dick Hooker. <laughs> is, John, is John Fisher actually gonna join, or she's gonna stay in the chat? <laughs> well, I have to add him first. Yeah. What's up, John Fisher? <laughs> now officially, uh, not too much. Hey, I, I just I I initially just came in because I wanted to cl- ask Alex if he was baptized or not before becoming a Muslim. Oh, um, yeah, as a baby, but like, I, I mean, as a, like a Methodist or something, so I don't know if it counts. It counts. It does count. Well, yeah, well. So, so, so you are technically a heretic and an apostate because you just have a deficient view of God and Christ, but if you were unbaptized, you would be an infidel. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh. Now we cleared it up. So he's just, a heretic just, and apostate. I just, want John, I just yes. want John Fisher to stay here and explain the LPT and go through it for the next four hours, what all of it uh, entails. Okay so, <laughs> okay, so in analytical logic, identity is a relationship that involves reflexivity, transitivity, and symmetry. And I can stop right now because I think the joke is myth. <laughs> I was actually hey, just uh, about that. Hey, uh, John Fisher, what are your thoughts on the uh, logical problem of the incarnation? Uh, what are your uh, deep analytical thoughts on the logical problem of the incarnation? Oh, you're talking about the logical problem of the Trinity. That's what LPT means. Yeah, yeah, LPT. Yeah. LPT I, think and LPI. I think it's wrong. Logical problem of the incarnation. <laughs> there is there is no logical problem of the incarnation. You know, it's so- just people that don't know how to define person. When it comes to the logical problem of the Trinity, you could you could get out of it by just saying, actually, we're like Salafis. We think logic doesn't exist. Sorry, Based. Based. <laughs> <There's> no logic. <laughs> oh, oh, I, oh, that that actually reminds me of something hilarious. Um, you know how I'll, there's a subset of Muslims who, when they read God's hand, they basically yeah. just oh, define hand to mean nothing. Oh yeah, that 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 would be like the the like traditional Athanis. Yeah. Yeah. So they here's it has the, a meaning. They say it has a meaning, but the meaning is only known to God. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, I I I once found an imam saying pretty defending that line of argument. I just yeah. applied it to the Trinity, and you would not believe the special pleading that they were doing in order to say it's different. Jake, the you know Jake, the Muslim metaphysician. Yeah. Yeah. I know him. Yeah. No, he actually he actually called me out on it, saying I don't understand the uh, linguistic uh, background of the whole thing. And when yeah. I actually brought up apophatic theology to him in private, he said, "Oh, you're just resorting to mystery, and that won't work." <laughs> it, it, it's a it, it's a double standard. Well, you can just, just read so this chapter on hypostasis, Alex. You could just yeah, if you take the authority position, you could literally just say what it means that the Father is a, is the Father is only known to God. We can't we don't we wouldn't know what it means. 
And that would technically, I mean, you could even be more, you could even go, if you want to take the, the full, like the, like as hardcore athlete, classical athlete as you could go. Never go full Asher. You would just, you would just say, we won't even translate the father. We'll just keep it in Greek. That would be like the full. Because they, they won't okay, translate. Okay. They won't. So, so, for example, so like, in what Arabic, is... it says Yadain. Yadain means two hands. It means dual hands. Yeah. And some yeah. authorities Same are so traditionalist, they won't even translate Yadain. But let's say it's Yadain. So, so yeah, one. the logical, but I've, I've not. I want to debate a Muslim on the incarnation. Like I've been absolutely <laughs> chiefing to do that. But what? all the ones I mean, have reached I, I out know, to do it. We'll I know someone. It. I could put you in contact with someone theoretically, probably. Okay, so if you could do that, that'd be great because I haven't seen one good like video or argument from a Muslim about why the incarnation doesn't work. It just seems like they're just falsely assuming what we mean by literally every word and then plugging in and saying it's a contradiction. The and I agree with them. It would be. We talked with we talked we talked about this, but the issue is that they're. Um, is that a lot of Christians, and this is I actually I don't want to put the blame on the Muslims here for obviously because I'm biased for them, and also because I don't, I don't think the blame falls on them. Yeah. But a lot of Christians, a lot of a lot of like these uh, new Protestants that aren't like traditional Protestants, mm. so like you know, lower church Protestants. So uh, this, is, this is my way of not attacking William people. Lane Craig. Yeah, William <laughs> Lane Craig, yeah. James James White, these kind of people. They when they when they when they define terms like person or essence, they're using new like new definitions of what those mean. When it's quite clear in Nicaea, they were using pretty different understandings of what person means than what yeah. like Descartes is saying when he says person. And I mean, I've talked with talked with a a certain a certain Muslim. I won't, I won't name drop, <laughs> but he he admitted that uh, when he's defining person in nature that he's holding to like basically just a cartesian view of those yeah. things and then which saying is, that oh that's that's the definition of i mean it's fine if you're, if you're debating what, someone who takes the cartesian definition yeah, yeah. what what i'm saying is that like you have to admit like yeah. a christian view is logically coherent within the system in which we're speaking if you want to debate my use of the word person that's fine we can debate over what a hypostasis or a person is but if you want to say that i'm logically incoherent you have to say that my system is well, internally incoherent and i'd argue that oh I'd by the way that would just be semantics the way you should use person if you're debating the incarnation even if even if you say i don't know john christostom or augustine misunderstands what person means they're still proposing a consistent concept it's just that concept is a different name so unless you want to be like <laughs> hyper hyper semantically nominalist and say that you know or like hybrid, like I don't know. It'd be really weird to say that only one definition of person is correct, and if that, you use that word incorrectly, you still must bend the definition that I am applying. It, it, yeah. So, like, I've found none of these, none of these discussions even to be helpful because there's no, like, I don't think you can ever argue based on our definitions of of terms that it is at all logically incoherent. You can make historical arguments. You can make, you can make um, other arguments. You can make uh, scriptural arguments. You can make all the arguments you want, but you cannot make the argument that we're logically incoherent because it just doesn't work. Because we are internally coherent when it comes to a very specific way of defining person. And you have from the Cappadocian fathers talking within one another, with, um, mm -hmm. to one another, where they're saying like, okay, this is how we're going to find person in essence. Because we have to be very careful with our definitions. We want to be very clear. Well, and yeah, in some cases, clear, they made up definitions just to use that, for Trinitarian theology. It's clear that the Cappadocians, for example, <laughs> don't understand what Jay Dyer says. To kind of crap on Jay Dyer because I love to oh. do it. Where Jay Dyer <laughs> will say that by person, person he means 
like every person has a different uh mind Center of consciousness yeah, yeah that's it, that's heretical jay dyer believes yeah. that each person of the trinity has its own mind it's unique really really distinct mind which is yeah, quite also, uh sociopathic that, in my view he also uh, also, I remember it, it, was seeing of him. I'm I'm what? muting everybody except John. Wait, wait, which John? Yeah, other um, John. Muted. Two Muted. Okay, I'm talk, John. Talk. Okay, I'll Thank let you. John talk. <laughs> I like talking to John. Uh, I DM John out of nowhere about the LPT and what he thought of relative identity. So we have LGBT, a... Well, I don't think it was this John. I think it was the other John. Yeah, it was John. It was the, it was the it was the John Fisher 2.0, not John Fisher 3.0, and it certainly yes. wasn't John Fisher 1.0 because he's dead. So, well, you can you can talk to him too, whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, intercession. Yeah, yes. um, that folks. Communication with the dead. Hell yeah. if I, I think I remember seeing something that Jay Dyer said uh, that the sun and the spirit are not self-existent. Which yeah, yeah. So he is, he denies they're subsisting relations. They're subsisting he, relations. He he fully denies that the sun's asse. Yeah. He thinks that the sun is is basically caused, but that yeah. he's caused in a way that well, he, he's well, eternally yeah. caused. <laughs> Te- Which I'd argue you can't you can't argue for eternal causation because for something to be caused hypostatically there has to be a, stat- there has to be a state when it's not caused. Okay, maybe he, wait, wait, maybe he's, he's if, say he's eternally caused, but not essentially. So he still has asse. Or if we want to save Jay Dyer here, why can't we just say that there was a time when the sun was not? Exactly, right? that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. he's there halfway there. There is a, there is a <laughs> logical <laughs> moment when the sun was not. Yeah, yeah really. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because he because he uh, does claim, are he natural, does guys. They're natural. That the sun, his, also, his also, he's. You don't have the news. You don't understand anything I'm saying. You're wrong, man. You have to say eternally caused. Well, yeah, but that's different. It, there's, there's a reason why the fathers explicitly don't say that, and they say eternally begotten instead. There's a really good reason why they don't say eternally caused. No, they do actually speak. About yeah, that. I think they do say eternally caused. But they, I, but what, after cause. it's, it's because the word. Yeah, I think it's because the word "cause" is just more flexible in the in Greek because "cause" I think just means something like more like our word "explanation." Yeah, yeah, but they, but they, or don't, principle they, they in don't Latin. Mean, they don't mean "cause" in what we're saying "cause" in this sense. I would argue. Yeah. And for example, Jay Dyer would say literally that there's a like the sun is caused and he's caused. There's a point where the, there's a point not in time but a point, and I don't understand how you can say this without, without presupposing time. But there's a point where the father, where uh, he causes out of his free will the son, right? But but the issue he, is that it would seem that that would seem to presuppose a point at which he's not out of his own free will causing it, because you can't argue because he has no because he's not saying it's like a pure act. He's not saying just out of pure action. There's no there's no uh, what's the word for it? There's no I'm not saying the word for the call seven. Yeah, we would say that it was natural. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, it, you it can argue a lot better because of pure act. You, it, it's it makes a lot with, more sense than a pure like act. Like Augustine, Augustine's act, talking uh, about that it's not by the will, but it's also yeah. not without the will. So it's like in accordance with the like in the same in the same way in an analogous way. Don't don't take this analogy too far. Mm. In the same way that I'm not actively willing that my heart is beating, or I'm not actively willing that I have a hand, but it's not without my will that that this is this is happening. Oh wait, yeah. Corey needs to be let in. Oh, <laughs> I thought I thought he needed to Good leave one, the Chris. link. But yeah, oh, no, no, no. so so, but they uh, no so um, wait, they, you need they, to kick Corey because his hair is. Too my cool. issue is mainly that it would pre like the way Jay Dyer words it at least seems to 
uh, propose potentia, which has issues for obvious reasons. So I think everyone he does has- pr- he does propose potentia. Well, potentia exactly. placebo. Yeah. Yeah, but he yeah. but he's proposing a potentia when it regards to when it comes to the um the uh, begettedness, right? Which yeah, is the other issue. Paul. The other Paul. Do the Jay Dyer thing real quick. So we can... <laughs> what do we? What do we? What do I say? What is Jay Dyer saying? The news. The news. Well, the paradigm. You don't have bro. the news of the potential. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you propose this silly concept of active potency because you don't have the news of Christ. You're a front that is all based on classical foundationalism. So your entire system is circular. You need you to actually assume, You need bro. to assume orthodoxy to have a coherent worldview. Because otherwise, if you're just looking for a classical foundation for everything, you're going to get a bad circle. I will you say, become he, coherentist. When he debated yeah. Trent Horn, Trent Horn, I don't think Trent Horn's a philosophical monster. You know, I don't. I wouldn't argue yeah. that. But Trent mm-hmm. Horn basically just said, "Yo, Jay Dyer, tell me why I should take your worldview instead of the one of Cornelius Van Teel," and he couldn't answer the question. It's because, Klein, it's because, it's because philosophers like Quine have debunked classical foundationalism. <laughs> okay, what do we? All you really need to do, all, all you, you don't re- actually quoting them. When you use God's name, you don't really use a, a one that is logically can logically rigorous. Is it a rigid definition? You see, they're not using rigid <laughs> definitions when they refer to God because anyone can say the word God, but that's not what it means. This isn't the Aristotelian yeah, so totally, idea of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah like there's, yeah. there's differences the in how you, people conceive of God. Therefore, the they're totally different higher, things uh, in terms of discussion. The, the way totally Dyer should get around the issue of, of how he takes his position instead of the one of Van Teel is by doing what the unnamed Muslim, I'm not going to say who he is, uh, does. Where you just, where you just, where you just, uh, you just like red herring to truth maker theory. Yes, that's what you do. You just go, well, actually, well, what do you think the truth maker is in this in a circumstance? And that's how you, and that's how you deal with it. You just, you just red herring like some, like, somewhat obscure philosophical. <laughs> All <laughs> these proponents of the grounding objection presuppose the truth maker theory, but there's no reason to believe the truth maker. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, Christian. Christian, yeah. final question before I gotta go. What do we think okay. of Van Til now? Like, I think know who? you introduced Van Til to me like a couple of years oh, ago. You've Van obviously Thiel? developed theologically a lot He's since. A yeah. we, Van, we, Van Til, Van Til isn't right. Van Til yeah. is based. <laughs> He's a sociopath. He's a sociopath. Van Til isn't right. Thanks. Yeah, he he just isn't right. Well, yeah. because basically he just wrong. he just hates on hates on Thomas, yeah. and hates hates on the man's ability to know truth. Yeah, so, he's um, very he, against uh, classical theism and classical theistic arguments. Very against. Man? Yeah, I, yeah, which is John weird. Fish, for John me. Fisher can probably argue, mean uh, explain this better than me. That's a that's a blessing of having ten people in this room. I can just <laughs> reference the exponent here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll say this much about the whole presuppositionalist thing. They kind of undermine the whole reformed theological uh, project right from the get-go, because in order to be stand condemned by God, they have to know that the invisible things of God um, are behind the visible things that he's created. And because of this, they stand condemned. That's the whole what Romans 1 is all about. If they can't really obtain truth, and really, it's just this sinful suppression that's out of their hands, and they have no intellectual merit to assess all that. I don't know how they can say, you know, they're condemned for their sins or they're condemned for putting an idol before the Creator. Um, that's really just a, 
Van Til just makes that a matter of psychology. Whereas, you know, if you have a classical approach, uh, you have an obligation to know about things. And because it stands within your power to know about God, but you refuse to use your intellect for this reason, that's why you stand condemned. So uh, I think it actually undermines the whole reform, reform project uh, just from the get-go. But yeah, those are my two cents. Yeah, and I'd argue it's just uh, presuppositionalism is just stupid. Like, it's just not, like, it's just not, like, I mean, to put it blunt, like, like you don't, the issue is that um, presuppositionalism is is very much built on rebuilding the wheel of apologetics. That, like, there's, like, we need to re rethink, it's very reformed in that sense, that we need to completely redo our apologetical approach. But I don't think they give, um, they don't give, like, proper justification of why classical theism and its arguments are not true. Instead, they kind of just presuppose that they're wrong because they're papist nonsense, which is kind of funny. Uh, no. Instead of like well, actually yeah. dealing with why they're wrong. No, because if you, you hear Jay Dyer about? talk about like natural law or like, classical theism, he's just like it's just a classical foundationalism, and you, like he doesn't even say yeah. he's not saying anything that's really that like he's not really giving that much of a critique. He's just really proposing that his system's better without really saying why it's better or why the other system's incorrect. Yeah. Okay. Also, he doesn't even background has no influence whatsoever on his current views. Hmm. <laughs> well, all right, thank you, gentlemen. Very based. I have to go now. Okay, bye, Eric. Yeah. Okay, bye. Yeah. See you, Eric. Oh, wait a minute. How do you... Anybody have any <laughs> more thoughts? Or no, Eric, you have to exit your. There you go. Anybody want to respond to the modal collapse objection? Um, which one? Because there are a variety of them, but the classical one is it conflate. There is an equivocation between God's act of existence and God's act of creation. Uh, God's act of existence doesn't entail God's act of creation because uh, God's act of creation is an, is a result of um, an indeterminate power of His free will, and we don't have to posit that God uh, being indeterminate has any passive potencies, but an active potency because the will is itself uh, an active potency. So and if you're, uh, you're Jay Dyer, then you say active potency doesn't exist. Do you remember that story? Oh, yeah, that was so stupid. Any, all you need to do is read the Summa or pretty much any medieval text, and they do make been, that distinction. Wait, wait, yeah. Do, do, the, voice, that, do uh... the voice the other poll, but say, I've been a Thomas for 10 years. Look at all my sticky notes. <laughs> yeah, John, I've been, John, 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 you should shut up. I've been a Thomas for 10 years. I have the sticky notes all throughout my, my Summa. So you're, you, these are arguments I've found before, and they all suck. <laughs> if I say so. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I actually have my. I went uh, to a reformed university. <laughs> He's got a copy of. I have my copy of Densinger right here, you silly papist. What are Wait, you gonna do? You, am, I just, have... am I just here for the, the the comic relief? Like, hey, Paul, do the thing. <laughs> Wait, somebody else left too. Who else I'm left? Really bloody good at it. So uh, John Fisher three point The other John left. No, John Fisher three point We needed. <laughs> he said he finally found the J Dyer quote, and then he yeah. left. No. Oh, read it. Pull up quotes and I'll read them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like that one quote where he talks about like, do, reading, reading the father. Someone asked, "Was Shia Islam created as a political tool for the Persian Empire?" Yeah, the, why the not? Persians are the Persians are are Sunnis for for a while. They're not converted to, to Shiism until they're under the Safavids. So they're, I mean, like no, because it pre-exists the Persians being Shia. I mean, Shiism first existed in the city of, of Medina. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, I mean, yeah. Hang on, hang on I've so, got a counter argument. Everything that begins on top to of exist that, has a cause. On top of that, weren't they mostly standard in Iraq? 
Yeah, in Kufa. In Kufa and Medina. Yeah. And then, and, yeah. And then later... Sorry, later, other so, Paul. So they follow where the imam lives. First, the imam lives in Medina. Mm. And then he's... Then he... Then and he, a lot of his followers come from Kufa to Medina. And then after uh, a while, he the imams, the 11th and 10th imam, are basically uh, ex, like exiled to Sumeda in Iraq. And that's mm. the new center. Either way... Yeah, it's Iraq and, and what's now Saudi Arabia. The, the Persians don't become Shia for a long time. Wait, what? Do you reject the the Filioque? Other Paul, do you reject the Filioque? What? The other Paul rejects. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. I well. Yeah. By default, I do. Yeah. Eternally. Because it's papist. Yeah, because it's papist. That's the entire. That's the only reason. That is literally the only <laughs> reason why I reject it. The papist believe it. So I'm not mad fussed about it though. It's like is- when I say that. I always pair it with, it's one of the questions I, at least at the moment, care the least about. So I'm not really motivated. It's not really, it's not really, <laughs> a, Jack I, I wouldn't say the filioque really affects the, the Protestant like paradigm very much. So it really you know affects I mean? the, the, the <laughs> yeah, you, just, uh, you don't understand the concept of a uh, super hyper ustia and you're just, your use is just impure. Dude. But- I'll be honest with you. Whenever I went back to the Presbyterian Church after inquiring Orthodox for like two years, and then we recited the creed and we said the filioque in the creed, I felt so dirty. <laughs> I went to an Eastern Catholic Church once and said it, even though no one else did. Based, based, based Latin enjoyer. Yeah. Uh, Again, Latin, 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 Latin cultural imperialist on the Byzantine churches. Someone yes. asked me about free will. Um, I'll, I'll, I can they can that. say it, so I'm, uh, I I should go back and make them. I'll answer this, especially to the degree that the so the difference between the view and free will is that um and because I'm not best at explaining the concept of free will than classical theism, but we take the classical theistic approach to the, the Thomist approach to free will, where we are we're basically compatibilists. Um, now the Sunnis, as you mentioned, they're occasionalists. They're not just determinists. They're actually full hard occasionalists, which means they believe that literally every occasion, every Every distinct event that you could point to is actively willed by God. So they're as Pretty deterministic Calvinist. as you could possibly get. They're extremely. They're worse than classical like, reform thought. It's going to basically be Thomistic. Yeah, yeah. I uh, saw someone. I saw someone on on Twitter who was like, "Actually, uh, Islam is Calvinistic," and I'm like, "You probably don't understand what Calvin believes about free will if you think Calvin was like or a Islam. hardcore occasionalist or something." Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of orthos say that. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, actually, all- who were who were the Muslims in like, let's say, 13th century Spain? Which one were they? They would have been uh, uh, Averroes. Yeah, yeah, they would have been. There's the, the, the two schools. There's either they would have been uh, what's now called the Asharis, which is kind of like the main school of Islam, or they would have been people who would follow kind of the, the thought of Averroes, or the, the other, basically the second biggest one, in my opinion, would probably be the uh, still the Muatazilites, who are uh, like yeah. like Thomistic Sunnis. They're uh, Sunnis who believe in classical theism in a way, but they're also very. The issue with that view is that it's basically impossible to justify that within the Sunni worldview because their Hadith corpus is so clearly against the idea. That you have a hard time justifying it. Like there's multiple channel. hadith that say that say like oh uh, that like that basically actively don't affirm what the Mu'tazila believe. So they have a hard time justifying it. But yeah, they're Thomistic oh, uh, the... Sunnis. Yeah. Also, the Mu'tazilites they also rejected the idea of an uncreated Quran. Uh, they believe yeah, the Quran yeah, was created. Idea. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I still find the uncreated Quran issue to be uh, it's somewhat. Issue with yeah. No. I I agree because the Quran itself, parts of it were abrogated, even the the life of Muhammad, and yeah, exactly. like for example, the death penalty. Uh, for apostates was actually something in the Quran as originally presented, and then it was redacted later on. So or you have to ask yourself, marriage. or temporary, temporary marriage. marriage, and you have, yeah. and you have to, yeah, and you have to ask yourself this: Did the eternal Quran have these passages, or did it not? If it didn't have these passages, then they were added on, and the Prophet didn't transmit the Quran. If they were there and they were removed. Well, there's something missing in the Quran, and it's been corrupted. Because, and we know this because the Eternal Quran has it. So, um, so if it's so, unless it's something that can be created and thus adjusted over time, then basically Islam is falsified. I'd also argue that. So, my biggest, I'm I'm very into the philosophy of language. That's probably my my one area that I'm most uh, interested in when it comes to philosophy. And mm-hmm. the issue with Sunni, with Sunnis especially is that they kind of reject, they have to reject the semantic theory of truth. Or like that, like mm-hmm. any sort of uh, like semantic, that words can mean things, truly. Because if you, pr- if you propose, for example, okay, there is an eternal Quran that's uncreated, but it's not the, it's not the recitation if you're, if you're an Ashari. It's not, everyone agrees it's not the, the text, it's not the mushaf, it's not the physical copy, right? It's just this, well, then what is the Quran? which they can't really answer. They have to say, well, it's just some vague, eternal concept. But they don't have any, like, real... They can't ascribe any any properties to it that would be true of what we understand the Quran to be mm-hmm. without having to say it, it has to be contingent. So they That's have to say, it's, say it's some, like, vague concept of something that exists in God's mind. Well, then, how do we know the Quran we have is actually a reflection of that? And in what sense is it a reflection of that if it's just some, like, vague mental conceptual concept and not the, the, an actual existent thing yeah they'll usually make a distinction and say that um the quran that what we have are to that the quran in god's mind and the quran's on earth and the ones that are recited are all tokens of the same quran are all tokens of a quran but you have to ask yourself okay those are the tokens but in what sense does the type exist if, yeah like yeah i mean the whole purpose of having like eternal concepts in the mind of god is those serve as the types and the tokens are the instantiations but if you turn the eternal quran into a token itself then what do these things all have in common yeah and you could also say let's say i let's say i grab my copy of the quran and i point out and i say this is the quran right well, there's a classical, you know, what is am I saying? Am I saying this is identically the Quran? Well, of course you're not, right? You're not saying this mm-hmm. is the identically the Quran. But if you take right. this Sunni view, you also can't say it's like a predicate. You can't say it's a, in the genus of the Quran because there can't be multiple Qurans. Besides the eternal Quran, which uh, even, in, like I said, in that case, well, then if it's a genus, what properties do they share? For it to be in a genus, they have to share some properties, right? We agree that mm-hmm. all cats have some sort of similar, like, you know, there's something about, all cats that makes them part of the genus mm-hmm. of cats. So what property does the eternal Quran and the temporal Quran share, which they can't affirm any of them without having it collapse to a contingency. And you can make the same argument for the hand of God, for example, what, what mm. for, for the hand of God to be in the genus of things that are hands, what property does the hand of God have that all other hands though do that isn't uh, necessarily making it a contingent thing. Yeah. You see this. Yeah. For me, this is one of the reasons why, 
well, one of a few reasons why I'd much I think uh, Shia Islam just works a lot better than the Sunni alternative. <laughs> it doesn't have any. It doesn't have any of this metaphysical baggage that comes with the Eternal Quran. Uh, whereas I think it's just straightforward to say God created a book just like He could create other books, but this book is just inerrant and protected from error yeah, and just, is preserved. For example, the issue is that, like, like for example. Uh, take an example of a prophet. Any prophet you want to point out and say this person's a prophet, right? right. That person is a created human being, and and that they 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 have they're in the genus of human beings, but they also essentially have things that are make them better than all other human beings, right? They're not mm-hmm. a, they're not like, you know, me and a prophet are not equal in our virtue and our goodness, right? Mm-hmm. So right. you could make accidents. the same argument for a book. No. Like, why is a book special in the sense that it can't be a book that is like other – it's in the genus of created books, but it has properties of it that are unique to it that elevate it in virtue and goodness. I don't okay, get it. let's let's move on from the Quran <laughs> talk as much as – as interesting as it is. So John Fisher 3.0, what do you think about leather jackets? Um, hey, Ludo. <laughs> <laughs> I know who that is. That's a friend of mine. Yeah. Okay, so but uh, but uh, to answer oh, his question, um, inshallah, I will confront Pope Michael <laughs> wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> so, how do Muslims respond to the argument that Muhammad consummating a marriage with a nine-year-old is clearly against nature and the procreative purpose of sex? And actually, one of our uh, one of our guests has put forward his own theory on this. <sighs> okay, I'll answer this. I'll answer this in two. I'll answer this in two ways. I hate this. Well, hang on, let me answer my way first. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> let me get some my two oh, cents wait. in, kid. No, I, I remember explicitly that the 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 the, she, the true she Alex answer was yeah, she was six and <laughs> no, but she, her her milkers her milkers could have come in early. Have we considered yeah. this? <laughs> well, what was her what was her diet? Wait, sorry. To correct myself, it was Ryan, not Ludo. I'll give give one from the Shia opinion, and I'll take the Sunni opinion for the sake of argument. From the Shia opinion, we don't, we have no hadith that's within our age, so we just don't know how old she was. It's because we don't care about. If you know anything about Shiism, you would know that it was not viewed exactly in the most positive of lights. So we don't take contend uh, or continue on narrations about her and her attributes. Now, if you take the Sunni view and and you say, okay, she was six. And she and they consummated at nine. The answer is just the answer that Daniel Hakikachu gives. Where you just say, well, you're just presupposing your moral worldview. That's not a good argument because you're presupposing a system of uh, morality against my system of morality without justifying them holistically. Which I think works in a sense of that uh, if you're not adopting natural law theory, like Sunnis don't. So there you go. There's so the literally the other Paul's argument. And well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Argument, that, that would be the, that would be the answer I've, that like Daniel I've heard another Hitchin argument. I've heard What's my argument? argument? I, I wasn't here. I didn't hear it. That she was I, yeah, she was six. Yeah, and that argument. And, that's and the answer I heard, that Daniel Hakikachu gives basically. I, I mean, I that's unironically. Um, if Hikichu? I was a Muslim, that's how I would do it. Yeah, like all moral arguments regarding the faith. Like this is something I eventually found. Like squabbling over like all like videos by normie apologists like William Lane Craig inspiring philosophy and they're like oh what's Bible of slavery oh, what's Bible of genocide and they're like and they give all these <laughs> elaborate 12 paragraph long answers which some of which are good Text some of which actually screen. make some good points like for yeah. example the uh whether whether Hedem in, in the Hebrew Bible always refers to a slaughter or simply driving people out. that's a fair point that's a fair point yeah, it doesn't yeah. explain everything though um but often but they just miss the most obvious answer is literally so freaking what 
whoop de doo yeah, God that, said this happened. That, Why is it wrong? You, you, the yeah, onus is on you now. I've also <laughs> heard that in like presupposing the correctness of your moral of your moral system. That's the issue. In, in, middle, in Middle Eastern it. in Middle Eastern environments, I've also heard that like the age of maturity is much much lower than in in our environment. So Corey, yeah, but she's still, our, she still. I mean, she been, everyone be agrees right that too. everyone agrees that the reason why she was the why it was consummated at nine is because that's when she that's when she reached the age of pu- uh, puberty. If so you've ever it. had a Persian girl in your middle school, her milkers came in early, and this is just what happened. Bro, don't call listen. them that. Uh, listen. Uh, all I, know I don't want to think Persian. Please don't use the word milkers. All right, all mommy no, milkers. Her mommy milkers. That's that word. No! Except for referring can you to kick, Belcher, can you kick Corey? Can, it, can someone kick Corey? I literally can't kick him. <laughs> you can try. I'm not kicking Corey. All I know is that when Corey's I was in middle school, uh, if people lost bets, they had to confront a girl named Aisha about that. Oh my god. Really? Oh. Yes. Aisha is brutal. I did brutal. that multiple times. Yeah. The answer is just that Aisha, and at least from the Shia view, is that Aisha is just not, we don't care about Aisha. We think she was not a good person. So we don't okay, care. Okay. So have I heard Wait. of the Anglican E.L. Maskell? Yeah. He's, you got a good work on the Trinity, you know, on Christology. Wait, okay. real quick. Just to tell you about where I live, we had more than one to pick from in our grade. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, bro. This sounds like Western Sydney all over again. Nah, Michigan. So, didn't Calvin have a heterodox understanding of the Trinity by positing that the Son was no, self-existent in Himself, rather than attributing causality to the Father? Um, I, I think a charitable reading of Calvin would say that uh, Christ is autotheos after, after the manner of um, ascent oh. of His essence, not after necessarily Wait, the manner that... of His hypostatic. I know Calvin existence. does some weird. That like semantical um, stuff where he tries to get around i know i haven't, I haven't read his works pretty much uh, every this reminds me stuff. i haven't does read it write, but i definitely know does I, he write I in can... french or in latin yes <laughs> yes i can <laughs> yes. read off the quote from jay dyer <laughs> oh okay no, 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 no. send it send it to me and i'll put it on the screen oh the quote uh this is jay dyer quote yeah oh baby here we go my time to shine Wait, where's where do I send it? Let me let me ask while waiting. Well, Christian, what is what would you say is the the um send it on Discord? When can someone when can someone marry according to the sacrament sacramentology in your view? Oh, uh, wait, should probably delete the message. Age of reason? That. Is that what you'd say? What? Historically, it's been at least twelve. So, uh, age of reason. But uh, qu- yeah, but uh, to be fair, uh, it mostly took after Roman law in that case. But uh, ecclesia law is something that does change according to uh, the prudent prudential decisions of the church. And as of now, there is no age under fifteen where a girl can marry. And I think for a boy, it's seventeen. Um, I, and, I know and, and even then, you have to women. respect. Yeah, it's, and it's even then, you. Ecclesiastical positive law, I think you'd say, right? Something like that. Yeah. There, the, yeah. There's no uh, age and of I'll... reason with women. Trust me. Yeah. No age of reason with women. So Wait, Christian, I sent yeah. it to you on Discord. Uh, okay. Why doesn't why wait, isn't it, first, why don't first there's consider some... the distinction yeah. between hypostasis and usio real, but only rational? Well, uh, because they don't if... want to posit they don't want to posit real distinction than God. That's the simple if, if there was a real distinction between um the hypostasis and the usia, there would be four hypostasis. There would be a fourth hypostasis. 
Yeah, oh, and there would be the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and then the the essence. Whatever you have. Is it formally uh, distinct? Though? As, um, no, I, it's I don't speak in the categories of formal formal distinction, but uh, our, our local scotist here can can tell you. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he can go. Yeah. Well, I'm not a scotist. I'm a palamite, first of all. He means me. Same thing. Oh, he means you, my best. Yeah, scotus, palamites. What's the difference, really? Yeah, yeah. The uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are formally distinct from one another, and when we, but in terms of um, the distinction between each of them and the essence, that falls under a formal modal distinction. So basically. Uh, because God is infinite being, uh, we can say that um, each of them is infinite being to uh, to the degree of be- of infinite, but each of them is formally distinct. So just to use an example, uh, we can say, uh, we can't say what God is, but we can say how God is. And when we say that God is infinite, uh, we're speaking of him, uh, we're speaking of him as being unlimited. And hence, to the degree that God is unlimited, so are all three of the persons. Um, so we speak of the Godhead in degree. And when we speak of each and every individual person of the Godhead, they are formally, we don't speak of degree, but we speak of a formal distinction between each other. Uh, okay, yeah, we would say we would use yeah. the language of real distinction between the, the persons, mm-hmm. the hypostases. Yeah, okay. you would say it's it's more it's more along, I guess, a uh, sort of conceptual distinction between the essence and the. Yes, yes, yes. It'd be a conceptual <laughs> distinction. All right, where's the J quote? The J quote. Yeah, the okay. John said, "Yeah, be right back." So he, he dipped again. Thank you, the J quote. No, he didn't dip. He's still here. He said, "Be right back" in the private chat. Oh. Hmm. How is that possible, though? I mean, it's possible. Like, why would it? The issue is that okay, I'll get Total into very briefly why why they don't say it's a real distinction and why it would be wrong to say that, and not just from the regards of just from like purely scripture. It would be that if you have two things, where one where where you're positing two really distinct things, that you have an issue with uh with somehow um justifying in this in that context where one where one of those two things wouldn't be contingent because of the relation to one another so you'd have a hard time justifying that either the essence or the hypostasis would have to be contingent which they don't want to they don't want to allow that to be the conclusion because of obvious reasons that would be my response I'll, that I'll, it, I'll push if you follow a uh, little bit if you don't mind yeah because yeah I, I think it's in question 23 of the summa Thomas says relations are identical to the essence of God. If that he is says in thirty nine, yes. question thirty nine, Article one. In thirty nine, not twenty three. If that is if relations, twenty three is on predestination. How distinguish hypostases? Then how can you distinguish the persons if relations are identical to the essence? Yeah, well, he, be, no, 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 no. Well, because the subsisting about. the subsisting relations are the hypostases. Thomas identifies the hypostases as subsisting relations oh. within the essence. So that that's why. So the same argument for having the persons, uh, they're not the persons aren't identical with the essence. That'd be a wrong way to put it. But to say that the persons, the essence, have no real distinction. Those are two different claims. Can you can you bring up question thirty nine and go to his respondio? Respondio. But first, let's read the J Dyer quote, and then I'll get okay, to the yeah, respondio. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because that, that, that's literally that's literally what question thirty nine, article one, is about. Is how can we say that the hypostasis are distinct from each other but not distinct from the essence? Oh, great. <laughs> okay, wait. Hide current comment. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Come on. Okay. Come on, okay. Let's see how I go. Doing it on the fly with the quote. This is I haven't done this before. So let's here we go. 
How are they Ase if they are of the Father? They derive their hypostasis and the divine nature that comes with that hypostatic reality from the hypostasis of the Father. The Father is the one God, not the essence, typically. Causation in the movement in the Godhead is always personal, not essential. It begins with the person of the Father who generates the Son, and in that generation communicates to the Son the same essence he has, same with spirit. That's the monarchia. Autotheos, as the PDF shows, is the Father's unique role. It's the same as being sole cause. It's the same as being self-existent. Son and Spirit are not self-existent. They. Yeah, yeah. That could be read in a charitable light, but... uh, I, I don't think yeah. he means it in a charitable light here. I'm going to be blunt with you, Christian. I, I mean, I'm going to read it in a charitable and light. And you would understand what I meant by ending my, my statement with they if you had the phronema and the noose of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you had, if your noose wasn't uh, the noose of an impure swine, you would understand. Yes, quite a clear. Latin swine. Okay, so you what want. Okay, so in a few minutes, I'm going to have to dip for like 30 minutes and then I'll okay. be back. Can you pull up 39 Article 1 just to respond to this real fast? I think he talks about yeah, it. Yeah, I'll pull it up. Yeah, I mispronounce. I don't speak Latin, so I don't speak. I mean, I'm going to mispronounce every Latin word ever. You should have heard me try to pronounce the, what was it? I said how I mispronounced humana vitae. I said, I said like humana, humana vitae or something. I don't know. I don't read humana Latin, vitae? Bro. Yeah, I don't read Latin, bro. I don't know how to pray it. say it. Humana vitae, whatever. Stupid. Okay. It's a dead language, bro. Humana vitae. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say Akbar <laughs> and Asalami Ali Ali come as well to you, fellow sand monkey. Uh, so to be a real <laughs> Arab, be a real Arab. When you're speaking English, uh, you, have monkey. Say, <laughs> you have to say you have to say you have to say Yaani. You have to say Yaani between every statement you say. Your ancestors were criminals sentenced to an island. I'll have none of this shit from you. <laughs> or, I'm Your ancestors are Canadian. You know that? No, they're not. They're Lebanese. I am. I'm Hop Sand Monkey. Wait, Christian, your ancestors are Canadians? No, no, no. I'll say it to John Fisher because John oh. Fisher's Canadian. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. That's Sorry. it. I'd rather okay. be a I'd rather be a tough prisoner than a Canadian. Yeah, and then yeah. Okay. Every every good person from Canada other than Quebec uh, left before World War One. Because okay, basically the objections God, are just that what he said. What uh, whether what whether in God the essence is the same as the person. Actually, do you since I have to go? Do you want somebody else want to share their screen can, so they can scroll? I can read it if you want me to. Wait, did you no, but share I, the dire quote already? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You won't be able to scroll without me. Oh, Unless okay. you share your screen or somebody else shares their screen. Yeah, I'll share my screen. Okay, and I'll add Wait, it on. Okay, somebody else is here. Hey, what's up? What's so, up? Jonathan. Hello. Oh wait! I, holy smokes! Right. I didn't know you were you were Canadian too. Man, a lot of Canadian Catholics online. All right, we're here. Is this the my, same? Uh, my ancestors were Canadian. <laughs> yeah, there's more than just Canadian Catholic. And then I always, I always change mine to the English. You mean Canadian catechumen? This might annoy, <laughs> this might annoy, uh, annoy Christians. I always change this to the English on the left and the Latin on the right. Okay, have fun, guys. <laughs>
So I'll just read his response because his respondeo is basically just a response to exactly what Elijah just said. So he says, "The truth of this question, i.e., how are the how is the God the essence the same as the person, and how uh, you deal with that despite the person's being uh, really distinct?" Is he, he says, "The truth of this question is quite clear if we consider that divine simplicity. For it was shown above that the divine simplicity requires that God in essence is the is the same as suppositum, which in intellectual substances is nothing else than person." But a difficulty seems to arise from the fact that while the divine persons are multiplied, the essence nevertheless retains its unity. And because, as Boethius says, relation multiplies the trinity of persons, some have thought that in God, essence and person differ, for as much as they held the relations to be adjacent, considering only in the relations the, uh, the idea of reference to another, and not the relations as realities. But it was, as shown above, in creatures... Relations are accidental, whereas in God, they are the divine essence itself. Thence it follows that in God's essence is not really distinct from person, and yet the persons are really distinguished from each other. For, uh, for person, as above stated, signifies relation as subsisting in the divine nature. But relation as referred to the essence does not differ therefrom really, but only in, uh, only in our way of thinking. While it's referred to in an opposite relation, it has a distinction by virtue of opposition. Thus, there are one essence and three persons. That's his argument. Also, okay. can I? I don't know if this was already pointed out, but um, Jay Dyer saying, uh, saying that his view is just the monarchia, that's from the Eastern Father. Like that's completely wrong. Yeah. The, also, he didn't. Also, that was just a more recent way of stating his own position. Um, originally, he was just. There have been times when he said that there could be a contradiction in the Godhead. At another point, he just retreated to a Mysterianism. And then when somebody pointed out the work of Dr. Bo Branson, he just latched onto that. Yeah, exactly. This is not. And me, this, and, this is, me, me and John discussed our issues with Branson's view quite extensively. Mm. Uh, and DMs, I, I argue Ban Branson's view seems to contradict Nicaea because you can't. And the Nicaea quite clearly posits that the Son is true God through his relation to the, to the Father, but it's still true God. That means it's still correct to call him true God. But Branson true seems God. to only like get around that by saying, "Well, yeah, but and not he's not like it's it's only because of this communication." But the issue is that the that's I don't think that's what Nicaea is saying really. I think it comes from a kind of a weird where you have to kind of really do some weird mental gymnastics with the Athanasian creed and with Nicaea. It's not literal. It's just Byzantine flattery. On top of that, if you, um, if you look at the work historically where the nice, the uh, Cappadocian fathers actually borrowed uh, the word, um, borrowed the word for person. Um, they borrowed it from the Monarchians, who were Sabellian heretics, but they were just like, these are relations in God, not relations God bears to creation. Yeah, they're, uh, not, really, um, they're oh, not like oh. uh, extrinsic relations, right? Yeah. So they're relations in... Oh, Sorry, let's yeah. go ahead. So is that what you would make of when like, some of the Cappadocian fathers say like, person and nature are distinct or... Uh, nature and mm. energy are distinct <laughs> in that specific terminology. Wait, well, they Alex, just mean a conceptual distinction. Chat. No one would do yep. the meaning of like a conceptual distinction. Yeah, so 
Yeah, that's exactly as Alex said. Uh, exactly what sort of distinction they would have held on to is something that's elaborated uh, later on. But I, you could read it as something like a formal distinction, or you could read it as something like real distinction, or more of a conceptual distinction. But we all, all agree there is some sort of distinction. Um, the whole purpose of of the church and the magisterium is not just that a council settles it settles it once and for all, but during the life and practice of the church, these doctrines become more elaborated and clear uh, as it as uh, it progresses. If you read uh, the the Council of the Fourth Lateran, they'll say that they are the persons are identical in nature. They'll even use that that much stronger language. So it it's not something that uh, these councils just close off once and for all. But even Trinitarian well, theology can become also- clearer. This is one thing, one issue I have with Eastern Orthodoxy is one of the issues I had when I, when I left Eastern Orthodoxy is that they, they propose a consensus of the fathers, but they propose it in a very, very arbitrary and they don't, they don't really define what that means. So we could even, we could even conclude that, because for example, uh, I, I forget his name, uh, but he was on, I know he's on Reason and Theology, but he's talking Try about- Trulia? No, no, not him. The Cappadocians, he, where he's saying, well, yeah, we do find an essence energy distinction in the Cappadocians. Marcus Plested? Uh, maybe, but not uh, not um, but not Gregory the Theologian. But we do find it in Basil and and Gregory of Nyssa, and you could also you could also be completely correct in the saying that it's wrong, because two fathers don't form a consensus of the fathers and a continual teaching. I well, let's see. Jay will argue. He'll just appeal. He'll say yeah. Basil two thirty four. Therefore, essence exactly. Energy but, is true. but you but then why can't I, I point to Augustine and say, look, Augustine believes in predestination. because uh, he was believes, a you know scholastic what I mean? heretic. Yeah, and Augustine's from a century later, so it's clearly yeah. An yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't get why. Or, or why can I? I mean, like even Justin Martyr gets things wrong, and he's er, he's yeah. as early as he possibly could get. He I've, is very early. I've right? seen so like copies of Hierapolis. I've seen yeah. diorites say that two modern day saints agreeing on something means it's infallible. <laughs> Although when you bring up the Council of Jerusalem, uh, for the sorry, the Synod of Jerusalem, they'll say, "Oh, that's fallible." Yeah. Oh, I love that synod. Which is weird because that's like their version of trend. Eh, yeah. Not not exactly, it. but pretty approximately. Yeah, I just don't think Jesus. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna form a, you have to. This is one of the issues. I was talking to this with Christian at the start of the stream. Whereas why I'm I'm a little bit more uh, sympathetic if I if I were to take the Christian worldview to the worldview of Newman, where because it's simply true that the early church fathers a sometimes get things wrong accidentally and b don't don't go into as much detail due to the the context. An example I gave is that in origin. Origin in Greek doesn't distinguish between hypostasis and, and essence. There's no in, in, in Greek. There's no distinction between the two at that time. Yeah, he's not distinguishing between the two. And if that I'm not mistaken, Origin who first challenges the use of homoousios is does isn't that him? Who? Uh, Origin. I believe he has. He challenges the. He um, doesn't use homoousios. He yeah no he doesn't he does because he does because he doesn't he, like he he literally makes no linguistic distinction between the terms hypostasis and usia he sees them as as synonyms yeah and that's actually one of the things that you have to watch out for with analytic uh, theologians and philosophers of religion yeah. uh, they usually kind of miss out on this uh, historical and linguistic context even when I was trying to formulate a you know a kind of solution to the logical problem of the Trinity. 
I was not really taking into account what the fathers might have meant by these words. And I accidentally formulated uh, what they would call something like a three selfie, where there's like, you know, uh, three loosely speaking centers of consciousness. Now, like actually reading the Catholic encyclopedia and reading uh, more, reading more of the medieval stuff. No, actually, they had an idea that God was, um, you know, in the modern sense of the word, one person. But he's also a person who relates um, in three ancient senses of the word person. Yeah, exactly. It's that that the term person, me and uh, Christian, I'll talk about this. We're like a lot of a lot of Christians, let alone Muslims, but a lot of Christians presuppose like a like a, a Cartesian understanding of what the word person means. They don't understand person in the in the historical context. So that that word changes its meaning quite extensively over the past two thousand years, as most words have. Um, and right. people, just, uh, the issue is that how do you translate those words into English without the saying person, but like you know denoting that they don't mean the Cartesian sense of person, where you say it's a center of consciousness, right? Um, that can be kind of difficult. <laughs> exactly. Social yeah. Trinitarianism has a hard time grounding the like what it means to be one God. It just seems exactly, like you have yeah. three. And that's what you James mean White is into. <laughs> yeah, I mean polytheism. <laughs> like, and, and it gets bad, man. Like Swinburne, uh, I haven't read a lot of his work, but I, in the existence of God towards the end, he has an appendix on the Trinity, and he talks about the Father and Son as two divine beings. Like that's actually the word he uses. Wow, it's like oh. it's yeah, it's crazy. That's a bit, uh, <clears throat> yeah, he's Orthodox so, by the so way. The re- yeah. yeah, so the reason why Swinburne uses the term uh, necessary, he, why he identifies as a Trinitarian, but will use the word beings, is because they're beings who have a necessary coexistence with one another. And um, it's kind of like how a triangle, like in order for the shape to exist, all three points have to be coexistent together, something like that. And yeah, that's basically just modal polytheism it's just saying there are three gods but they're necessarily existing together three gods but well you know if you say if you say for i mean that's the same view of uh as you run into the same issues as someone like uh like who posits harsh i mean you could say i I honestly think you could say like the logic of the lpt like that sort of critique of transitivity and 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 statements of, of identity works far better with with someone who would posit and it would collapse for the same reason that uh, in the same situation that Swinburne does, where someone who posits like a real distinction between essence and energies, you can make a much better argument there, where you say, yeah, you know, the energies are fully God and the essence is fully God, yet they're distinct in a sense. That is a lot harder to resolve, in my opinion, than uh, applying that logic to the Trinity. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that line of argumentation where you have, you know, multiple co-eternal existing things that, although they wouldn't call the energies beings, they are in a sense uh, in this, a similar kind of concept here. Where you could say you have you run into the same issue of having multiple coexistent co-eternal just really distinct concepts, which is exactly what Thomism is trying to avoid concluding to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think I think you'd have an issue with, I, I, and I think that's why why it's quite clear that Palamas doesn't formulate his essence energy distinction in the same way Neo Palamites do, because he's quite clearly is aware of the issue of saying of proposing numerically really distinct yet fully god energies right uh which is why he says they're numerically right. one for example right which is which is what like for example justin popovich does not believe they're numerically one thomas hopko does not believe they're numerically one he posits a distinction between god's love and his wrath in his book uh the orthodox faith 
but this, but deciding but still by by doing that he also still says it's a fully god in the sense that you know uh the classic case of in one of the johannine epistles where it says god is love right uh mm-hmm. but he's still positing a real distinction between love and, and the and the essence in that sense and also between love and wrath which is not what Palamas clearly believes mm-hmm. yeah i mean for Palamas, god is also his action so there so yeah i'm not sure like i if I had to, I'm not an expert on this, but if I had to guess, I think it's just something that emerges from Lossky and some other like anti-Roman uh, Roman thinkers later on. Well, you um, could even argue like there's a there's a there's a school of um, in the late 19th century that starts to. I mean, it basically comes from the Athenites. I'm going to be blunt. It's basically the Athenites. The Athenites uh, take on this extraordinarily anti-Roman. Uh, in every sense, I mean, they 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 there used to be uh, like um, Roman Catholic, although I think it might have been Eastern Rite, but Roman Catholic monasteries on Mount Athos. But the Athenites hated the Roman Catholics so much they basically drove them off the island. They they so, weren't I mean, Eastern Rite; they were Benedictine. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, Benedictine. I think the last one closed in like the twelve hundreds. I thought the, the yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, but I'm saying that that that. I, I I have no problem admitting that it goes back farther, but it comes out of the Athenite theology and and uh, Athenite's uh, worldview being applied in a more general theological sense, um, uh, and that that that's very clear with people like um, the late you know throughout the 17th and 18th century in places like Russia and Serbia, uh, people who are uh, working on the Philokalia and things along those lines. I'd argue is where that comes from. And then it is popularized though by Lossky and um and the and the Paris School of Theologians, more so than it is mm-hmm. by those authors. And the Paris School has kind of unofficially been condemned too, but you don't need you don't need to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're what? kind of unofficially condemned by by like the Greeks in some senses. Right. John Fisher. Which one? You, I'm the other John okay. Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what up? Yeah, why did Paul have to say, if, if you're so good, why isn't there a John Fisher 3? He wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> wait, are you I'm feeling combative? Uh, what? No, I don't feel competitive. Uh, competitive. Don't be ridiculous. Because well, uh, if you want I can probably get the uh, the guy from a while ago that called you and Christian a modernist for holding to the development of doctrine. Wait, who said that? Uh, his name is Nicholas. Oh, I think I know him on Twitter. Yeah, eh, I I don't really take him seriously. Is he a set of a contest or like an orthodox? No, no. He's uh he was raised set of a contest actually. Have you um interesting? Have you seen Drake I, Shelton on Catholic. Twitter? Uh, John Fisher, are you, are you aware of Drake Shelton? You mean the guy who is simultaneously an Augustinian Calvinist while being an Arian and a flat yes. earther and he a physical best force? Oh my he that is, is wild. The best Twitter account on Christian Twitter. I love his account so much. He went on and he was I, like, I, he was like, actually, he he there's a video of him and he's like driving and he's drinking out of a gallon of water it's really funny and he's like and he's like actually every all of you people on twitter all of you people on christian twitter need to thank me because i am the single most important person for modern christian metaphysics and it's the funniest thing he's the funniest guy i love him so much 
He makes my oh, he makes my feed really shine. Guys, I, what what do I, you think I, of? Oh wait, sorry. Yeah, I have mixed opinions about him. I'll just say that much. Uh, anyway, well, I mean, your question. Obviously wrong, but I mean, he's just funny. <laughs> he is entertaining. What do you yeah, guys yeah. think of uh, Chris Chan and his letters from jail, uh, oh, claiming God, a hypostasis with uh, with Jesus? Chris Chan said that. Oh, yeah. Yes, Chris Chan in his letters from prison. Or Wait, from say jail. that again. He claimed yeah. to be one. He claims to be the same person as our Lord. Um, I, I well, if what if what you say is true, anathema sets. Like, I think that's all you could say to someone like that. Yeah. Although he's he's already outside of the church, but yeah, I think uh, I think that deserves to be condemned. If if it's sounds like what it sounds like and he said it exactly as you as you're reporting it being said oh no it's it's a lot crazier than i just let on oh okay <laughs> it, wait. Uh, i don't know how much you know about christian i mean i remember a while ago he was one of those guys who made a big deal about the real presence and oh no, you're, no, 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 this Chris Chan guy is someone different. <laughs> Chris Chan's a legend, bro. You don't know about Chris Chan? No, <laughs> different. He, was, he, he was made national Chris news Chan. a few months ago. The don't, same ask different. What, don't ask what it was for. Don't ask what it was for. Yeah, you're gonna have to look it up. Oh my, don't look it up. Oh, look it up. Okay, I'm. I am not gonna look that up. <laughs> yeah, well, it's. It? Uh, I'm not gonna do it. No, I'm not taking the bait. No, I was being serious. You don't want to look it up. Yeah, I'm so not long, going to look, look it up. Talk about that. <laughs> oh no! All no, right. Don't look up. What do you want to do? I'm know. not gonna look. I'm not gonna look any of that up. I. I am perfect right now. I am perfectly good. But uh, since the other Paul is here and I'm here, maybe we could talk about our upcoming debate. Oh yeah, that's right. No, no, we need yeah. to talk about uh, Chris Chan. No, we don't. No what are you guys debating? <laughs> or is that yeah. uh, we're deba- So the, the, the question, question is very well formulated. Thank you. the The exact question is. Are Marian devotions, as practiced by Roman Catholics, with the approval of the hierarchy, um, a violation of the first commandment? That is, are they um, are they instances of of idolatry? Okay, so like things like the rosary and other approved Marian devotions would fall under that. Those would fall under it, yeah. But uh, you can also find a lot of the. But you could look at the uh, Marian devotions found within. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, uh, Ligori has quite a few of them. Um, I'm trying to remember his. Demont- Demontfort. Yeah. Demontfort yeah. Demontfort as well. Yeah, those are pretty much like the most um, shocking to a lot of Protestant ears. So I'm going to have to read up quite a bit of uh, uh, quite a bit of him before stepping onto the stage. Um, so there's that. Also, we're probably going to have to look at instances of veneration found within Scripture. Uh, compare that to uh, compare that also to the early church and what's later going on. 
And uh, yeah, we'll probably just take it from there. Um, basically, uh, I think the other, so actually that's another thing I wanted to mention. Um, do you want to take the, um, the affirmative? Because chances are, if somebody's accused of something like a violation of one of the God's commandments, I think it should be innocent until proven guilty. So do you want to just act like as of the prosecution, say, this is the law, this is what they violated, and I just mm. act defensively? Or or should I just act, or, mm. or, or something else? So was the original question. question formulated as a negative, that they're not a violation of the First Commandment? Or was it formulated as a positive, that they are yeah, a that's violation? A I don't because, remember what I did. Because if it was yeah. formulated as a positive that they are a violation, then I would be the affirmative. But if I remember correctly, I think it might actually have been formulated as a negative. But in which case, I actually do kind of like that idea. I, I am all for the concept of innocent until proven guilty. Uh, like that's that's my that's my historical method. Something I spend so much time mm. on that. Historical authors, different context, but when historical authors mm. are making claims, we ought to believe them unless we have good reason otherwise. Um, that's the presumption. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually keen with that. If it's not already formulated for me to be the affirmative, I'm I'm happy to do that. All right, I cool. Think, You're I the affirmative. It, it's I totally John, it's totally not just so that you can get in the last word. <laughs> I remember John tweeting that he thought that he should. I think I remember John saying like blah blah blah, and I'll be on the affirmative. So it might be other. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why I kind of wanted to bring that aspect up. I was, so I usually like taking the affirmative myself, but considering that there are so many angles in which to someone could attack this, I'm not exactly sure how I can prove that it couldn't be in any possible sense idolatry. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also wanted to ask: um, Are you guys going to be taking like uh, is it like a historical argument? Or are you going to be taking more of like the philosophical the, argument of the the, the, it's the, uh, the other? It's going to have to involve both. The other Paul yeah, is yeah. the one making the case. So if if that is the case, if he if and he and you Paul, you seem like you want to take the affirmative on this one. Uh, yeah. If he is taking the affirmative, then it's his responsibility to give a methodology, and well, um, that a reasonable person can come yeah, to the idea that these people are guilty of adultery. Well. Something I want to make clear though as well is that with the debate. Um, with how I understand it, it isn't yeah. just a one-way responsibility. Both people oh, have to make course, their yeah. case. I agree that as a accusation, quote unquote, I do have a special mm. kind of burden to demonstrate. But ultimately, it's not. A, it's um, how would I say it? The negative does likewise have to give an account. Well, okay, how? Because we're both offering, in a sense, positive cases. I'm offering positively. Frick my mm. game. Sorry. Um, I'm <laughs> offering positively. That um, that this is a violation of the first uh, first commandment. You're offering positively that it is not. I have to demonstrate why. Why does the why does the data say that it is? Likewise, you have mm -hmm. to say why does the data say it does not. In which case, for you, I presume that would include um, the framework of difference between worship and veneration, examples of such in scripture, mm -hmm. so, so on and so forth. So, right, yeah, because I don't like I don't like the games many people like to pull uh, other apologists across the like when they say, oh, like, you have burn the proof. And, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, athe atheists are the worst example oh, of this. Bro, don't get me started. I just lack belief in this bullshit. The reason why I ask is because I know that I know that Paul, I know that regarding uh, Marian devotions, there's not exactly a, a whole lot about it in the early church. Like They're not writing about it extensively. But I also know that Paul is, one thing Paul hates is arguments from silence. So I don't think he would use that as an argument, of course. 
Um, that's why I asked because it well, might be easier uh, for both. To, to make it clear, I hate, I hate invalid. Yeah, yeah, of course. Invalid. Yeah. Argument. There are, there are valid arguments from science. Although I don't make, argue in that case, it's probably. Powerful, but I'm to give a to give a little sneak peek. Yeah. I may or may not. I, I likely won't be appealing to that because we're kind. We're pretty focused on 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 Israel's scriptures on the on the first. Yeah, commandment, that's what I was which saying. I believe can be which more or less lies a lot outside the purview of the early when church, comes, in my estimation. But if John wants to, to go there too, I'm happy. Yeah, when it comes to right, so, um, I would say that it's more important to say, okay, let's presuppose that Roman Catholics do this practice now, regardless of their historical authenticity. Yes, and that's are right. those practices now, would those current modern practices be considered idolatry? Then, then try to take an argument. That's right, from, yeah. It's oh, not a question the of whether this is in the Justin Martyr or something like that would be quite ridiculous. Yeah, okay. the the closest the closest yeah, I, I would go with a historical argument because it's not really in the purview of this. It's um, the closest I would go would be saying uh, if I even go this route, I'm still not sure if I will. Is whether the the theology of the earliest fathers is compatible with uh, with Marian uh, with the Marian uh, devotions as officially approved today. Um, whether they're compatible. That's that's the closest I'd go, and I'm still unsure if I'll go that because I want to yeah, get exactly. as much emphasis as possible. I know some Protestants, I'm sure, I'm sure other Paul would, would, would agree that this is a terrible argument, would just say, well, you don't find the Marian devotions in the early church. Well, they don't have any liturgical text from the early church, really. They're not, I mean, well, they have is, some, yeah. but they're not well, they're, near as extensive as they are, you know, 400, 500, 600, hmm. you know. They, 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 the liturgical text exists, but they're not nearly as as promulgated as as common right. as they become right there are yeah, things i would that, say that, with the, there are things with what i would say mm. with early patristic statements that corner that make it unlikely um but yeah i wouldn't say oh look we don't have those liturgical texts therefore debunked yeah no that that is true and another thing to keep in mind is and is a lot of times uh, catholics and orthodox will go into these debates and they'll have some r- uh, interpretations of scripture uh, ready as they would understand it, but they don't really take into account their Protestant audience. So, for example, Craig, um, I, this was kind of a weakness in his case where he just assumed, well, he just went with and didn't really give a strong enough defense for um, a typological reading of uh, Mary, like, for example, as the Ark of the Covenant. I think that's probably going to have to be argued for a lot stronger. Yes. And yeah, but I think if you so I don't know maybe I'm giving away a little bit of my hand too much, but um, I'm kind Please of curious do, as to your initial. <laughs> All right, you, you know what? Actually, this is. I might give away something. I might throw a bone. All right, so so remember in uh, the. All right, so remember in um, the story. Remember in the book of Joshua where um, he bows down in front of the Ark of the Covenants. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And this is a and this is the ark that housed God, and in the ark is in fact images. You'll see images of uh, cherubs on both sides. Now, from what I understand, the typical uh, reformed response is they're not you know bowing down to you know the presence of of the ark. They're bowing down to God, whose powers and effects are contained therein. But if that's the case, then assuming Mary is the ark of the covenants. Or at least the new ark of the, um, or the uh, new ark of the new covenant, then it seems like even bowing down, doing thing, doing actions like bowing down because she manifests in herself the very effects of God in presence. It seems like 
there is at the very least a legitimate uh, basis in script, uh, a, a sufficient material basis in scripture. So now the difficulty is Protestants are very hesitant to accept allegorical re- typological readings like that because not only are uh, the, not only are they not in uh, in the New Testament because even Paul is willing to say that you know Jesus is the new Adam there's typology there um, but they're kind of very conservative about that and they want the more ex- they want the more al- allegorical stuff uh, to be read in by the more explicit stuff first so first you establish the doctrine and then you read the allegory as opposed to reading the allegory yes. first and then that's establishing that's, the doctrine yeah that's precisely that was, what i'd say because if you start if you start your argument or if you base your argument upon typology you can prove anything and the classic example i always go back to is that since jesus was a type of the um was the a type of david and, and the archetype of the kings of israel that therefore this proves that jesus has a harem of virgins and concubines in heaven which you can see the problems with that uh, if you if 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 someone merely appeals to raw typology appeals to typology to establish a fact rather than deriving typologies from facts if that makes sense that's the that's what i'd raise yeah so then it becomes incumbent on me to actually find some uh, scriptural support for this now yeah. you could draw things like the parallels between the linguistic parallels in the septuagint to uh, the first Which, chapter this is a very of Luke. different issue by the way this is more second commandment yeah. issues than first <laughs> this is a i know i know this is more second commandment issue oh that's true so you could actually grant for the sake of I argument could, that the use of that image- is- I could be a, I could yeah. be the iconodulist of the gods, and like, yeah, I have a fat statue of the icon of my Jesus on my wall. Yeah. I bow to it, I kiss to it, I right. hug it, and all that. But then still say I can only do that for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's true. So uh, that's true. Now, uh, at I that point, you have to argue so I can let you make that error in the debate. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right. Yeah, but the whole point of the parallel between the Ark and Mary is because, so it's like uh, the Reformed notion of the real presence. You could say that Christ is really presence in the sa- in the sacrament because of a virtual presence in which he manifests his effects. So if that can be, so if the Reformer wants to say that Christ is really present there in this virtual sense, then when, you know, a Christian, you know, um, bows down to a statue of mary or when he um or when he asks for intercession really christ is also virtually present there as well and maybe on that reading we can say that the while the um while the catholic is asking for the intercession of mary or when he is uh, depicting mary there is virtually a depiction of christ there and christ's power is virtually presupposed in that as well um, I don't know, like that's sort of like a rough sketch of of the argument I'm I might want to go with. Yeah. Do I want to respond to that now, or do I want to? I'll, I'll give nah, like. Nah, nah, don't do it, Paul. Don't do it. Nah. <laughs> yeah, all right. You... I'll take that. I'll take that as is. Um, I guess to give like a tiny <laughs> lick of it because, of course, we could have we, this could spiral right. into, into the debate before the debate, but. You could, uh, you know, you could just give me your thoughts on maybe your fir- biggest issue with that sort of line of reasoning, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we could, and I could just settle it there. Yeah, my issue would be would be with its ad hocness and how it imports mm. 
categories and distinctions that God himself doesn't allow for. Um, and because of that, it, it ends up by implication making a number of issues, like, for example, um, with why idolatrous practice in Israel um, was even wrong in the first place. I believe it could have implications for, well, hang on, why mm. why can't I bow towards a statue of Baal and call him king of the sky and pray to him, ask for his intercession, all that stuff. So that's that's a, that's a, a summary of my response with that. Yeah. No, okay. No, that's fair enough. Uh, all right. Um, you know, those are actually very valid uh, critiques and I'll take them in consideration when formulating my argument. Um, I'll see if it's, it's worth exploring. Thanks. What's uh, uh, I wanted to ask you. I know that you know I've I've seen your room. I've seen your set, John. Yeah. Uh, what is your uh, what's your what's your like um, what what's special about Mister uh, John John Henry Newman to you specifically? He's a, you know, besides this, he's a saint. Like, is there anything in particular about John Henry Newman that you find uh, uh, is particularly important to you? His epistemology is spot on. I really like his idea of the Iliad of Sense. And you kind of see a lot of uh, what Plantinga was doing before Plantinga. Oh, don't get me to Plantinga. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Plantinga at all, man. Oh, Plantinga the reformed makes... epistemology stuff is brilliant, actually. It's, it's, yeah. like, a, it's like a less his, retarded version of presuppositionalism. His arguments against divine simplicity are some of the worst arguments. No, uh, he, he, he's a, no, he is a bad metaphysician, but he's... Yeah, yeah. He's a bad man. He's a bad metaphysician. He's he's already presupposing these analytical uh, notions of what a property is, as opposed to the Aristotelian understanding that uh, someone like Thomas would have. And yeah, yeah. I grant it. He's not really good at historical theology and and yeah. metaphysics, but he is a good epistemologist. Okay, okay, I'll get you that much. Uh, is there any other parts of the uh, any other people in the Oxford movement who are canonized, or is it just Newman? Uh, from what I'm aware, just Newman. But if I could uh, submit someone for canonization, it would be Monsignor Ronald Knox. If you, yeah. he's actually my favorite member of the Oxford movement because I really love his translation of the Bible, the Knox Bible. Oh, I actually I bought. I actually, I bought myself a first edition. Think of it like this. Mm. Think of it as if the Message and the Douay Reims had a baby. Oh, it had. No. <laughs> the Douay Reims. Cool. So, so yeah, it's not one of these translations you would get if you want something that uh, like accurately reflects the text space, the, uh, the text, because, um, you know, uh, Ronald Knox takes a lot of liberties with it, but the reasons why he takes a lot of liberties with it is because this is a reading Bible. It's supposed to be something you could sit down, you can read, you can enjoy the prose, his writing style is phenomenal, and it was actually supposed to be read side by side with the Douay Reims, so people would have a clear understanding of it. It wasn't supposed to be, you know, something you did on it took on its own, but the language is just phenomenal. Interesting, interesting. Best oh, thing Planning Guy ever contributed is when he called himself a fine physical specimen in one of his books. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he is. <laughs> I wanted to um... actually. Did you see his? Did you see what? Oh, I was gonna say. Did you see it when he? Um, he actually appeared on his local news because yeah, his, his air broken. conditioner broke, and they had no idea who he was. And, and <laughs> Wait, who? <laughs> Alvin Plantinga. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I'm trying to because uh, uh, I was talking about this with um, 
with uh with Byzantine Scotist, where we were talking about Bonaventure, and I I DM'd John on Twitter like, hey, what do you think about this thing of Bonaventure? And he's like, I haven't read Bonaventure. You need to change that, John. You need to read Bonaventure ASAP. Oh, All right. There's a really good, uh, let me find it, like a really amazing paragraph in the work I read by him. That was like, Wait. it's like a oh. really ingenious, like, version of the argument from degrees, but like, really particularly good and like way better than the way Aquinas words it, in my opinion. Alex, there was a chat question for you a while ago. Uh oh. Here you go. In, uh, so in, in the private chat, you can, you can find it. But yeah, what's the question for me? Uh, Shia Alex, are you Protestant or Catholic? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this is the best way to say it. Are you a Catholic Muslim or are you a Protestant Muslim? We've already established, Byzantine's good has already established that I'm more of a papist than than Roman Catholics. Because we we think that Peter was uh, literally infallible in everything. So we, we have we believe he was constantly like everything he ever did was extraordinary. So we're like hyper papists, mm. you know. So there you go. That's I guess strange. I'm a Catholic Muslim by that context. Uh, <laughs> so this is a completely unrelated question, um, but oh, I have second. seen this used as like some sort of defeater, uh, yeah, like real world modern defeater, quote mm. unquote, for Islam. Mm-hmm. Um. So, what do you think of? What do you think of Dearborn's court ruling on female genital mutilation? Uh, what about it? What, what, did, what did they rule on it? Um, they ruled that uh, Muslims have a religious right to practice it. Yeah. So, uh, well, the difference is that what we understand what what is meant by female genital mutilation is different in the context of. Uh, Islamically than it is in the context of more generally. So the difference is um, in our Hadith corpus, it is described as a recommended action if you're an Arab to have the um, the hood of the of the clitoris removed, so to speak, uh, which is basically uh, it's described as female circumcision. That is distinct from the pro, like what people think of female genital mutilation, where you're actually removing part of or the entire clitoris, which we would say you shouldn't do. And also, like I said, it's only recommended. Like you don't have to do it, yeah. uh, according to most schools of theology. There is, uh, the, the weirdly enough, the Bohras, who are a group of Ismailis. They're actually uh, Ismailis, and there's two groups of them called the Nazaris and the Bohras. The Bohras believe that it is. Oh, what's up, Christian? The Bohras believe that it is uh, required. We're going over uh, female genital mutilation. Perfect oh my category. gosh! Well, yeah. uh, if you guys, you I have to. I have to go to work. No. <laughs> I can, if, if you, okay. Okay. Wow. Wait. Okay. Take us with you. Yeah. Take just, us with just, you. Stay on, just stay on call. Just stay on while you're doing work. <laughs> okay. No. No. Like I have to actually go to like work. Work. I guess I could. Log in on my phone and then like keep you guys in my pocket. Yep, do that 100%. Oh. Do that. Yep, okay. I'd love to be in your pocket, Christian. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I will be back in like five minutes. Wait, okay. But, uh, okay. Um, so, but yeah, uh, to us, I mean, like, there's nothing like, I don't know, just you're presupposing liberal values if you just say it's the same, it's, yeah. it's like the yeah, yeah, so what argument. I mean, who cares? Yeah, I mean, actually, the argument is yeah, and. Yeah, yeah, you can just right. say that and yeah. in that context. Ma- yeah, I mean, people I merely point to the fact that Dearborn uh, 
legalized it, or I guess decriminalized it yeah. as a defeater for Islam. Oh, I see. Yeah, not e- not even the fact that you guys like. Oh, that's a great argument. Have a yeah. Very. You guys have. I'm just curious because now that now that Islam's been defeated, do you guys have a Shahada in Roman Catholicism, John? Just curious. They could. Oh. They could um... <laughs> there is there is, there is, oh, there is no god but the pope. There is no god but the pope. There is one god. No, no. There is no. There is. There is no lord. There is only one Lord Jesus Christ, and the pope is his vicar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 yeah. no. There is no. There is. There is. There is one Lord, the Pope, and Mary is his messenger. But yeah, I mean, like, like, like I said, That's... like, like when it comes to defending the position, it's a, the only thing you can only say is the yeah and, and also that it's nowhere near as like as cruel. But I would argue it's not cruel at all. But it's 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 not the cruel process that you'd think of with like East like Africans who like use like razor blades and, like mutilate their children isn't it like a right isn't it like something like a pinprick or or did you say they remove the hood they they partially remove they partially remove the hood is what it is it's literally called lowering in arabic the term literally means lowering funny enough so they're they're lowering Mm. they're taking off part of the hood that's what they're doing i mean yeah um i mean the issue is that you can't very commonly it's like it's like the same uh you're using the same arguments that i mean like are christians gonna say start saying that circumcision is actually evil and awful yes (laughs) (laughs) the old testament's bad well yeah 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 i I, I mean i no. so yeah you're right i would not use that line of reasoning uh like circum like male circumcision um yeah, God approved of it. He gave it permission. And I, although I do think that Christian men should not circumcise either themselves or their sons, and that's yeah. based off the fact that the old law has been abrogated. And mm-hmm. I think Florence is right. Doing that in a post in a post messianic context is just uh, if you're um, if for yeah, no other reason is it's not just unnecessary, but uh, it's also a form of uh, Judaizing. Um, yeah. I think. Yeah, I. Uh, that's why I would be against it, that's not it. because of. Today, so that is a relevant against. argument. Yeah, yeah, but it's not in of itself evil that the action itself is some sort no. of like yeah. bad evil action, right? Like the yeah. Argument, yeah you can't argue that something God because you if you're, if you take if you, especially if you take the Thomistic view, you can't argue for a change in in moral principles. You can't say that something has radically shifted from being yeah. Hear that, Pope Francis? Morally good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's different uh, than saying that's different. No, than no, saying no. To be no, to be. Well, actually, to Pope, I actually want to defend Pope Francis on this one. He actually he said the death penalty was inadmissible. He didn't say it was in principle yeah. immoral. But, but this came from a new understanding of human dignity. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. yeah. So that no, so that is actually relevant because there was actually open discussion about whether or not somebody, by virtue of doing something heinous lost uh, their right to human dignity and thus could be subject to the death penalty. Um, yes. <laughs> so this was actually so this so so this was actually something that was an open question. St. Thomas used that as the reason why uh, for example uh, someone could lose their life. It's because once you have committed a heinous action, you have uh, committed treason against your use of reason. And thus, the state can put you down no different than like a, a wild dog who no longer is controlled, who just acts on impulse. Uh, so something akin to that, since John Paul, that's not something that can be used um, as, a, as an argument for the death penalty. 
my own SCOTUS opinion is God actually allows civic leaders to have the death penalty. And that is something of uh, a dispensation given to, uh, to the commandment, thou shalt not kill. And it's only in the biblical basis where it's allowed that a leader can prudentially decide to enact on it. Um, however, notice that would leave, uh, however, notice that would also leave a wide opening for a pope to say or condemn a practice in a specific uh, cultural context. And there have been a lot of other reasons why you would want to uh, not have the death penalty around. So, for example, uh, most of the death penalty cases come from countries like China, where uh, they actually use that to kill Christians. The people who don't use it are usually Western countries who don't do that anyway. So, so two, things, two things with that. One, does that is Francis therefore is Francis? If that's Francis' reasoning, is he essentially saying because death penalty is abused, therefore it can't even? I'm not even going to let it be used legitimately. And B. Does mm -hmm. that square, um, does that SCOTUS view of the dignity, how the dignity is deprived and therefore the civil authority does have no, 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 no. to, does that square with Francis's view? Yeah, so uh, the SCOTUS, so the SCOTUS isn't necessarily committed to saying dignity can be lost or had. If the church rules it uh, must be retained, then fine, but the dispensation works regardless uh, because the dispensation comes from God. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is, uh, Pope Francis, you're right, he's not using the scotistic line of reasoning, um, but I don't necessarily have to submit to uh, Fran Pope Francis's um, reasoning behind the oh, conclusion. No, agree, all I'm really committed to, yeah, all I'm really committed to, yeah, all I'm really committed to is the conclusion. And the only conclusion Pope Francis came to was the death penalty is in the modern context inadmissible. So uh, that's yeah. so that's my sneaky way of getting around it. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I've, so, I've, I mean, I've, I've seen that reasoning before. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of it to say the least. That the the conclusion can be held independent of the reasons. Um, um, I wanted to ask. I brought this up earlier in, in the private hmm. chat, uh, John. There's a paragraph from uh, Bonaventure. Uh, mm -hmm. He makes like an argument from degrees, but in a very good way. And I just want you to read it to to get your thoughts on it. It's a good paragraph. All right. Oh, and uh, by the way. Um, I do have to be going soon. My girlfriend is ready to uh, have a call, and I want to thank you guys for let uh, letting me join and kill time. Um, yeah. But uh, I do just want to say one more thing to the other Paul. Yeah, uh, I could see why you're uh, why you're very suspicious of that. But uh, another thing to keep in mind is. Uh, one knows, one has to factor in the level of magisterial weight, and even this is isn't. I don't think it's something which is totally in reverse, irreversible. Oh no, and, totally. no, it's, no, yeah. no, it's catechism. It's not. It's like, certainly the positive magisterial. law. It's certainly ecclesiastical yeah. positive law. It's ordinary. It's not extraordinary. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, with that, so with that in mind, uh, I don't think this is even something that can falsify Catholicism in principle, but oh, I do no, actually... Really yeah, I was just yeah. discussing what Francis had yeah. Unless you're Jay Dyer. Yeah. Jay Dyer actually used this argument and said it makes Catholicism false. So Thomas for 15 years, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But exactly. Uh, all I'm saying is I think Pope Francis's conclusion is defensible. I just don't think he defends it well. I, I think if he became a Scotist, it would be easier. Become Scotist. <laughs> yeah, become Scotus. Submit our Lord and Savior. Submit to our Lord and Savior, Duns Scotus. But yeah, <laughs> uh, 
basically what uh what Dyer teaches is that he says, well, there's uh the what's it called? The universal ordinary magisterium, which is to say like the continuality of the belief yeah. of the church over time. It, and which is which is infallible and you can't change it is mm. that the death penalty is admissible and that francis is changing it therefore contradicting uh papal infallibility or a sense of magisterial infallibility i think that would only but work if uh, that. yeah that would be that would only work um <laughs> that would only work if this was like a a thing about the death penalty in principle but it yeah was exactly if, if francis yeah. said if francis I, said the death i think penalty, it is a thing in principle but it still doesn't work anyway because it, he's not He's not saying I I I decree the fine by yeah, the yeah. authority of the apostles and of Christ and all. He's not he's not making an expert. Yeah, that's true. There yeah, are people like Phaser who argue he's it, just wrong. Yeah. Even then, even then, <laughs> okay. his argument—if right. you read his argument, regardless of regardless of how you feel if his argument's good or not—he's quite clearly not making the argument that the death penalty is morally wrong, right? At least in principle. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah. I would argue well, he's not yeah, making no. the argument. Of at least not the morality of the death penalty in of itself, right? Yeah, he no, he is, he's quite clearly making an argument that even if he's arguing that it's immoral mm. now, he's arguing it's immoral now due to the context that exists within now. Not well, if you're going to say that he's not making an argument of morality, then you have to say that the matter of human dignity and whether you can kill someone with dignity is not a moral matter yeah. because that's what he's basing it on. Well, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is he's not basing, he's not saying it's wrong because of the morality of the death penalty in of itself. But no, but that saying? that's the net. But I would I would say that that is that is the logical extent of uh, extent of his statement by the fact that he's saying it's inadmissible, quote unquote, because of issues of human dignity. That is a moral. Yeah, issue, but human not... dignity. But he's saying that in the context of the way it's applied, and he's saying that in the context of the way that it's applied in modern society, not in the context of the death penalty. The death penalty. Yeah, but the death penalty. He's, he's not. A... He's not. This, he's 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 talking about a new understanding. Let's put it in a syllogism. Okay, we understand now, which I would argue is <laughs> evolution, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. We understand human dignity is not lost. Well, okay, hang on. Death penalty was done because we originally thought human dignity is lost when someone's killed. We do not think human dignity um, is lost. Therefore, death penalty is wrong because human dignity, it, the human dignity is lost even after someone commits a murder. Is that not a moral claim? Second. I'm just going to read what he says here. Just I'm curious. Sorry, say that again. You, I couldn't hear you. I said one second. I'm, re I'm reading something okay. he says. That's all. One second. Okay. Yeah. I need to make a new shield. Oh, yeah. But um, as if that argument wasn't already dumb, you can just like tune out whenever Jay Dyer brings up the uh, the ordinary and universal majesty. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he, he he does not understand it, and he he has like here, doubled. Let and me read. Down. I'm gonna read to you from his uh, from his encyclical here. That's the paragraph I'm looking for. His encyclical, um, was it Fratelli Tutti, right? Um, where he's talking about the death penalty. He says this. He says the arguments against the death penalty are numerous and well known. The church has rightly called attention to several of these, such as the possibility of judicial error and the use made of, so, of such punishment by totalitarian and dictatorial, dictatorial regimes as a means of suppressing political dissidents or, or persecuting 
religious and cultural minorities, all victims, all victims whom the legislation of those regimes consider delinquents. All Christians and people of goodwill today are called to work not only for the abolition of the death penalty, legal or illegal in all of its forms, but also to the work of improvement of prison conditions out of respect for human dignity to persons deprived of their freedom. I would link, I would link this to life imprisonment. A life sentence is a secret death penalty. So he's quoting here, um, he's quoting something, actually. He's quoting from, uh, I believe, yeah, he's quoting from uh, a speech, I think, given by uh, by himself. So, yeah, he's quoting himself, he's quoting himself, but I, thought, I don't know if it was himself or Benedict. That's a Chad move there. But he's arguing, <laughs> but he's quite is, clearly I'm, arguing. I'm correct. What's your evidence that you're correct? Because I said so. He's quite clearly arguing in that context, I'd say, that it's wrong because of the context it exists within, within its misuse of dictatorial and totalitarian regimes. Well, if, now, if you're only you going to argue- mention if you're only going to mention that bit, then that's fair enough. Mm. But let's look at the rest of it. Does he talk about? He does talk about human dignity in Fratelli Tutti, doesn't he? He actually yeah, yeah, yeah. He mentions, he mentions it times. there, but he mentions that, that what, what is what's being, but he's what he's mentioning is that the 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 um. Uh, what's the word for it? the violation of dignity is contingent upon the um, is contingent upon the current circumstances. Where does he say that? I'm, I'm curious. And and, and this, this is quoting himself. Where's the paragraph? And and in, in, in paragraph two sixty eight. Two sixty eight. I just read that. Oh, okay, the one you read. Okay. Um. So so you're saying that issues. You're, so you're saying that he's arguing. That he also makes he also makes a similar argument. Upon... He, yeah, he makes a similar argument in paragraph two sixty six as well. Yeah. So the that. arguments against death penalty. I'm going to read it again. Uh, numerous yeah. and well known. The church rightly called attention to several of these, such as the possibility of judicial error, such punishment, total and blah, 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 blah. So uh, prudential matters. That's different. Uh, all yeah. victims whom legislation causes delinquents, all Christians and people of goodwill are today called to work not only for the abolition of the death penalty, but also to work for the improvement of prison out of respect for human dignity and persons of their fear. I would link this to life imprisonment, a thing of the of the death penalty. So where does he say that human dignity is historically contingent? No, right right there, because he's because he look what he's saying about human dignity here, right? Where he says where was it exactly in the paragraph? One second. Uh, can you all you hear said? me? Yeah, we can, yeah, hear, can you. hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. One second. Go on. Actually, while you look for that, let me go to the bathroom. I won't be a minute. No problem. We're talking about France and the death penalty again, Christian. Yeah, real quick. Okay. I think it's, I think it's ironic that uh, the Muslim is the one defending the Pope, Pope. Francis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just chilling here, ready to yeah, go I'm to just, work. Like, like I'm I think Protestants that... who think Catholics invented Islam. There's some Protestants who think that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just arguing that Francis quite clearly is making an argument based on like the the history that the death penalty exists within currently. And not within, not an argument based on the morality of the death penalty in of itself, right? Yeah, like yeah, I, I mean, I it, you could just argue he's wrong. That's I think that's yeah, you could also just say he's wrong. Yeah, I mean, like I'm just saying, you could also just say he's wrong. Like I mean, and Paul conceded that he's like you can just also say he's wrong. I'm only giving this argument because I think it's an interesting thing. To, back, big boys. Uh, you find the thing, or uh, yeah, I was just explaining it to them. So basically, what he says to read it again, he says basically the argument is definitely well known. Blah, 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 blah. But he says, uh, basically what he's talking about dignity here is he's speaking of it in the con. Yeah, it says, he says, uh, he says, uh, we are need to abolish the death penalty and all legal forms and also approve uh, prison conditions out of respect for the human dignity of persons yes. deprived of their freedom. And in context, okay. talk- but, but he's talking about in that paragraph, right? 
he's talking about specifically within totalitarian and totalitarian and dictatorial regimes as a means of suppressing political dissidents or persecuting religious and cultural minorities. I think to argue that he's making a moral claim of the death penalty in of itself, you would have to separate what he's arguing there from the rest of the context of that paragraph. No, it's not good. because no, because he's not merely appealing to dictatorial regime. That's one. That's one. Yeah, yeah. But up. I know I, I he agree brings with that. up the possibility says, of judicial error, which extends everywhere to everyone. Yeah, yeah. And, but he said, but he's, but he's saying what what he's saying here again. Read read paragraph two sixty six as well. Okay. So fear and resentment can easily lead to viewing punishment in a vindictive and even cruel way, rather than as part of a process of healing and reintegration to society. Nowadays, quote, in some political sectors and certain media, public and private violence and revenge are incited not only against those responsible for committing crimes, but also against those suspected, whether proven or not, of breaking the law. There is at times a tendency to deliberately fabricate enemies, stereotyped figures who represent all the characteristics that society perceives as interprets or interprets as threatening. The mechanisms that form these images are the same that allowed the spread of racism, racism ideas in their time. <laughs> This has made all the more dangerous being this has made all the more dangerous the growing practice in some countries of resorting to preventative custody, imprisonment without trial, and especially the death penalty. So so yeah. remember, remember what I'm asking here. We're we're arguing whether the Francis condemns the death penalty in itself as a moral issue. I'm arguing yeah. yes, because his appeal to the dignity of the human person is a is itself a moral claim. But I, I, and what I, I think what I perceive your argument to be um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm perceiving yeah. your argument to be that Francis himself claims the human dignity, the, the value of human dignity is historically contingent. So at one time, human no, dignity... No, no, no. Let me clarify. That, that's, what what, that's, saying, what it, that's what it sounded like. I'm sorry. Well, let me clarify. What he's saying is that, uh, what I believe he's saying is that the human dignity is basically particularly disrespected in the modern forms of the death penalty because of totalitarian and, author and uh, dictatorial regimes. That's and why the possibility he also... of judicial error, which yeah, is exactly. So, so, well, yeah, but he's saying it's more likely now than it was then, and also with the, especially with is the he saying that? that I don't, I don't yeah, see I anywhere he where he's saying where's he where where does he say that the possibility of the judicial well, error I mean, well, is something why, why would he why would he open up why would he open it up with a new understanding of of human dignity in his other letter or in the catechism mm. itself if he wasn't saying that in the context of of time. Well, we're not. I'm not saying he's not using contingent arguments. Well, he's using both arguments. That's the thing. It's a both and thing. It's not that his dignity argument is, is contingent upon his historical contingency argument. Let's even look at the very next paragraph, two sixty nine, where he says, "Let us keep in mind." He's using multiple arguments. Like this one area is mostly focused on historical contingency, but we have two hundred other paragraphs to look at. And if well, we look most, at paragraph, fair, most look of at, this, this is if we look at that, paragraph two sixty nine, he says, "Let us keep in mind that quote." Not even a murderer loses his personal dignity and God himself pledges to yeah. guarantee this. The firm rejection of the death penalty shows to what extent it is possible to recognize the inalienable dignity of every human being and to accept that he or she has a place in this universe. If I do not deny that dignity to the worst of criminals, I will not deny it to anyone. I will give everyone the possibility of sharing this planet with me despite our differences. Is do you, I, yeah, The only way you can get around this, in my opinion is for you to say that this dignity for all criminals is for you to say that Francis is saying that this dignity for all criminals did not always exist until recently. Well, to also say two things about this also. To, be, to clarify when it comes to like the being 200 paragraphs, the, the section on the death penalty, it starts at 263 and ends at 270. So it's only... Yeah, true that. True. Sorry, yeah, true that. Um, 
but he, uh, um, and also what I'd argue he's saying there is simply, again, it's, it's contextual upon, so let's see what, what he's saying is that, okay, the reason why the death penalty is wrong is because it violates human dignity, right? Now you read, you get that, that's his argument in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But obviously he also understands, and I would, I would say obviously because he's using arguments that are, he's not using, like, I would, I would say in the context of the entire seven paragraph section, He's not ever really using arguments where he's saying, like, the death penalty holistically, right? Uh, in fact, even in that paragraph, in the context of the paragraphs that, that come before it, it seems that he is speaking particularly within okay. the context of, of, life, of life imprisonment and, and, the, and totalitarian regimes. Paragraph 265. From the earliest centuries of the church, some were clearly opposed to capital punishment. Lactantius, for example, held that, quote, there ought to be no exception at all, that it is always unlawful to put a man to death. What do you say about that? He, he, he quotes this approvingly. Yeah. Um, what I'd say is that so, he's, again... It's, it's, well, that sounds like a moral issue to me, not really historically contingent. Yeah. Well, again, I think well, I'd argue that again with the context of the entire the entire work. I don't think it's useful to quote a single sentence, right? But the sentence, but this is that. Well, how else? What other way to interpret the sentence is there? Like, I'm, it's not because that. I'm, simply, it's not that I'm trying simply, to dismiss that he makes historically contingent arguments. Si- I know that he is he's making arguing, from He's simply arguing that it's a debated issue. That's all. I, I say he's just simply bringing up that it's not a that it's not an argument. He's not. I think he's simply the like negating the possibility of it being extraordinary. That he's not saying that it's like you know people have disagreed about this in the past, so I have room to give a ruling in one way or another. Does that make sense? So let's look at the rest then. Pope Nicholas yeah. I urged that efforts be made quote to free from the punishment of death not only each of the innocent but all the guilty as well. During the trial of the murderers of the murderers of two priests. St. Augustine asked the judge not to take the life of the assassins with this argument, quote, we do not object to your depriving these wicked men of the freedom to commit further crimes. Our desire is rather that justice be satisfied without the taking of their lives or the maiming of their bodies in any part. And at the same time, that by the coercive measures provided by the law, they be turned from their irrational fury to the calmness of men and sound mind and from their evil deeds to some useful employment. This too is uh, is considered a condemnation, but who does not see that when savage violence uh, is restrained and remedies meant to produce repentance are provided, it should be considered a benefit rather than a mere punitive measure. Do not let the atrocity of their sins feed a desire for vengeance, but desire instead to heal the wounds of those deeds which have inflicted their soul. Now, does Francis provide these as merely options or is he quoting these positively? I'd argue he's, I'd argue again, he's using them to, to say that, that, you know, that, there has been a uh, like it's been there's been a di- like a difference of view historically and contextually, and I'd also argue based on why the does first he pro- why doesn't he then well, provide and, any other views if he's simply saying these are some I, historical like he, views if he, he's not he, if he's not also intending to consider these as positive arguments? Because I feel like because I feel like he because I feel like he uh, he's he's under he's like presupposing you have an understanding that it that it was allowed by the church because I think that's not like no one's going to debate that context right. I don't think anyone's going to say that, like, you know, there's a definitive teaching against it before then. Does that make sense? Like, I think he's presupposing, because you know, that this is the people that are reading this have an understanding that the death penalty was accepted by the church. And I'd also argue where he also is a very clearly making an argument that I think makes it more contingent on time is the first paragraph where he says, there is yet another way to eliminate others. One aimed not at countries, but at individuals. It is the mm. death penalty. St. John Paul II stated clearly and firmly that the death penalty is an inadequate from a moral standpoint and no longer necessary from mm. that of penal justice. 
there can be no mm -hmm. stepping back from this position. Today, we state clearly that the death penalty is inadmissible and that the church is firmly committed to calling for its abolition worldwide. So, again, emphasis on that one, on that one point where he says, and no longer necessary. So, where's, so that, where's the quote again? Well, that's what paragraph? Paragraph, two, paragraph 263, the very first one. Yep, 263. So he's, and he's quoting, I believe he's quoting John Paul II. Yep. Okay, so yep. if he is able, if so, if he is quoting John Paul II there, and you're assuming that he's quoting him positively there in yeah, saying yeah. that I agree with this, why isn't he doing the same for the other early church? Quotes? Because because of why because should I believe his, one but not the other? Because of his commentary on the on the quotation where he says there can be no stepping back from this position. Today we state clearly that, and then quotes, mm -hmm. and the church is firmly committed to calling for uh, for its abolition worldwide. So he clearly gives uh, exegesis on the statement, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Where he's where he's clearly uh, saying I agree with this because he's saying you know uh, we cl we're calling for its abolition worldwide and also he mm -hmm. says that it is um, uh, there can be no stepping back from this position mm -hmm. etc right mm -hmm. and there so there is no so the death penalty is inadequate on a moral standpoint there can be no stepping back from his proposition is he not making a moral argument against the death penalty then well no he's made, I, I, what I mean by what, what I meant by the moral argument was that it's a, a moral argument as in the morality in of itself. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's making an argument on the morality of the death penalty in of itself. So he's not arguing that the death penalty in all contexts, in all situations is wrong, I'd say. I'd say he's mm -hmm. arguing that because of the specific context we exist within today, it shouldn't be allowed worldwide because we cannot, um, we cannot uh, certify the validity of them, especially in the context of so many totalitarian regimes. And, 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 and yet the, the only way I can see you just demonstrating that is for you to therefore say that he doesn't believe the human dignity was always at the level that it is today upon which he also justifies this command as in paragraph 269 for example no no the only way you can say that because if you're gonna if you're gonna say if you're gonna say that somehow the death penalty wasn't always wrong and yeah. yet human dignity always maintained that way how, how does that gel together the human what dignity saying, was always believe, at such believe, a level that it is wrong i don't believe he's saying human dignity has changed what i think he is mm -hmm. saying is that the way in which the death penalty is carried out and the way in which criminals are punished and the way in which that the judicial context is is worse for human dignity than it was before so not sense. the death penalty in general but specific modes of the death penalty uh, not not well more in the context of the way the death penalty is carried out within the context of that's why he gives the argument of like judicial misrulings mm -hmm. or like or um and that's what i mean like uh or like for example he gives the context of like racist uh you know the same like logic behind that and war etc so he's i think he's giving basically the idea that it's uh uh there's more unjust death uh people put to death now than there were before mm -hmm. i agree that with that yeah i agree that i just think he's saying both and and i'd argue and i'd argue that that's also arguments, more... but he's also is making an inherent uh moral argument as well which no, best yeah, explains I, I why that, I best argument... explains why he positively quotes those yeah. multiple church father statements for it because on your view, we're expected for him to be quoting all these positive arguments, but then nowhere clarify, oh, by the way, we don't actually believe this. We're just saying that it's... No, 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 no. Despite okay. him also making a dignity argument I later. Think, I think the point of, of, of paragraph uh, 265, again, is that he's arguing... Yeah. Uh, he's arguing that there's a that there's a diversity of yes. opinions, and he's presupposing. Yes, but in order to establish his own opinion, he's quoting. At these, he's doing what you he's doing what is a stock standard tactic in debates of doctrine, where you quote precedent for that doctrine history in yeah. order to demonstrate that it's not a total novelty. But that's in pursuit of your greater argument that the doctrine is true. 
that's exactly what he's doing here. That but he I'd also argue on a moral level against the death penalty. I'd why, also argue why, that why, why would he be quoting these statements? Which, if you're right, these statements must be incorrect on Francis's view that it is always unlawful to put a man to death. There ought to be no exception at all. Well, I'd argue why would he be quoting that to, if it's not his argument? To that, when it comes to that quote, where he's quoting uh, um, Lactantius, he's mm. arguing again. He's just pre- he's just proposing that there's no precedent for the for the disallowment of the death penalty in yes. a more general sense but i'd in also order argue, to demonstrate but that but i also but i'd also oh well, yeah it's for his argument he's not going to say it just for no reason he's arguing but he's not um, but i'm not what i'm saying he's that not actively no endorsing he's not actively endorsing what lactanius is saying and i'd say you could also make the same argument because there seems to be a contradiction between augustine's argument and lactantius argument well augustine seems to be arguing based on a specific context right within two priests but there's, a, there's more context to it while Lactantius is arguing more generally. So I'd argue that he just... He's well, let's just read Augustine. Let's read Augustine quickly so we, so we yeah, get the idea. Ahead. We do not object to your depriving these wicked men of the freedom to commit further crimes. Our desire is rather justice to be satisfied without taking of their lives or the maiming of bodies in any part. And at the same time, that that, that uh, by coercive measures provided by the law, they've turned from their irrational fury to the calmness of men and sound mind and from their evil deeds to some useful employment. This too is considered a condemnation, but who does not see that when savage violence is restrained and remedies meant to produce repentance are provided, it should be considered a benefit rather than mere punitive measure. Do not let the atrocity of their sins fear desire for vengeance, but desire instead to heal the wounds and the deeds of those inflicted, which those deeds have inflicted on their souls. So Lactantius is providing one argument, Augustine is providing a different argument, but they don't contradict. They complement. Well, yeah, I mean, they contradict in the sense of, they're not mutually exclusive, right? They're not yeah. mutually exclusive in the sense that, like, lact- like for example, if you took the view of Lactantius, Augustine would also be right. I agree with in that sense. Mm-hmm. What yes. I mean is that, uh, but uh, if you take Augustine's worldview, Lactantius wouldn't be correct. And uh, and that's clear no, because- it wouldn't because he's not. Augustine isn't denying that the death penalty is. Um, he isn't denying the claim that the death penalty is always wrong. He's simply just reserving himself to a prudential argument. And and in a, sense, thinking- in a lot of sense, in a lot of sense, a moral argument as well. That they ought to be, uh, that they ought to be. What's the what's the what's the term? Um, that they ought to be. Uh, what's the what's the term again? When you bring someone back into society, you bring them, you make them better again. Um, rehabilitated. They ought to be rehabilitated rather than executed. That's not saying, therefore, death penalty isn't always wrong, as per Lactantius. That, that, that there's no mutual. Well, yeah, I'm not saying I, I, he's not. What I mean is that he's not arguing in the same sense that Lactantius is. He's not giving yeah. a general argument. He's giving a specific yeah. contextual argument. Does that make sense? Yes, and this makes yeah. best sense of my view, where Pope Francis is making both a moral, a eternal, inherent moral argument, as well as a contingent argument. He gives a quote. I just don't see or why. A couple I just quotes, don't or, see... a co- or a couple quotes rather. I don't see how there's a moral wrong and there's a prudential wrong. I just don't see how that's how that makes sense with 263 and 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 the other paragraphs I cited. Unless you want to argue that Francis is only making a, a moral argument in of itself in the most vague and indirect sense you possibly could. Because why wouldn't he just say that? Why wouldn't he just say that the death penalty is wrong in of itself? That's what he. That's what he. He does. He does that in effect by de- by condemning it because of the idea of human dignity. But again, the, all the quotes about human dignity exist within the context that is given in But human dignity is, is eternal. Do you want to suggest that Francis is saying no. human dignity just magically appeared in again, the 20th century? I already, <laughs> I, already, I already said that he doesn't believe that in the context of 268. Hmm. And that's clear because he also calls out life imprisonment and imprisonment conditions. He's, he's hmm. obviously clearly critiquing the judicial system worldwide more generally hmm. than he is On in moral this, grounds. Yes, on moral grounds, but what I don't. But that's different than saying the death penalty 
morally in of itself, right? He's, he's what I'm saying there, right? He's not saying I'll let you have, a, I'll let you have the last word. Maybe we, I mean, yeah, again, yeah. then again, this is the most futile debate to have on it. Again, yeah, we're yeah. Talking about, well, we're yeah, talking about yeah, the view yeah. of a heretic. No, I'll yeah, yeah. give you the last word. Yeah, but well, yeah, all, all I wanted to say is that he's just not um uh there's a difference between saying the death penalty is wrong because the death penalty is wrong and saying the death penalty is wrong because of its specific existence within a specific historical context that it exists within now. And I argue that he's clearly making the latter of those arguments than the primary, and that's clear from what uh, his quotations of John Paul II. Anyways, someone asked me, uh, why is he wearing a mask? Uh, and then anonymity, I love saying that word, anonymity, it's a fun word to say. I am anonymous, expect us. <laughs> Militant Thomas is, is, is muted, he's just here listening to me defending- Hey, wait, slave, how's it going? <laughs> He's having, not gonna having, respond. A, having a nice wagey slavey time i'm thinking while you're going out uh, being a wage slave i might go get lunch somewhere soon how are the um how are the shackles uh christian i think are the shackles quite tight today are the shackles right. a bit more loose imagine not having a workers revolution <laughs> imagine not seizing the means of production right I know, right? Oh, uh, man. How's your job process going, Paul? Um, slow but steady. I applied to I applied to a school. Fingers crossed they uh they get me approvingly. My only my only disadvantage is that I have like this would literally be my first teaching job. I've only ever done teaching experience since, and that's it. But are, every are teacher you, uh, will start somewhere, so I don't think they'll be too bad. Yeah, I, I'm kind of hinging on like my cover letter and some particulars of my CV, where I'm like, "Oh, look, I'm, I'm doing this stuff already. Like, I have a yeah, YouTube yeah. thing where I do educational content, and I'm particularly skilled with youth, so that should hopefully sell it." What What ages do you teach, or what do you teach? I will be yeah. teaching. Well, my qualifications, and I have taught, uh, allow me to teach from grade seven to twelve. So, um, second, well, what we call secondary school, but for you would include oh, elementary and like, senior like, school. Like late, like late middle school, early high school yep. stuff. Yeah. So uh-huh. seventh, seventh grade starting at 13, yeah, 12, yeah. 13, 13 years old. 12, yep. And 12, then 12th grade. 12th yeah, grade yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah. So I can teach what, that. I have taught them. Very fun. Um, I can, I'm qualified, um, to teach, uh, history from grades seven to 12. Studies yeah. of religion, which is only a senior subject, so eleven to twelve, and uh, English uh, grade seven to ten. Fun. I only chose the English one because I had to choose another qualification. I wasn't really <laughs> intending on teaching English otherwise. So nah, otherwise, I'm just I just want to do I just want to do history, studies of religion, and particularly Christian studies, which is yeah. not like a graded subject, but that's actually the job I'm applying for as a Christian studies teacher um, to yeah. basically indoctrinate the kids, um, make them make them good little crusaders indoctrination for the win <laughs> exactly but, exactly it man but it, what uh i was gonna um i i, I, I couldn't imagine like he was a math teacher that'd be kind of funny <laughs> math teacher is gay <laughs> math is gay bro teaching algebra other math is atheism facts just trust on god bro yeah because i mean obviously this math, is true one plus math. okay kids what is one plus one and uh, I do the the, the 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 loser atheist mathematician replies it equals two because one plus one logically requires that. The Christian replies with Jesus is the answer. 
Yeah. So the, the only thing you need to know is what one times one times one is. I was say, obviously, yes. obviously, math is proves Christianity because one plus one plus one is three. So that's it. Obviously, that's no, it. but we don't believe in three gods. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. Mathematics. That's why mathematics is gay because the Trinity contradicts mathematics. Yeah, math so was invented. Math was invented by Satan in the garden. Yeah, it was invented by Satan in the garden, and then it was picked up by F- Friedrich Nietzsche, um, and spread <laughs> to the West. To and, and Bertrand a, Russell and Bertrand Russell in particular in order to spread atheism. Do a do a talk where do a talk where you where you talk about uh, Nietzsche, but you you mispronounce his name in a different way every time you say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, welcome to my TED talk on Nietzsche. So, yeah. who was Nietzsche? Yeah. <laughs> Nietzsche was a German philosopher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the 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 family name Nezhke comes. Yeah, yeah. From... <laughs> he just mispronounces his name in a different way. I would way actually love someone to do that. Yeah. Mispronounce it every time, but in a different way. You can't be consistent. Yeah, it's a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to change it every once in a while. You can't be if you're consistent about it, then they'll think you're right. But if you if you inconsistent, then they'll catch on that you're wrong, right? Then you don't have to pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah what's Milton Thomas doing is he driving or something that's nerd this absolute I think he's already ball. at work <laughs> yeah, probably by now freaking wage slave wage everyone slave. everyone everyone tag Christian in the chat and say <laughs> wage slave mass ping on his <laughs> server everyone in the chat go to Christian's server uh, join his server because the server is awesome I'll plug the server for him and then just tag them about 20 times and say wage slave. Oh, yeah. I, yes. I got the, the Patreon role, and I still have yet to send a single message in any of the Patreon channels. <laughs> I'm pretty active in his server, surprisingly. Um, and, I'm, and people oh, are man. accepting of me. If they're accepting of me, they can be accepting some, of anyone. Some of us were mocking in the casual chat. Um this argument by you guys know that uh, that like young atheist philosopher guy Benjamin oh, yeah. Watkins. Yeah, that's a good argument. And, and we were mocking yeah. his argument in the chat about how, oh look, uh, God being wholly worthy of worship implies a perfect being. A perfect being implies infinite, unsurpassable goodness, which implies unconditional love, which implies always being open to relationship, which implies there are no non-resistant non-theists. Hashtag divine hiddenness. There are non-resistant non-theists, such as former believers, lifelong seekers, converse to non-theistic religions, so on and so forth. Therefore, there is no perfect being such as God. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, we Siri, would, we what would, is we presupposing even... the definition of good? <laughs> yeah, and we'd even disagree that for God to be a perfect being, he has to be yeah. unconditional. Like, where do you get that from? Where do you go from perfect? Yeah, being exactly. To where? Why love? can't his? Why can't a perfect being establish what, what conditions for love? Like. Yeah, I mean, come on. What's the co- unless you <laughs> believe by unless you believe by maximally good, it means maximally loving, and for something to be yeah, that's it. That's loving, the problem when you put a strict identity between good and love, as if love is like the only thing that it, it takes up one hundred percent of what the pie chart. Love, what about what justice? Why can't why can't God being maximally good being ma- mean maximally what, just, which I, includes, for I, example, slaughtering the unbelievers? Why can't if I maximally love if I maximally love stabbing people? Am I maximally good? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, like, like, you know 
<laughs> like, I mean, uh, <laughs> like, someone. Oh my gosh! Whoever the scatling guy in the in the in the Discord chat is, he is he literally just said the most brilliant thing. Um, I, I I commented in response to the Watkins thing. Um, Watkins' modus operandi is presuming what goodness is and debunking God based on that, stubbornly ignoring the simple premise that God defines what is good, no matter our thoughts on it. I had the misfortune of experiencing his reing in reply to his point, and I might I might actually uh, describe what I uh, what happened there. Um, and Scowling just replied, I am often in agreement with Chesterton that most modern intellectuals in college circles are high off their own farts. Yeah, yeah. That's true, <laughs> so bloody yeah. true. So bloody so true. true. But I'll I mention was, um, my interaction time, with Watkins. Oh, you go first. One of the first times I talked to you, and one of the first jokes I made you about Jay Dyer, who's become a running gag, I guess, between us, <laughs> is that Jay Dyer is the most I have a graduate degree in philosophy person <laughs> in human history. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely that but i don't think he's like the most egregious of that now that i think but he is it. like he is but very, he does that a lot he's very much like uh yeah. you know he clearly took it up i went i went class. to a reform seminary and i read all john uh, john calvin i've read all <laughs> greg bonson i highly appreciate them but they're wrong because yeah you obviously haven't read quine bonson because you killed your uh, yeah. classical foundationalism and your noose is uh not pure bro if you just oh, had access to the he says that once more time i actually want to get a noose (laughs) (laughs) but totally if if i remember correctly he he claims to have a master's in philosophy but has never has never shown his degree i think he's claimed to have a bachelor if i'm not mistaken i I thought it's twitter bio i know that much or no, let's he didn't just complete his look up data. He didn't he say uh, math, no, math is a philosophy and lit. Oh yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh no, you're right. Master's degree, um, all but thesis, English and philosophy, 2001 to 2009. Okay, all but thesis. So yeah, he didn't finish it. Interesting. Very. That's interesting. A master's degree without a thesis. That's that's lame. Well, yeah, ironically, that's what I'm doing. My, my a teaching master's like mine doesn't have a thesis, which is which is lame because I have so much cool. But you things think for philosophy or literature, they that's, yeah, that's it. Well, for, yeah, you would, but so that that's kind no, of curious. No, I think it does actually, have a thesis. I don't know if he talked about it. Maybe no. I don't know if he talked about it about finishing early or something like quitting early. No, I don't, I don't, I don't no. If, if I remember correctly, he didn't finish it. It did have a thesis paper. Oh. But he right. didn't write it. He didn't finish it. It's really funny if that like, it's because all about, it's because all his professors lacked the noose in the front of him. So the thing he, about he Dyer and even other Paul, I think, can kind of agree to this. Like, if you ever hear Dyer argue against Roman Catholicism, for example, despite being a Roman Catholic for fifteen years, whatever he says, it's quite clearly he has like some of the worst understanding of Roman Catholic doctrine. Well, he can possibly hold it. Yes and no. Like he's like he's like he's no. downright like either he's either sometimes when it, especially when it comes to magisterium stuff he's either downright lying or he's really stupid for someone who's a Roman Catholic. Well, I was a set of a obviously as as a prop myself and like looking yeah. at both the sides and this I think he makes some very 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 good arguments. Um, he's understanding not not the perfect understanding though of course like I think that was definitely seen. Um, in some of his interactions with Lofton and Reason and Theology, for example, yeah, although yeah. I do also believe he gets some good things on them. Or his debate um, with um, his debate with uh, Eric Ibarra, he kind of clearly has some. Yeah, I still haven't finished that one. I've got to. I've definitely yeah, yeah. that. But I think he really showed like how all over the place he can be with his debate with Horn because Horn was oh, very focused yeah. on what the debate was. But then, but then, Dyer, but then Dyer's like oh, the natural theology you know, because Quine said this and this. Yeah, you know, says, you can read that's this paper here and. 
He's like, thought he was a mess focus, there. Make a focus argument. Like, it's the surprising because was that no one defined what natural theology was. Jay Dyer, Trent Horn, and I think this might have been a problem with Trent Horn was that by natural theology, he simply referred to any and all reasoning uh, using the light of nature. Whereas yeah. Jay Dyer had a very, very precise definition assumed, but he never really explicated it. Yeah, so that was, was a, that... that was a pretty fruitless debate overall, in my opinion. Yeah, and the issue is that well, two things. One, Trent Horn is not incredibly intelligent or incredibly great at debating. So it's kind of embarrassing if you're Jay Dyer to be kind of so easily, in my opinion, defeated by Trent Horn, the Council of Trent. Yeah. I, uh, Trent Horn definitely well, got some stuff in him just because Trent was clear. Yeah, like, and he Trent, was just clear about his arguments. I don't, I don't think him. there was really a winner with that debate, but I agree. Like Trent, Trent just asked yeah. him, "Hey, how do you justify your presuppositions?" Yeah, uh, that that was instead a... of instead of Van Teels and Dyer was like, "Well, the uh, the paradigms and uh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> it's like, bro, like, just answer the question like a normal person." And that's uh, not at all an exaggeration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just answer like a normal person. Yeah, we yeah, can hear you. Wait, yeah, yeah, you know, he literally was like, "It's just the paradigms." Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like the entire about? five oh, minutes. Or, hang on, hang on, man, hang on. Three minutes. But he had to respond. <laughs> paradigms. <laughs> Bro, oh, I can yeah, see the paradigms. He did that when reading watch, the Church Fathers. Watch Jay Dyer and take a shot every time better. he says the word paradigm, and you might die. You oh, might die. that's a mad drinking game. We're doing that. No, we are doing that. We're going to watch a Jay Dyer debate, and we're going to take a shot every time he mentions paradigm, classical Whoa. foundationalism, and noose. Well, I can't drink. Well, Alex is Muslim because he oh, can't do that. drink. Yeah. Alex, do you drink? You take a shot of um, milk. Fanta. Yeah. <laughs> and he's tea shots or something. I don't know. And tea. he's underage. Yeah, in America. Yeah, anyway, I'm also oh, oh, under that's twenty. Right. That's right. America's cock. Ah. We Australians can drink at eighteen. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I also probably shouldn't drink it. considering my knee. For, for, oh yeah, did you did you hear about my knee? I know I told you. Yeah, I bro, what happened up. with that? So I dislocated my knee uh, yesterday, technically, and I probably did more than just dislocate it because I want we had to go to the, the the ortho the orthopedic guy this morning. And I was telling Christian about this, and they had they had to drain forty milliliters of blood from my knee. Woo! That's all. That, wow. I look, and like I said, listen, I'm no I'm no knee doctor, right? But you should not, not have forty milliliters of blood. I'm not a knee doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, that and they were like. And he was like, yeah, you probably either tore something or you broke some cartilage off in your knee. My ACL was fine, he said. Uh, so that's good, at least. But I have to go in for an MRI in a little bit to have them look at it, make sure I didn't, like, break cartilage off in my knee. Because you should not have 40 milliliters of blood in your knee, just in case you ever run into that circumstance yourself. Yeah. Um, well, hey, you, you you Alex, Alex, you're not defined. You're never given a coherent definition of what 40 milliliters of blood in your knee is. <laughs> someone else could say someone else could, could define milliliter in a different way, and there's totally there's total disjunct between your understanding. So you don't actually have a coherent understanding. Yeah, bro. You can't understand. Actually, I don't know if you guys know this, but you actually can't understand what a milliliter is unless you uh, have a pure noose. And you practice as a castle. Otherwise, you can't kind of understand what a milliliter is. <laughs> you don't understand what uh, the consensus of the fathers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you don't get it. So, um, actually, uh, it, uh, reality is completely contingent upon uh, if you understand the church fathers and the news. And because you don't, you actually don't exist. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. You only exist conceptually because my noose is that strong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna astral project with my noose and you'll cease to exist. I think therefore I am and, if and you, you know if you're not if you don't have the noose, you're not fake. <laughs> if you hear Jay Dyer talk, he's so critical of occultism, which is good, I agree with him. But hmm. he's so critical of it, despite the fact that if you listen to him talk, he sounds like an occultist. <laughs> he was heavily involved in that stuff. <laughs> he actually was at one point, yeah. Yeah, he was. I know, yeah. It's so oh, funny, man. though. I'm, I'm definitely going also, to that drinking game. We need to do that yeah. drinking he, game. That he so softly fun. denies ever being involved with it. Yeah, but he was. I mean, he, he's yeah. even admitted that he like was into like Kabbalah and stuff like that, so. Yeah. And also, and he was, yeah, he, he was a sede. He was a sede for a while. I think he used to be friends with Taylor Marshall, right? Uh, I think if I remember correctly, he emailed back and forth a tiny bit with Taylor Marshall. Yeah, yeah. But it, not friends, friends. But... Yeah, yeah. Ta- oh, yeah, speaking yeah. of Taylor Marshall, I, uh, you do have to do a, a video on Taylor Marshall's other video, uh, Kristen, <laughs> where he doubled down. He doubles down on Pope Francis being a heretic. It's so funny. Uh, I haven't even watched that one yet. I still need to watch he, the debate with Gideon. He literally starts off really? with, he starts off with, I, by the way, I have no authority to say the Pope's a heretic, but like, here's all of the reasons why he is. It's such a funny, like, why would you start it that way? Well, like, why would yeah. you- I mean, he's right. He's right. And <laughs> as a part, I sympathize because like authority, well, at least well, earthly authorities don't really have a say over the facts. That's what I'd say. So I'd say but from yeah, a Protestant perspective, Taylor Marshall sounds very Protestant. Good on him. Yeah, yeah but it's just, like, but it's just like, he's a why would you say I have, I have no authority to judge him, so I'm going to, but I'm going to judge him anyway. It's like, it's such a funny thing. To, I have, <laughs> I, welcome to the Taylor Marshall show. I have no authority to declare Francis a heretic, but I decree, <laughs> declare, and define that Francis is a heretic. Yeah. But he backs <clears throat> away, he backs, the only thing he backs down from is, and a lot of his tweets and his retweets, he sort of tries to imply that he's a formal heretic. He's a, he doesn't yeah. outright say he's a formal heretic, but he's quite, he's not stupid. You can tell he's implying it. But his video's like, oh, he's probably just a material heretic. It's different. Well, then, like, why did you retweet what John Henry Newman said when he says heretics can't be posted? Oh, yeah. If you don't mean, he's, you know, like, like he's, he's a goofball. Taylor Marshall's a cool. big old goofball. He's kind of, like, I, I guess not, um, Publicly, or maybe he has on Twitter. I don't know, but he's, he's sort of like, oh well, he's flirted with um, Benedict still being the Pope for like yeah, Benedict Contism, yeah, good old or, Patrick, Coffin. yeah, three years, which um, like he's flirted with it for a lot longer than Pat, uh, Patrick Coffin has. Yeah, and yeah. Timothy Gordon has also slightly flirted with that less than Marshall, but yeah. Coffin's um, funny because Coffin's argument is, well, if if, po- if Pope Benedict is still the Pope, then why does he use the title "Your Holiness"? It's like, oh, my, you're so right, so true. <laughs> so yeah, true. Patrick Coffin's argument, it, for me, really shows like just the just the end result of, in my opinion, the Catholic hermeneutic of making distinction after distinction after distinction after distinction. Because he makes a he claims that his his Patrick Coffin's ultimate argument is that. Um, that the that the Pope is still well Benedict's still the Pope because Benedict's in a past encyclical or a writing or something like that um stated that there is a distinction between the papal 
being, the ontology of being the Pope itself. Yeah, he and, and, he the, and, 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 and the, the papal pastoral, the pastoral and ecclesiastical, yeah. basically. He differentiates between... Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well not, not the term is like, there's the term a is like it's, distinction it's between, being on, between the ontological Unis being of the Pope, being in the seat, yeah, and yeah. the activities and the ministry of the Pope itself. So technically, Pope Benedict could have passed on the activities and the, the, the ministerial aspects of the papacy, but still retained the ontology of being the Pope. Yeah, the issue which that, is the, so fantastic. I love it. Which is that, dumb it, because Michael points out that in his resignation letter, he quite clearly says, "I am fully resigning the see of Peter, the chair of the." Yeah, apostles. that's it. That's it. Lofton like, just, like, he's like Lofton absolutely just thrashed him with that one quote. Like, yeah, Lofton's yeah. Dream could have been Wait. ten seconds. Also, more. if I remember correctly, um, Ratzinger, and I'm not being disrespectful or anything, he it, he wrote this I think when he was a cardinal. In that book, where he said there was a distinction between the the ministerium and mundus, right? Um, he he says that they're inseparable. <laughs> I think Lofton pointed that out too, didn't he? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and that's yeah. And, but but it's so funny because ironically, what it ends up being, it, <laughs> Patrick Coffin's ending up ends up um, positing another transubstantiation where Benedict has. Benedict is yeah. the accidents <laughs> of a, of a non-pope. He's the accidents. The accidents are the, the outward form of someone yeah. who's not the pope, but he has the essence of the papacy. <laughs> my question. So my question is that so Pope Benedict uh, is uh, ninety-five. He's old. He's really old. Yeah. So what happens to Patrick Coffin's view when he dies? He'll have to be a state of Vicantus. He'll just have to come out as it. Well, okay. Let's say Patrick. Well, wait, Coff no, let's no. say so. When Patrick. Well, let's say when Benedict so dies. And then, and then Francis dies. Does he acknowledge the College of Cardinals again? Wait. So, I have a uh, an actual answer that he would give, yeah. or that he would probably give. Edmazo would give this, and he seems to. Yeah, I think he did he's a stream like the, with Edmazo. He's like the so, spiritual father of Patrick. Oh yeah, yeah. He's the guy yeah. who gave the argument. That, so yeah. If have you like see, seeing Ed Maza's argument as to why he's not a schismatic, even if he's wrong. No. So, Ed, Christian might uh, find this amusing. He's muted, so I don't know if he's listening, but... um. Oh, I'm listening. He, <laughs> he says that um, Pope Benedict separated the office of Bishop of Rome from the papacy. So the See of Peter is no longer, they are just essentially a roaming bishop or not actually inherently the Bishop of Rome. So he says, well, I'm still in communion with the Bishop of Rome, who he thinks is a heretic. So according to him, he's not a schismatic. Well, that just deflates, still that deflates the classical, the classical the argument that, that, that someone like Michael Lofton would give against why he's not orthodox, where he says, well, being orthodox requires you to be in communion with heretics, even if you don't want to be. Yeah. Right. Or in communion with someone who is right. Like that's an argument like with Peter Forrest, where he says Peter Forrest is a heretic. Everyone agrees he's a heretic. I don't think anyone's going to disagree that Peter Forrest is a heretic. He teaches openly heretical things, and he's the Archbishop of Gorg. So if you're Orthodox, you have to be in communion with him, or be in communion with someone who's in communion with him. I've met him face to face before. You met Peter Forrest? Mm -hmm. I just was an altar boy at a liturgy with him. Oh, that's sure. funny. But yeah, he's he's a heretic. By all by all accounts, he's a heretic. Yeah, um, I probably agree with that. <laughs> but, I mean, he he's he's taught downright universalism. 
So it's hard. Wait, to like, like, uh, he straight up like said he, he gave an argument. Michael Lofton quoted this. He he gives an argument where Alpita Fora says like, um, uh, saying your religion is better than others is wrong because there's multiple paths to the same mountain. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's down. I mean, that's 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 pretty clear universalism to me. Multiple paths, my fat ass, right? Yeah. <laughs> If not, I mean, it's almost, in fact, it's almost perennialism. It's it's kind of like a, it's a really weird, it's like a, because it'd be like, yeah, it could be perennialism in a sense, right? It's not even, Uh, (laughs) David Bentley Hart's universalism is more orthodox than that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not even like, not even people who think Gregory of Nice that taught universalism think he taught that form of universalism. So, yeah, no, John. Yeah, <laughs> I want you guys to. I want you to tell everybody about what you told me about um, Nova Sordo. Uh, by the way. What did I say? Which, yeah, yeah they, about, like, I'm, I'm the history pro. behind it. Um. Wait, about how? Wait. I've I've said a lot, and I. <laughs> no, you give me like the background lore to all of it. Oh, how, how Bunini was uh, likely Freemason? No, 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 about like the sources and editing and all that stuff. I don't know. You told me a lot about uh, it. I have a 101 Ooh. degree fever. <laughs> Oof. And that's went down. Cringe. Oh, yeah, you have COVID. Excuses. Right? Whoa, whoa! You weren't supposed to say that. Now the stream's demonetized. Oh, well, I don't. I, that's not like that's not like Trump's gonna make money anyway. Just call it the other flu. You the have other flu. the <laughs> other flu. Yeah, the other flu. <laughs> you have flu squared. Yeah. yeah. Bible talk. JHS. Shia Alex is a Shia Muslim. <laughs> He's not a Christian. <laughs> I was, quote, I I was listening to him here and thought he was Christian, but then checked his Twitter and it seems like he's Muslim. It's just, it's just that I, I know a lot about Christianity. That's one thing I've, I've pride myself on. I think he's, Paul can, can sort of at least to some degree concede that like I'm not you know an idiot when it comes to Christianity. Wait, <laughs> like, Alex, he, he's, 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 he's trying to flex his taqiyya muscles. Yeah. Alex, become Trinitarian. It's, it's more of an awesome. Yes, like, become a Trinitarian yeah. Muslim. Yeah, but yeah, I was literally going to say that. Go the ultimate woke group. Trinitarian. Wouldn't Trinitarian Islam with the Quran be um, the Father and Mary and Jesus? Well, oh, okay. no, that's that's they say that's what we believe. So Trinitarian Muslims say they're, they're condemning a straw man for some heretical sect. Yeah, to clarify, it's, so. it's clearly I I hate the way like Christian Prince brings up this argument. Because contextually, it's clearly not talking about all Christians. Because if it was, then Oops. why would it also say there are monotheistic Christians? It's oh, clearly wait, wait. talking it's about referring to Arians. That person, the Trinity confirmed. It's huh? referring to Arians, probably. Yeah, it's, it's wait, just referring to a monotheists. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's yeah. referring to a specific group. It's not referring to Christians. A group that world. that didn't exist, and it's misrepresenting the group which came later that believed that and. They didn't even really believe what's described there. But you, you you Coloridianism didn't. That there, was a, that there was a group of people who did believe that. You, you do agree that's possible, right? It's not like sure. it's historically impossible that a group believed that. Sure. 
yeah, just because that's it's possible the doesn't make it actual. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but um, but there's a couple of things regarding that. The, the history of Arabia at that time, you're going to have to rely on Islamic sources. There Cringe. simply isn't much about it. And if you take, and, and if you want to take, and if well, yeah, John of Damascus, but he's clearly like, uh, if you, I mean, you want to take John of Damascus, he, he doesn't speak on the issue, and also his take on it is quite clearly like, I'm gonna be blunt, he gets things wrong sometimes. But he lists uh, like 500 different heretical sects. You don't think he would have listed it from the Quran because he knew the Quran? Just doesn't make much sense to me. What do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, in um, his Fount of Orthodoxy. Yeah. He lists, like, all of the heretical sects in Arabia. He also lists, he also, he also lives in, uh, in Jerusalem, in northern, in northeastern Arabia, and before then lived in, in a palace, in a literal caliphate palace. Exactly, no. he would have all the sources. No, it would be the opposite <laughs> of having all of the sources if you lived in a caliphate palace of knowing Wait. all yeah, the but... Christian heresies. I mean, how do you how, was, how does someone who lives in a in a Christian palace and in a in a, a, a palace of the caliphate know about what people, what Bedouins are believing in the middle of nowhere? When because no one has he he worked he worked for the caliph, right? He, uh, his dad did. He didn't. Yeah, but he he would have had sources to all the that those libraries and stuff. What libraries? You, you don't understand. Oh, I, you don't understand. Okay, one thing you don't understand is that Arabic history is it's incredibly oral. There wouldn't have been libraries Wait, like that. Alex. What's up? Do you, okay, do you know one of the explanations that, if I remember correctly, a lot of scholars present with this. So, if I remember correctly, again, I, I could be remembering wrong, but I don't think I am. Um, there were, you know, many heretics would would spread their heresy through songs, right? And and Arians did this. Nestorians did this. There seems to have been a Nestorian song, like folk song, that would have been sung in the streets, which said, speaking of the, of belief that Mary is the Theotokos, said that Christians are, um, I guess... Chalcedonians believe that that Mary is the Holy Spirit. So that, that they believe directly that Mary is God. So this is really as far as what we have that's like extant from the time other than the Quran itself. That's the only explanation other than someone made it up. No, again, it's just that firstly, he was I'll, going I'll off. Someone of... said, someone said in the comment, you can't assume that their heresy is there. You need to find reasonable evidence for it. Um, what reasonable evidence is there that the Ebionites existed? I'll give you, I'll give you an example just for that one. The Ebionites, we all agree existed, and you consider them a group of heresies, are really only accounted for in one or two documents. And everything else we know about them is pieced together either archaeologically, which there's very little regarding that, or just contextually. Same with many other sects. The Essenes, for example. We know the Essenes exist because of archaeology, but we knew they existed before the Dead Sea Scrolls. We knew they existed. How do we know that, how do we knew they existed before the Dead Sea Scrolls? And the and the idea Because St. John was called an Essene, right? 
Well, we have we have we have contextual texts. We have texts, religious uh-huh. texts even that speak on them, right? Yeah. But there, but it's only one or two documents. The issue is that there is the issue a is that you're simply it... you're discrediting the Quran mm. and and the Islamic sources as historical documents, conveniently and not consistently. There because is a wanted, difference between saying if you wanted, this if you wanted to do that, exists. for example, if you wanted to do that, for example, you could also discredit them that uh, that and I've seen some Christians do this that Muhammad even existed and to say, well, you know, John of Damascus is wrong. And you want to take that view? You can take that view. It's just sociopathic. I'm not going to tell you that much, but you can take that. Yeah. View if you want to. Yeah, I think uh, Muhammad. What's <laughs> mythicism? I think Muhammad mythicism is uh, just as just as dumb as uh, <coughs> Jesus mythicism. I agree. Like it's yeah, not... yeah. Bailey Protestant says uh, uh, that's one or two more than you have. No. Yeah, it is. I... I was about to say that. Well, I was yeah, going to yeah, say but... as well. There is a difference between historical attestation that a group exists versus saying this group believes x there is a well, difference between that well, and, and know, with, well, the, well, with the evidence that who, who, was, who was saying this evidence was it jonathan or john or who we was bringing the evidence about, was, we can make claims uh, about what the well, whoever said hang on hang on whoever said <laughs> i was one he can there, there can be an establishment of how well hang on for one orthodox christians didn't believe that so we can check that off um all these heretical sects, which John of Damascus lists, many, many of them operating in the area at the time, they didn't believe that, so we can check them off. But then he also provides positive evidence. There is an historian document that ascribes this misrepresented view to the Orthodox, and that can explain how the error came into the Quran. There's a difference between that and saying that a certain group existed like merely attesting to their existence that's much easier also, that's much easier to argue for the validity for from a document versus whereas it's it's whereas it is actually much easier for us to scrutinize a document when it says this particular group believes x or y so there is say, a difference you, there. you say we know very little about the ebionites i agree you know very little about the ebionites i'd also concede we know very little about the sect that's brought up in the quran i wouldn't argue we know more about them than just the beliefs that are stated but we know we know more about the ebionites than what you're letting off we know they were vegetarians we know they deny the divinity of, of Christ. We know they had their own gospels. You know, and we have no proof of any of those things beyond one or two textual accounts. And the issue is that you're just discrediting the Quran as a textual account inconsistently and early Arabic sources inconsistently and ascribing that John of Damascus must be correct while disallowing those other sources. And you're doing that inconsistently, like I said, it's... because there's aspects of Arabic history that are taken usually as truthful from early Islamic sources because they're, the, they're the, to most of the extent of what exists from that area, from that era. For example, um, the idea of the Quran, uh, not the Quran, the idea of the Kaaba being a, a house of pagan worship. That's established in early Islamic documents. And it's taken as fact because we, can, uh, we, can, we would understand that that, probably, that would probably be true. But it's only attested to in early Islamic sources, as far as I know. And then the, and the other later, and there's later sources that also ascribe to it. But its earliest attestment is in those early Islamic sources. So you can't inconsistently deny this source and say, well, it's wrong on this one thing consistently because it consistently helps me build my case that the Quran is understand Christianity while saying that it's the, the Quran is correct about other things when they're when it's based on the same historical method. That's not that no no sense. no. That's not how historical method works though. Historical method doesn't just say, oh look, we can trust if we can trust this document on one thing, we must trust it on all the other things. That's not how it works. It's talking about we're talking about synthesizing multiple sources and factors together. In some contexts, 
one can say that yes, the Quran and other early Islamic traditions provide historical attestation, good historical attestation that something is the case. But yeah. then we could also say theoretically, well, hang on, the Quran, these Islamic sources say this, but then all this other historical data uh, why, more what, why do you believe demonstrates the contrary, in which case, in this case, one can say, for example, the testimony of the Quran is sufficient and of the early Islamic sources is sufficient to demonstrate that Muhammad exists, for example, or that the Kaaba was originally a house of pagan worship. Cool, we can grant that. But one can also say that the data contradicts more heavily ways against the claim of the Quran that the Christ that that there existed a Christian sect which believed that Mary <clears throat> that uh, Mary was um, sorry that Mary was a was was basically a was a divine being that this is believed at well, least by you, certain Christians well, why and why whether you, you believe that or not there is a that one can make that case theoretically on account of for example the testimony of John Damascus who makes a comp who uh, from what I'm hearing now makes a comprehensive list of cults but also by the other piece of data which gives a concrete clear explanation for where that misinterpretation came from that being a nestorian document which claims that these uh these um chalcedonian christians assert the divinity of mary and so that can explain where the error comes from and that has uh, more data than the existence of a group that actually believe that two things when it comes to that regardless uh for example uh, a, why are you taking? Why would you take John of Damascus's approach over the Quran's approach? What justification does his approach have that's more valid than the approach of the Quran? Right? Like, what, what, on what basis would you <clears throat> validify him versus what the Quran statements? Because obviously, <clears throat> I usually there's a contradiction between the two, and one have to justify one against the other. Because John of Damascus is actually investigating the subject matter, and the Quran is giving an. How do you, well, how do you know that? How do you know that? Because that's what he's. That's literally what he's doing there. In, that we know that by well, the same basis know, of what how, any how historian do you know does, any ancient now? historian does, we take we take for how granted you know that they're do, that they're doing an historical investigation on the subject yeah, not that they're that claiming to be doing investigation on. But you're not taking that for granted with the Quran because the, the Quran doesn't process. claim that. The Quran's making a bare assertion where does, about where what does John of Damascus claim? Where does John of Damascus claim I went into the Arabian desert and discovered all of these sects? Or where does he claim his sources from? So wait, wait, wait. are you going to wait, wait? If you actually, if you actually are asserting that are you going to be discrediting virtually every ancient historian then who doesn't no. always cite their sources no i'm not saying that i'm not saying so that then how can you make that argument then? No, that listen, doesn't matter listen listen other paul i'm not saying he's wrong because he doesn't cite his sources i'm saying on what basis do you validify him versus the quran the only basis you'd have is because he's a christian or because you believe mm -hmm. that he somehow like <laughs> what on what basis must he be more correct is it because because he's later than the quran Right, he's later than the early Islamic documents. Um, he he comes after those documents, so you have to give some reason why his account must be correct. I mean, do we even have that Nestorian, an original source of that Nestorian song, that still exists, or is it only attested to by John of Damascus? Furthermore, mm -hmm. uh, like I said, uh, you are using inconsistently because the the early Islamic sources are 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 um. Are relied upon in historic and historical analysis of Arabia at that time period, right? Hmm. I don't think anyone's going to deny that 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 you know, uh, for example, the Muslims migrated from Mecca to Medina at a certain point in time. That's hmm. only attested to in historical literature in the Islamic relying on certain sources doesn't therefore mean we take them infallibly. That's of course I'm not saying that I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I'm not saying that. It's very it's more than consistent to say hey the this thing is true because the Quran attests to it, these early Islamic traditions attest to it. And the evidence taken together says speaks positively for it. But then we can but also then say wanna... we can we can dispute this claim by the Quran because the data disputes 
that. The data of the data of one the data of one the data of one later plausibly secondary source, which you have no reason to validate over the Quran. And we have no reason to validate the Quran over it. Yes, you do. It's earlier. It's it's primary. It's primary. Why? How do you know that? What sources does the Quran list for that claim? It's primary in the sense that it, 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 that it clearly is, is claiming that these people had con we have we have reason to believe that if they're making these claims about these people, they had contact with those people. What reason do we Same have? Same with John Damascus, right? No. Do you Why? know where John Damascus lived? Where did so he live? what? People no, travel. Where did he live? Answer the question. Historians, historians travel. No, no, no. Historians Paul, Paul, travel. Paul, that was Paul. the standard. Paul, answer the question. Where did he live? So what's there's no relevance to that. He lives on a historians traveled and not even just traveled, but they also had access to libraries, as the left. other guy mentioned. He lived. If you're going to apply that scrutiny to John Damascus, why not apply to the He lived in a monastery in Jerusalem that he never left. Okay, so okay, cool. Thank you for that historical fact. And do yes. you not have access to libraries? Okay, I agree that he might have access to libraries. Do you, do you think the books he's setting are infallible? No. So what? That's not what I'm saying. Then what? Again, we're talking also, about historical a, a, likelihood here. A, Can you establish that the author of the Quran ever traveled anywhere beyond wherever they wrote it? Yes. How? Even if you, even if you presuppose, let's let's say you presuppose the author of the Quran is Muhammad, for the sake of argumentation. Hmm. Obviously, I disagree with that theologically, but for the sake of argumentation, let's presuppose that. Um, do you disagree that he traveled from Mecca to Medina? I don't. But we're talking about your method here, where you're saying, "Well, do you have evidence yeah. that this must be the case?" Because you're not, you're not actually doing his consistent historical method. A consistent historical method takes for granted what an author is asserting so, unless the data I'll shows you, otherwise. You you're trying to apply you endless skepticism to the reliability of John of Damascus. You're trying to say, where's his sources? Where'd he go to? Where'd he travel? You're not actually giving him the benefit of the doubt, as I do to the Quran. I give it the benefit of the doubt logically prior before I approach the data and say, ah, oh, hang on, maybe it's actually wrong. I actually give it in discourse, I give it the benefit of the doubt when it says these, this group believed X. Okay, cool. But then we can come and find data afterwards that seems but to why is his data? Why, is say, it, okay, why are you giving weight to his data over the Quran? Why are you giving weight to his data? From the multiple factors of the other man that, uh, that who was the other guy who was arguing with this before? I'm, I'm more or less arguing on his behalf at the moment. I'm kind of being his lawyer. Oh, who yeah. was arguing with this originally? Barely proud of um. Wait, what? No, here, here. The yeah, original was. person who was arguing here from John Damascus. I'm more or less, I'm simply trying to defend his his method. But yeah, I'm, but, I'm not well acquainted with the report myself. You but have no, Christian brought up John of Damascus. Yeah, but you have to validify John of Damascus over the Quran as a source. And what what sort of, what validification does that serve? Um, he's canonized. Well, yeah, if you say he's a saint, that's, I mean, that's, I, I have no problem with yeah. he's. I believe he's more respected because he's a saint, but that's not going to work when you're arguing against people that aren't Christian. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but yeah, you have to you have to validify his case of events over the Quran. And there are things, like I said, that that are to the Quran's advantage. It's earlier. That's undoubtable. It's earlier than the John of Damascus. If you want to even debate, Wait. and there's and there's more and there's more reasons to believe that he would have had contact with those people than it is for John of Damascus. Alex. Go ahead. You have to you have to realize that secondary sources, which synthesize the sources they have, are actually more reliable than earlier primary sources. What? But synthesize what sources? That that presupposes not necessarily, but but that often is the case. Yes. But that would also presuppose that we have an understanding of his sources in the first place, because that wouldn't be true if his sources were. Same goes for Quran. 
Yeah, uh, but 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 it's one of. I mean, how do you know I, the Quran was actually working with Christians and didn't just get but the testimony? I, but I agree, I agree with I agree with what you're saying. But even then, I agree with what you're saying in principle. But even then, we, there's still the benefit of the Quran being an earlier source, right? There's still that benefit of it. Um, and even then, like you're I said, it, yes. it presupposes that the, that the, that his sources are are good sources. They could be, they could not be. I'm not saying. Same I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I want to make it very clear. I'm not saying his sources were bad. His sources could have been. Yeah. Good. Yeah, but I just believe you're applying you're applying an un you're applying an unbalanced level of skepticism to him that could also be applied to the Quran. And, and, I, and I think situation. and I think you're you're giving an un an un uh, an inconsistent weighting to him because of his status as a Christian. And it's more and it's, and it's and it's incredibly it's incredibly convenient to take his position. So who is the original guy who was arguing this? I can't see who was arguing this. With I don't Seattle. mean I don't mean you specifically. I mean yeah. yeah, yeah. So the other, um, well, the it other was guy me was and then. And it was me, Who's and then me? Christian was arguing for him. Oh, sorry, John. John. Okay, John. Got you. John led down. Yeah, with, can you do? You, with, uh, uh, where, John where Damascene. Oh, sorry. With John Damascene, he would have had the Quran too. So obviously, he didn't think it was a reliable source. There has to be a reason. Yeah, let's look at the text itself. Well, what's what's the text in the John Damascus work that? lists all the arabian heresies oh, and all i think that. it's uh you'll you'll see if you go to uh, i think it's like Fount of orthodoxy or or uh, exposition of the orthodox faith i would yeah, also exposition of the orthodox faith the first what? chapter in there just lists like 200 of them i would also chapter, argue like first book he makes he makes claims yeah, yeah. that are pretty he does make claims that are pretty unfounded sometimes pretty famously he claims right. that like the, he claims the black stone is from a statue of aphrodite yeah how about That's the, a pretty funny claim. claim that, I heard. I heard he also claimed the, the moon split in two. Oh wait, no jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but that claim, <laughs> that claim. I mean, that claim is just. I mean, Actually, what I'm saying is that, I, mean, I don't think. I don't think many people would agree with him on that, on that anymore. It, <laughs> right? it being a statue of Aphrodite is probably more likely than us believing that Mary is God. <laughs> well, but also. Well, no one, no one claimed. I would argue that I mean, none of the historic, none that I've read, at least, at least, incredibly tiny minority would ever posit that when the Quran is speaking of people that believe that Mary is part of the Trinity, it's speaking okay. of Orthodox Christians and Christians, like like people Sorry. who. Why don't we go to the text? Well, then, why doesn't it seem reading. to address the actual belief in the Trinity? And I can, I can, you know, and I, you, I already justified how it can't possibly mean all Christians. The reason why it can't no, possibly mean No, I'm saying, mean why that, doesn't it address Christians? Though. Because it addresses, because it, it, it's addressing it in the context specifically what it has to do with Mary. It addresses Trinitarian claims more generally in other passages. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be redundant and do it in a very specific way. When it's, does that make sense? Oh. Like it's already addressed them in a more general sense. When it mentions this specific belief, it's it's addressing something that's unique to that specific belief. Speaking but, of it, um, going over them in a more general sense. But wait. I'd argue, like I said, that like like I said, you can't make a claim that it's speaking about all Christians or, or even all Orthodox Christians because quite the Quran quite clearly multiple times said that the monotheistic Christians exist. There's Christians who will go to heaven, etc. So they quite I, clearly can't be thinking of all he, Christians contextually. He was probably speaking of Arians. So was his, was, was his listing know. of heresies in Christ the exposition is... of the Orthodox faith or in against the heresy of the Ishmaelites? Christian. Yeah, I don't know. Very Christian? Look, look both, I guess. But Muslims don't agree with Arians. No, it's on his exposition of the Orthodox faith. It's the chapter where he lists like 200 heresies. You should be able to find it easy. You get bad or, research skills. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, so Boy, yeah. Alex, what's up? So yeah, I know uh, 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 they uh, say uh, a lot of things about uh, like translations of the yeah. Quran and how they're on inaccurate. But would you say that it's accurate at least uh, when it comes to numeric values? What do you mean? Um, so in I don't know how to pronounce that, and I don't know if I want to give that a shot. My Almaida, <laughs> I don't know how chapters or oh, books oh, of the Quran work, but yeah, that. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy-two through seventy-five. It says. Allah is the third of, or it says that, that, I'll just read from the beginning. They have certainly disbelieved who say Allah is the Messiah, son, the son of Mary. Well, the Messiah has said, O children of Israel, worship Allah, my Lord, and your Lord. Indeed, he who associates others with Allah, Allah has forbidden him paradise, and his refuge is fire. And there are not. Or not for the wrongdoings or wrongdoers any helpers. They have certainly. So are disbelieved. you making the critique that um, that the Quran gets it wrong in terms of people saying that God is a third of three? Yes. Okay, that can be pretty easily refuted. But there the are literally modern Trinitarian heretics who will say things like that. And if they exist now, they probably existed then. In fact, well, I've heard people like I've heard people like like James White basically concluded that thing. So, or William Lane Craig. Oh yeah, but and and this one is just saying curse people who say this. It's not even saying in this case Christians. It's saying people who believe this. Well, so, do you see what I'm saying there? Yes. Okay, good. Oh, and uh, I was just asking. No, yeah, no, I don't. I don't mean it. I mean, I I kind of presumed you were being uh, pointed, but I, I I'm sorry if it came off as like me trying. Oh to yeah, be, yeah, no, sorry. Terrible. No, you're this fine. is obviously. A tiny bit heated, but uh, yeah, yeah, you're fine. I was just, I was honestly just wanting an answer. No, yeah, yeah, I would just argue that, like, yeah, those, I mean, if people can't understand the Trinity now, <laughs> they probably didn't understand it too well 1400 years ago, but yeah, uh, another example is like, so the Quran likes to, uh, for example, um, and I'd, I'd give a perfect example of this where it's like, uh, sometimes the Quran speaks with general language, but it means something specific. So it'll say like, the Jews are too legalistic or something along those lines, right? Does that mean that literally every single Jew is too legalistic? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, functionally the case, if you look today with any Jew who can be called a Jew, <laughs> that's functional well yeah but obviously even for example, you take, if you take the example of the new testament right um it tends to speak about pharisees and sadducees in very general senses yeah but that doesn't mean that literally every single pharisee was out there yeah. cursing tax, tax yeah but it does say there is a general pattern yeah yeah i mean and you could you could you also recognition make... parentheses yeah 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 but it, it's critiquing patterns. an essence that, it, that it's when it critiques the Pharisees. It's usually critiquing an essence that it finds in particular Pharisees, and in the, especially the leadership uh, in that context. I'd argue. Come on, eh, come on. Fairly Protestant had to head out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, father. Whoa, you called him father. Yeah, I thought yeah, I called based. Father. I was called priest. Whoa. Oh, okay. I, I good, Christian, can you share my good screen? Good Protestant of you. You guys are going to like this. 
I need I need my screen shared. Uh, we're going for, we've been going for that. four hours, by the way. Four hours. I know. Right? I'm probably about to head off to get lunch, but uh, yeah, even it's cool. Almost right. early evening now, but uh, but yeah, I need to do something first. But I want to share this uh, before I go. <laughs> Once Christian decides to share the screen, so that people can. I don't know see. if I can. You can do it, buddy. You can find a way. Either you find yeah, a way no. or I yeah. find your house. You can send me the he didn't log on or log in with his actual account oh, that he started the room with. Yeah. No, I did. Oh, you oh, did? Oh, okay. cool. Well, your yeah. name is different. Well, you yeah, yeah, I changed my name. Yeah, but since all my phone and all my other, let you share your screen. Uh, okay, I'll just do it analog. You guys have to read my screen. Analog time, baby. Alright, let me let me stop sharing screen. Let's get rid of my background. Alright. Bring her up. Is that a, is that a DS? Shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one eating like chips right in front of the mic. Like this isn't ASMR, bro. <laughs> All right. Probably Wait, wage slave. A tweet from a tweet. Uh, this is a classic. A tweet from Matt Dillahunty. Maybe you guys have seen this before. Um, he says, "You're a monumental idiot getting information from other idiots. That action wasn't because of any of my positions. I'm not only an advocate and an ally. I'm dating a trans woman and calling out Dawkins and others. Go load something you you so you don't look so fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm dating a trans woman," says Matt Dillahunty. Can we appreciate Matt that? That's amazing. <laughs> That's a banger. Matt Dillahunty says trans rights. I will say Matt Dillahunty's debate with Jay Dyer is one of the funniest things ever. Really? It is hilarious. Because Matt Dillahunty basically Jay's goes, yeah, I, I see no, why do I have to accept that logic exists? And it's like, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, bro. Does Dillahunty really say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I believe that. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, if I remember correctly, I th- I don't know. Remember what Christian debated? I think it may have been Trent Horn. Um, he was debating them on the incarnation, or on, on whether or not it was reasonable to believe uh, that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And if I remember correctly, he at one point said, "Why do I even have to believe uh, in in the concept of a reasonable belief <laughs> or a reasonable <laughs> position that I don't agree with?" This is like this isn't even new atheism anymore. This is like third pause atheism. It's like it's like new so like no, meta, this is third grader atheism. atheism. Yeah. <laughs> this is like new age new age theism. It's like, new sophism, bro. Like, bro, what even is Why do I have to I can deny with... logic exists? Come on. I, no, bet, no, I bet he no. was like I bet he, he was, was like as a kid, why do I have to wipe my shoes, mom? Why do bro, I have to wipe my posit- I bet he was like as a kid, why do I have to wipe my ass, mom? If you posit a belief <laughs> Wait, where no. Socrates has already dunked on you, you probably you're probably wrong, bro. No, he didn't be blind. <laughs> he didn't say uh or well, I guess in this one that you were talking about with Jay Dyer, he said yeah. that he believed that logic didn't exist. But if I remember correctly in the one with I think Trent Horn, he said, Why do I have to believe that any position I disagree with could be reasonable? <laughs> hey mom why sh- why shouldn't i eat my crap after i took a dump hey yeah. hey, okay, other you, Paul, I, have a, I have a deep question for you deep question uh-huh. 
Why should I brush my teeth? I mean, uh, you shouldn't. There's fluoride in it, and it, uh, <laughs> it'll poison your gut. There's all, there's all, there's a number of chemicals in in the teeth paste that keeps yeah. you coming back. It's like nicotine, but not. Plus, they're like opium in it. Like there's <laughs> oatmeal. Oh, oatmeal. He said opium. Oh, opium. I thought he said oatmeal. Toothpaste, <gasps> oatmeal. Yeah, Wait, opium, opium is not haram, right? Opium. Opium is haram. You cannot consume. Oh, that's opium. gay. Yeah, I'm definitely not becoming a Muslim. It's an intoxicant, bro. Other Paul's a massive opium addict. Oh, oh wait, right? No, no. The Middle East it's, and it's have a haram. Good machine. No, no. So, so, so Alex, you can't even do, you... but not to sell right, to to people of the book, right? It, what uh, it means is that what I mean by intox, what's defined as intoxicant, is anything that alters your rationality. So, anything that would make you irrational. Does that? So I was just making you, a you joke about. Use, you're not allowed to use the hookah. Are you? You're not allowed to use the hookah, the agile. N- no, Shisha. That's yeah, no. so lame, bro. I'll go out with... That's because of health, though. That's not because of intoxication. Because nicotine doesn't make you, uh, like, unrational. So, like, Islam yeah, doesn't you more do anything that could have an effect on your health. A negative effect on your nothing health. That, nothing that you could reasonably believe that doing it would cause, like, like life-threatening, serious issues. Oh, that's Wait, okay. Yeah. Then having the occasional hookah shouldn't be a problem, then. Wait. No, Alex, no. Alex, no, the, the issue is that if, when know. it comes to... Usually, when it comes to like that, if if it, if it can with repeated things, it's not going to do it once because of uh, uh it's it's not uh, because of the format having aspect of it. Wait, or habit forming aspect of it. Cigar That's smokers why. have lower rates of cancer, though. One second, my my AirPods just died. Oh, I have to go put it in there. It's trying to dodge the debate. Yeah, <laughs> it's trying to, trying to dodge the debate. He can't get over John's debunk Actually, of guys, Islam. Uh, so my knee just re dislocated. I have to leave. You can uh, pop it no, back in. <laughs> there isn't a wrong way to reset your knee. <laughs> no, seriously, there isn't. You can just pop it back in. Granted, you might tear what you've already torn, probably. I'm back. Oh, okay. I'm back. Oh, my knee hurts so much right now. Oh, God. Just pop oh, it back my in. kneecap. Bro, I dislocated. Dude, I probably... <laughs> what? You can't. Oh, I was kind of quoting Smosh with that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a parody video of Taken, and it's like shooting shoots a woman in the kneecap. Ow, oh, my kneecap! We, we don't understand Smosh references. Did you see the picture of my knee? No, we, I haven't. I'll DM it to you one second. On, on Please Disney. do. I, I want. I want your knee. Paul, Paul, we were barely three years old when Smosh started. So check Discord, uh, Paul. Wait, how old are you? I'm 22. How old are you? I'm 18. <laughs> and I think well, to be fair, same. I would have I would have only been six or seven when Smosh. I didn't know Smosh was a thing until like 2011 or something, and yeah, they well, started in 06. Why? I don't but know that I've ever watched a Smosh video. Their so their OG stuff up until like 2013 or 2014 maybe was like that's like the canonical Smosh. But then eventually they sold out, um, and they got like com- kind of commercialized. And uh, Anthony Padilla left one of the two, um, and they just went down the crapper um, since then. Wait no, I take um, that back. I watched the uh, the Fine Brothers react to Smosh. <laughs> but I never the guy who tried to who tried to freaking patent the word react. Can you see that? Uh, yeah, it was before that. Mm. I watched it. Um, um, file. Okay, pulling up the image now. Video. Why is why is everyone sending me images and videos in esoteric extensions? What's the H E I C extension? That's that's for uh, Apple. One second. 
I can uh I can Alex. Real fast. Everyone's What's sending up? me I'm... something written in like the 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 dead language of the elder gods or something, and my computer can't read it. What's up? No, What's up? I'm telling you, there there is not a wrong way to reset your knee. <laughs> no, seriously, it won't go back in wrong. There's just ways you can really harm yourself. Oh, it's raining. Right. I can't get. Well, much. yeah, you have already probably torn something, and so there's blood. So in your, just trust in your me, Source, source. I have went to. Here, here you go, uh, Paul. I sent it again. Seen people okay. dislocate their knee. Oh, oh! It says your request Discord to block any messages are mostly accurate. Robots seem to explicit, so I think it's explicit because it's just my knee with like I have a scab on my knee. So Wait, Discord de- detected that it was an explicit image. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here, um, maybe I can just, post um, it on the Discord in like a private. Send it on my server, and I'll immediately delete it. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Hopefully, it won't, on the like... forum. Send it in the forum. Yeah, I'm doing that right now, and I'll ping you. You can look at it and go, "Ow, oh, wow, that looks like it hurts, Alex," and then you delete it immediately. There you go. I don't know why it's in a Hamza with it, but don't worry. oh yeah, nice game. So right, thanks for you. Thank the you for right the knee picks. Obviously, the messed up one in that pick. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that on that knee pick? What are you what are your thoughts? Um, look, a bit more hair than I like, but. Uh... <laughs> That's but, just uh, the oh, not the fact that the right one's like the size of a balloon. It's that just, it's, uh, a little just, bit more just, hair, just, man. Alex, I'm, I'm, have I'm you grown more? Over to me. Alex, have you grown more body hair since converting? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not answering that question. But yeah, inside that right <laughs> kneecap, <laughs> so that was a guess. That right, inside that right kneecap, there is a uh, um, 40 mils of, of blood at that time of that photo. That was right after I did it. Imagine me just putting a straw into your knee and just. <laughs> you know, no, I, I'm can't like, do that because he's. I'm like when when I, when I when um when he first said like oh we'll have to drain it I was like I hope you're not too scared of needles and I was like as long as it's not like a like a baby Huey like comically like like this size. You know, or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> as long as like a like a like a super villain needle, I'll be I'll be pretty okay with it. <laughs> Do you wanna do you wanna get your knee drained, other Paul, just for the fun? Just for just see what this is just drained of what? Whatever's in there, air, you know? Make it a vacuum. <laughs> sure, let's just drain the muscle out, I guess. Let's give me some <laughs> I don't even want legs anymore than now that I think about it. Uh, I might call it now. Uh, man, I wanna eat and read and get something done. And not be on call for four hours, sixteen minutes and nine, twenty seconds. All right. Well, gents, it was good uh, chatting as usual. Yeah. And God bless Paul. See you, Paul. I'll catch you gents later. See you. Okay, what? What's up, Christian? Alex. How you doing?